they come from another world, spawned in the light years of space, unleashed to take over the bodies and souls of the people of our planet, bringing a new dimension in terror to the giant super scope screen. Whatever intelligence or instinct it is that can govern the forming of human flesh and blood out of thin air is fantastically powerful, beyond any comprehension. A cursed, dreadful, malevolent thing was happening to those he loved. This isn't just an ordinary body, is it? I never saw one like it. It looks... unused. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 171 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, the most slandered podcast on the airwaves, a.k.a. the Toxic Toilet. Yeah. And of course, I have the man who doesn't understand the difference between a reboot and a sequel in franchises, the Mexicant, Double Shot J, a.k.a. JP. And back in the house, once again, we have the man who has my back fighting against these transparent pussies on the airwaves, the Sacktown Slaughterhouse Stallion, a.k.a. Mike Merriman. What's good? Baby, baby! What's up, guys? <laughs> I fucking silenced you guys there, man. <laughs> Glad to be back. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. Um, it was so funny because today um, Jeremy asked who was on the show. And he was like, so when uh, the new year happens, or like we're going to like go back to not having guests. <laughs> he's already burnt out. He's never even here. <laughs> I think it's because I actually um, said to him, you know, going back to like, I think when Mike was on the Dawn of the Dead show until now, which is quite a quite a broad span because we took like four months off but i think in the last 14 shows that we've recorded 13 have had guests it's crazy or 12 12 or yeah it's like almost every show it's really crazy but i mean this is going to happen this is kind of the future of the show because um jeremy's schedule's gotten insane and it's the and we want to have three people yeah and we always want to three people's a great dynamic you know three four whatever but two is i don't know i think me and jp did okay on a few shows and stuff but it is nice to have another opinion or someone to like you know it's very intimate when it's two people you know what i mean it's just very it's nice for certain shows but it does it does feel like we're 69 in a little bit yeah exactly S- and it's like <laughs> when it's, i feel timbers. like we're, too, we're extra nice to each other too <laughs> when it's just two people i know it's, it's, it's like, like you it, need- it is it's hard to be confrontational in your discussion when it's yeah because then it just feels like you're like being mean to each other <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah. when there's three it's more of like a party dynamic and it's yeah. like a, well you can pass wild, the insults around that time. right like one minute we're ripping on jeremy and yeah and then he's ripping on you and then he's ripping on jerry or something like it's just it's like a circle of uh rips so that's why that's why on fresh cuts like me like me and Venom can bust out episodes ourselves if we have to, but I always try to get at least one guest because I feel like when it's just us two, even if we have different opinions, if our differences feel so much softer when it's just yeah. us two because we don't want to like go at each other. But when there's at least a third person, it's like, well, if there's three different opinions and that makes a whole, whole world of difference all of a sudden. Man, I think I would honestly really like to have um, Venom back on a show and and, and kind of get underneath his skin and piss him off a little bit. He just seems <laughs> like that guy that's like super calm and cool, and he's like, no matter what you say, uh, to me, motherfucker, no, you ain't gonna I get mad at me. Before when I first kind of started hanging out with him, no, like on a podcast <laughs> though, I can see like in a chat or whatever, but like 
in a podcast because you know that shit's going public like do you want to be perceived like i i don't know man he just seems like that guy that'd be really hard to get kind of going you know it's the fucking weed man yeah maybe the it cali, is, the cali he's, he's got to have a weakness mine is when fucking when you guys question my ratings you're like motherfucker you know my rating system's different y'all's man i'd be talking about like how i rate with you know entertainment value and shit man like how the fuck could you give this a seven that movie is seven i'm like oh it grits on me man. jeremy's dumb because he's I, like gr- yeah he does this thing where he he'll <laughs> do that though he'll do that he'll do what you do he did a last then, show like, later, he did a last show and i even heard like, him go <laughs> i think it's when i gave uh hell of the living dead nine out of ten he's like he does that, and I'm like, motherfucker. And, like, no, it's, it's those little I'm things saying, that get like, me he'll going. He'll actually give something that is, like, purely entertainment, and it's, like, a bad movie, and he'll rate it, like, high, and then he'll be like, I don't know how you can't love that movie. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, true. yeah, but Double standard, then you, right? like, s- at least be consistent with your opinions, right? Yeah, like, Because yeah. me, I don't really do that that much, but at least, uh, like, when I ask you, like, question you or whatever, at least I'm consistently not doing it ever he's like one minute he's like doing it himself and then next minute he's like questioning why you do it and i'm like that's where you are an idiot <laughs> i just i just feel like it's hard to question somebody when they're relying so heavy on entertainment value i mean if i was rating specifically on technical aspects and you know technical filmmaking and shit like that and i was like yeah the shot on video film i'm gonna give it like a nine out of ten i'm like right there you know i'm just a piece of shit for talking like that because that's re- that's ridiculous uh, right I get shot on video, it's super low budget and it's shitty like i know that and i will rate those movies high specifically on entertainment value like something like the video dead is one of my favorite movies ever made i love that movie i love the cheesy casio soundtrack and i just like the cheese and shittiness of it but see here's the here's the thing about that whole technical aspect versus entertainment value is i i think that when we say technical aspect people only think of like okay like camera work and lighting and stuff like that and mm-hmm. like just the ba- bare essentials of technical aspect but like what i mean is like the writing the pacing no, how no, the, it's literally everything no, it's, to the movie besides 100 how it how much you enjoyed it oh it's 100 so like I, I factor in those like i do i take portions of everything except for when i'm doing super low budget films i never incorporate acting because i mean let's face it guys is it is it important to tell the audience that acting in general like i incorporate it but i don't lean heavy on it yeah yeah. i I will too i will you know i was watching this movie like they shot on video i'm like man the acting was horrible it's like you know it's definitely implied it's going to be and you know you're more or less stating the obvious about it too it's just something really to say (laughs) you know but who knows you might even be like, damn, man, the acting was really fucking good in this shot on video film. <laughs> you know, it might even happen too, right? But but for mm-hmm. sure, man, all technical aspects are very much, you know, factored in. Um, I know, like, music with me, man, is a really, really big thing. Like, I've, I've had movies make or break. Like, um, a good example for me, man, is a film that I actually do like. And I would love to get my hands on a raw fucking print of this movie <laughs> and put a different soundtrack over it. But you guys ever seen the movie, the orphan killer? Yeah. Yeah. So the orphan killer has this really obnoxious. They do it. Part two. Yeah. Yeah. So it has this, like, it's, it's a good slasher film. I like the effects. It's super brutal and gory and stuff. But when you watch that film and like, don't get me wrong. I love death metal and stuff. I just feel like it doesn't work for these type of movies at all. See, that's the one movie where I actually like it. Yes, yeah. I don't like death metal. Period. Usually, or any 
See, isn't that metal. odd? Isn't that fucking odd that you don't like the music, but you like it in that? And for me, I just think it doesn't work. And I think it's like, to me, it's almost a cop out, you know, to put that type of music in there, like, oh, you know, I'll appeal to this type of people and shit. I'm like, really? There's not much thought and effort put into putting soundtracks like that into I don't know. movies. I, it's weird. There was like, I just like, unless it works, I don't know. You know, it like, works for me in that if, movie. If you're watching just Deathgasm, movie, if you're watching Deathgasm and your characters are literally in <laughs> black metal or death metal bands and shit like that, like that makes complete fucking sense. But if you took the orphan killer and you actually put like, you know, a really cool, like ammonium or a coat, like just, you know, a really cool score to that. It would change the vibe of it so drastically. It's crazy really really crazy but so i i do weigh on a little like a little bit harder on the soundtracks and shit like that but more lenient towards entertainment value also like a pretty great example today man someone actually commented on one of my older videos like my top 30 films of like 2016 horror films or some shit i was like what the fuck people are watching still watching that shit and this guy comments and he's like He's like, I can't believe that you had the barn higher than the autopsy of Jane Doe and the green room. And I was like, instantly, I, I generally don't respond to like old videos like that, like four year old videos and stuff. But I was like, man, you know, I feel like this. I'm like, yo, bro. I'm like, I don't make, you know, best of lists. I make like my favorite lists and shit. And, and I just kind of explained my, the way I do things. And he's like, oh, dude, that totally makes sense. He's like, yeah, I respect that. <laughs> it was like, there's great back and forth. I was like, for once, someone just be like, you're a fucking idiot. You're a homo and thumbs down. You know, but yeah. So where were we? <laughs> um, with the whole, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that it's been debated and discussed so much about, about the ratings thing. I've definitely come, I've definitely relaxed. It's funny. I, I look at it as an evolution. I think it's because I haven't my... budged on it either though, too. You're just like, I think at first you were like completely no, no, no. taken back from me. You're I'm like, how the fuck about... can you give that shit a nine? <laughs> Well, that I've I've chilled on too, just because like I don't know, whatever. It, it's it. I, I just it, it, don't feel it, like doing it anymore. But I what I was getting at was I've relaxed on how I rate things. Um, over the years, like I used oh, to leave. Oh come really on, heavy. bad worm placement, motherfucker! You be lying. I gave it like a nine. <laughs> and I still gave it like a nine. I think. <laughs> um, but I think that I have definitely. F- um, sort of like leaned more towards how I feel about the movie entertainment wise than I You're used to. Man. I still don't yeah. lean on it heavy in my critique and stuff just because I, I feel like when you do a review it's for another person to consume. Mm-hmm. So it's like I don't want to factor in my personal likes and dislikes. I want to be like <laughs> more objective about it and like like i love movies about drug like bliss for example i love movies about drugs and stuff like that but that's not like jeremy doesn't you know what i mean so like i don't want to factor in i like it more because i like movies about drugs you know what i mean so it's i don't factor that in in my review of like you know actually giving it a higher score simply because it's about a subject matter that i enjoy i try to be objective and my my old argument has always been the baseball argument right if you're gonna write a story or an essay about about why baseball is one of the four most popular sports or whatever you're not gonna factor in whether you like baseball or not i hate baseball yeah but i it's not a good you're stupid for that though 
Exactly. So <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's like it's not a good look to factor in your personal enjoyment of baseball when talking about if baseball is good or not. Um, because it's like, why is baseball a, a, an important sport or a good sport? Like, like you get, okay, well, like it's the, the design of the rules, the, you know, this, the fact that it's based on statistics primarily, like the, the, the best team throughout a long period of time rises to the top through, you know, averages and stuff like that. So it's like, it would, it would be a bad look to be personal about if i like baseball or not man you've always been like an enigma to me man <clears throat> because you know you're like one of the most murican people i know like you <laughs> you love murk you love murica and uh, and it's funny because baseball for the longest time was like <laughs> murica's sport right sport. it was associated it was solely associated with like that was america's pastime and like when you when you first told me that you didn't really care for baseball i was like man i'm so confused right now what's going on i, I just couldn't believe it but I mean, I get it. I get why people don't and stuff. But yeah, you know, but for you, it was just like it was it was head twitching. It's crazy. I think I like the <clears throat> other sports because they feel like they can change on a dime more like like hockey. You know, it's like all of a sudden, oh, you know, that's... you get like two, two, three <clears throat> goals. And it I just feels like more like possible. But like when I watch a baseball game and a team's down nine, nothing, I'm like, just so I'm like, there's no way they're gonna win this, or or even like five nothing. I just I feel like it never happens when I'm watching. Well, but so that's the misconception. But baseball is like one of the most interesting games when it comes down to. I mean, honestly, five nothing is nothing in the major leagues anymore, man. Not the way the game is played anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's just honestly, man. Even six seven nothing is nothing. More teams are coming back from those deficits than ever before in the history of baseball now because of the way the game's played with pitching and you know limiting your pitches to so many. Pitch, you know, pitches you know what and it it's is, changed man. everything it's crazy it's too perfect right when someone hits a fly ball out to center mm-hmm. i'm just like he caught it you know it's like there's not enough variables you need People to invest your, you need to invest time in watching like the plays of the week and the year and shit like that like some of the plays dude you're like what the games, fuck man. man it's crazy <laughs> i i do watch the playoffs like i do and i watch basketball playoffs too and i don't even fucking oh, and, watch a single basketball game all year this year was this but, year was an interesting world series because i mean let's face it man houston it was it was actually a pretty good world i'll give it that it was actually pretty well it, it was it was a decent world series i mean for the fact fact of the matter like five of the seven games were kind of one weight either way but uh you know the games weren't bad and stuff but it was interesting because i mean washington every team won away games yeah which is the first time it's ever been done yeah, in, the in the form it's ever happened yeah, in sports kind of history cool. in, in any sport it's crazy but it, that's part of what was made it so interesting is um washington being a wild card team you know and being where they were they started the season like 19 and 31 and they were the first team ever to even make the playoffs by starting the year like that let alone win yeah the wild it didn't card. even look like they were going to be a playoff team about yeah. halfway through the season no and, and, and you know which is really interesting because this has happened in two major sports in the same year st louis blues were the worst team in the nhl in january of last year and won the stanley cup they were mm-hmm. literally in 31st place out of 31 teams and won the stanley <laughs> cup so it's very strange how sports have kind of come to this point where you can be a bad team in the first half of the year make the playoffs somehow and possibly win it i mean really theoretically on paper washington shouldn't have beat houston 
I mean, they have good pitching, like, you know, but the way that that series transpired was mind blowing to me. I, being a baseball fan, I'm not just a Jays fan. I'm a baseball fan. I watch when the Jays aren't playing. I really, really love the game. I love the the mentality of it. I love, you know, how everything is based around numbers and shit and how everything's changing and just evolving so much. And man, that series blew my fucking shitter out, dude. It was the so na- fucking crazy how that shit the went nationals, down. Uh, the Nationals are the best argument why not to reduce the amount of games. Because I know a lot of people yeah, yeah. are. That's right. Th- all oh, the time. No, reduce them, God damn it. Mm-hmm. Well, no, no, I understand because a lot of, you know, MLB itself is like, you know, we need to look at ways to modernize the game. And one of, I've heard one of the solutions is like, you know, lessen the game. Dude, and if there was like teams. 16 games, I would fucking watch every baseball. The, pro- the problem is, though, when you look at the national season and how they started so shitty or mediocre and worked their way back. That's the argument why you need as many games as there are because some teams are those second half juggernauts where they go yeah, from it's like so rare. Yeah, but well, it, well, but it's, it, but it's been happening though. That Mike is did did they work? Did they get better during that time, or like does like in hockey? Right, the well, teams they went that on are like losing a crazy now. Case. The the teams that are losing now. Like it doesn't even like like early hockey doesn't even matter. Just like early baseball doesn't even matter to me. It's like if, if they just did it, you know, if they did like fucking thirty or forty games or something. What is is it going to change all that much? I mean, there's so many factors. No, see that that's the thing with baseball. There's like a million variables, man. Injuries are a big part of it too. And I mean, there's an argument for and against, you know, the games reducing and having the same amount with injuries, but it's crazy in every sport. We know that injuries can make or break teams, right? Yeah. And while it's the same baseball has different pitchers on the mound. every There's a different variable. If, if you're not playing 160 games a year, if you're playing like 30 is injuries really that big of a factor at that point? Well, 30, some guys are barely hitting their groove at 30. Well, that, <laughs> that's what does hitting their groove mean. But that's the thing. Well, but, J, but JP, you've never are played you like. saying that you get better as the season goes on in baseball? Absolutely. Well, absolutely. There's lots of there's ebbs and flows in the game of baseball because you, you can go on a hitting slump for like 20 games and in another sport. That's saying, like so season. if it all comes down to seven games, why does that even matter then? You mean why does are, all that like well, slumps baseball, and dives ba- and ups and that, why does it even matter if it comes down to seven games? It it does. Though. It, it's it's about getting into groups. I mean, statistics show that guys that skip uh, spring training or you know contract disputes and shit like that take almost half the season, which is like eighty fucking two games. You know, to get finally going and shit because they didn't get that fucking playing time and stuff. Especially for pitchers, man, it's tough because you only play every five days and stuff. But baseball, you're succeeding. You're considered an all-star player, succeeding three out of ten times. It's a fucking tough sport. That's you know, hard you're facing I, variables I know, every night. It's I, hard. I feel like it's. I feel like then it's like doesn't matter because it's like why is, like, I don't know. The, I what does it matter? Football what is. Football is the is the is the best designed sport to me in terms of like regular season and playoffs because it's like it's like these are the because be- when you well, look, there's not think as about much variables team, in baseball, right? It's a in a moment. It's in a, the, it's the best team at this moment. Sixteen games is good enough to see who the top teams are. Well, you know the, what I mean? But the reason is they the reason why they don't they don't play more games is because of the injury factor, right? Yeah, I mean it's the contact. It's yeah, obviously but, the major but, factor. But, there. but in MLB, I mean. There's uh, there's little argument to be made that the Astros weren't the best team in the regular season, but a lot of times in MLB, it's 
the hottest team when it hits the playoffs because out here yeah so exactly uh, so why even have that many games if the if the the first two months the hottest team doesn't even qualify and at the end of the year because too much time has passed or whatever it's just like to me it makes it I, I think that the only reason there is a lot of games is because it's an easy thing to go see like in in person well you know, it's always it's a, been like, it's it's not like it's this is a, a new thing. thing it's always been like that they're keeping see baseball is the one sport that's actually kept the original integrity in in the professional sports like they haven't really changed the game a whole lot besides changing the height of the mound you know back in the 50s or whatever um essentially the game's very much the same as it was the back Uber in the shifting kind of sucks back, <laughs> yeah well i mean the gameplay has oh. changed obviously yeah the shifting is strategy kind of, has changed strategy yeah. well i mean dude that is that's technology right <clears throat> But I mean, for but, the actual I mean, gameplay, there's ways to get around that shifting. If guys just learn to fucking do what hitters of the seventies and eighties well, did, and, hit the ball the other way, guy. And that's the funny thing. But, about but it, Mike, it's is, all about mashing now. That's the problem. Yeah, and well, that's what's it's happening. doubles and home runs. Yeah, they're exactly. like, hey, you want it? You want to? You hate the shift? Hit it over the wall. That'll beat the shift. Well, that's dude, the mentality. It's fucking crazy that this last year they set the record most home runs ever hit in a major league season, you know, and, and you know, it's kind of an interesting fact. There was the most strikeouts in MLB, MLB history this season and the most home runs hit in the same year. Yeah. Because it, it's all or none. Not valuing batting average anymore. It's just, well, it's go it's, up there. The you might is, strike out. You might strike out three times times but on that fourth at bat if you make contact you're gonna hit yeah. it over the wall see the shift has changed the way the game is played right so they're pitching a lot different and stuff and you're right you're right and and, and actually in the, this is the, boring just talking about and the, well because in the, the last uber third shifting, of the season the uber shifting is taking away hits that's the problem the last third so of the like, season yeah. i don't know if you know the stat but in the last third of the season man um people were starting to actually get on base a lot more because they were forcing themselves to actually learn how to hit off field and just trickle it through that opening and shit. It's kind of fucked up. Like it it down the third baseline. Cause there's no, 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 we're not doing this. No. God damn it. Our listeners are going to freak out and I need to speak for that. Well, that was, that was, that was fucking five minutes. Oh, JP, you can go off about MMA and you don't fucking say shit. (laughs) But anyways, yes, we digress, man. Um, so Mike, I heard that you watch trailers the fuck <laughs> yeah what the fuck's wrong with watching trailers assholes what the fuck what how did you hear he watched trailers <laughs> well someone was calling him by name on a podcast saying that this guy specifically watches tra- Wait, was- but you don't listen to other podcasts well i heard through the grapevine oh uh, yeah i listened to that show yeah um they we were talking they were talking about trailers and one not to it was on watsy um and like why they don't watch them and they was like mike's the type of guy who you know it doesn't bother him to watch trailers and stuff like that and yeah it's disgusting mike it well it cracked me up because i think the comment was like how much i love trailers i'm like i don't watch trailers to everything but for the most part trailers just don't bother me now i understand we can all pick out specific trailers that do too much or show too much and yeah of course I, I might feel a little burned on like certain ones, but overall, some the, to me they they help my anti- or not help, but they enhance my anticipation for movies. I might yeah, but you're tra- in more, my so. opinion, you're trading your anticipation for your enjoyment, even if you don't think that it factors in. I think that it's impossible that it does, and I think that it, there's no way to prove it. But I think just based on experiences that I've had and really studying, you know, why I don't like trailers and and really feeling it, I think that no matter what, surprise does matter. And I think that when you are less surprised, it means you enjoy things less. 
just I on mean, a fundamental basic level. I understand that opinion, but like I cannot recall other than other than a trailer that like outright spoils like well, you wouldn't like a, be like able a, to recall what I'm talking about because there's no way to test it. Like you couldn't go back and see if you would like it more if well, you yeah, didn't watch the trailer. It's an impossible way to replicate. But I just I, think yeah. that it's. I just I'm just think, saying, for me personally, I don't remember ever walking out of a movie going like, "Man, I wish I wouldn't have seen the trailer because I only liked that movie somewhat, and if I wouldn't have known anything." Um, but it's hard to say. Like I you just said, know that whenever I see a movie that I like, Climax is a great example. Didn't know a single thing about it. No trailer. No re- didn't read a synopsis. And like I think if I had read a synopsis or saw a trailer, I would have never loved that movie as much as I did. You know what I mean? It maybe I would have still loved it, but not as much as I did. Now, what do you think about like uh, teasers? Like when they do like the third, like because a lot of times now before teasers you get the tra- is a un like honestly, I think teasers are a lost art, and I think that because some teasers literally don't even have any footage from the movie. Mostly like, teasers avoid story. It's just yeah, like it's more just like letting you, letting you know this is coming. Teasers are all right. <clears throat> I, I still avoid that shit, man. But when it comes to trailers and shit, like I don't even want to see scenes. I don't want to see what things look like. I don't want to see potential well, like, okay, jokes. Okay, I don't okay, want to see setups. I want to go like I've gotten to the point now where when people are talking about shit, I just avoid it. I don't read okay, the news well, on here. Like I want to go in specifically like green as fuck, man. Like, I, I mean, even with the child's me, play, I got to the point example, where I didn't though. even know okay, the storyline in child in the, in the child's play remake. I didn't, cause I avoided it that much when I watched it. I didn't even know what, how the doll becomes what he was and everything. It was awesome. I was like, Hey moods. That's a, that's an example. Cause I was going to bring up the child's play. That's funny. <laughs> it, uh, cause to me, that's an example of when I first heard that it, the child's play remake and all that stuff was happening. I really wasn't interested. Now it's not like I was refusing to see the movie or anything like that, but I just was kind of like not very interested. Um, and then I saw the trailer and that's what got me like hype. Like, Holy shit, this actually, it actually looks like they might know what they're doing with this. And that's kind of what enhanced or gave me the feeling of like, okay, maybe I should go see this and give it a chance because Mm-hmm. May, you know, maybe I'm being fooled because I just know how to cut a great trailer. But this is kind of what changed my opinion. Same with uh, when they were remaking it. Like I was kind of like skeptical. Like, oh, are they just doing this for, you know, let's let's cash in on a known thing? And when I saw, maybe it was a teaser. I don't know. It's been a while since it chapter one, but that's what kind of changed my opinion. Like, holy shit! Like they are actually competent and they know what they're doing. So I think in some cases, if you're skeptical going into the movie, trailers can help sway you. I think with somebody like me, that is probably going to watch 95% of the movies that are coming out. That was my point that I was bringing up. So they brought up on Watsy. I don't think about the way you're thinking about it. Mike is that I know I'm probably, I'm going to watch it. Well, Mike isn't real on that either because Mike's going to watch it too. Yeah, yeah. For the most part, I'm gonna see stuff, but anything big, you're, you're like, dude, you're telling me you're not gonna. There was a situ- There was a chance in the world that you weren't seeing the new Child's Play in the theater or whatever. 
No, you're right. I mean, you're right. I was going to say, I mean, <laughs> but I, I get what you're saying. It, like, you don't, <laughs> what it does is it, it messes with your expectations is what it does. So if like, cause again, I thought that it probably wasn't going to be good child's play when they announced it and you know, that they talked about whatever and new direct, new writer, director remake, you know, no brad dorf i thought it wasn't going to be good too so i did see the trailer and i was like actually that looked decent like that didn't look like a pile of shit like i was expecting so yeah it can mess with your expectations and honestly i think i purposely didn't because like right before the movie came out i think they released like a second trailer and i didn't watch that one because after the first trailer i was already on board like i was like okay they know what they're doing so the second trailer came out and i think i just never bothered watching it not because i was like refusing to it's just like i don't need to anymore because i've seen enough to that kind of has me you know on the flip side of disappointment now i'm kind of like excited for it so to me i think i i think sometimes and i mean that's really what trailers and promos and tv spots are used but i think they're also designed for you know the general public or you know the general horror fan as opposed to people like us that are mostly gonna see everything mm-hmm. they're out there for to draw in who did i say oh dude there there was something man and i was like this person needs to be freaking fired uh it was a trailer recently um i know the pet cemetery one we talked about mm-hmm. uh oh the black christmas trailer whoever cut that needs to be freaking fired dude <laughs> I think I watched like 10 seconds of it. Dude, <laughs> Just it shows like, the first, second, third, two and a half, second and a half act. Like it shows everything. Unless there's some big swerve that they are intentionally trying to mislead you with, mm-hmm. with the trailer, then it literally shows you like twists and all kind of shit. I think the <clears throat> the thing for me, you know how trailers and teasers and things get, you know, certain people excited and shit and, you know, they get that boner and they break out that KY and shit. What works for me is just hearing about the, just hearing the title. You know, when I heard child's play, like, you know, I'm not like static. I'm not going fucking crazy, but I'm like, you know what? This could be interesting kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as they don't CG the shit out of it and stuff, like I'm going to have those, those notions in my mind, but I'm still going to see it at the end of the day, but it's more about just hearing a title and just getting excited. That's how I get excited. I don't need the trailers. I don't need the, uh, the teasers. I don't need the promos. I don't well, need I, the fucking, the, the uh, over banter. I don't need all that shit. And that's why I, just enough. I'm just such a big fan of the genre that just hearing that the shit is coming out excites me. Like, you know, it, it intrigues me enough that I'm, I'm not stepping away from it kind of thing. And, you know, pulls me in. Yeah. So that's all I need. I mean, just, sometimes there's a cool aspect to me where like, and this doesn't necessarily even happen with a lot of horror, but just, you know, big blockbusters in general, like you'll, especially for like summer blockbusters, like you'll be at the movies, say like summer 19 and you'll go and you'll get like a 30 second teaser for some big movie. That's not coming out to the following summer. And something like that. It's like just to, strictly build hype for it like holy shit like mm-hmm. next year we're gonna get this and usually those are like <laughs> well I, I, those might even be less than teasers it's almost like an announcement trailer like just saying like oh such and such sometimes i don't even fucking 
care about. I'll be in the theater and you'll see like a quick little tease or some shit. And you know, by the time it comes out the next year, I've already forgotten about it anyways. So that's the good thing about having a bad memory sometimes or getting old, you know, you just forget like little minute things like that. And you're like, Oh yeah, fuck that motherfucker's coming out. (laughs) That's part of the thing too. Like a lot of times with teasers and trailers, unless the teaser or trailer, uh, in, especially or implicitly gives away a spoiler you're not going to forget that but most of the time i forget a lot of what was in the trailer i just remember that i was excited and it i don't that's the thing i remember i remember every fucking like i'll remember like what kind of door they're standing by and wait for that to pop up in the movie so i'm always waiting for the things to see and like the further the movie goes on and i still haven't seen things that i remember from the trailer i start piecing together how the movie ends and that and where oh it's going to end over here in the at this hospital because there was a shot of a hospital like and we still haven't seen it in the movie so it that's why i think trailers are horrible for me i'm going back to abstaining completely in 2020 um i i did spend this year watching trailers and i probably haven't had as much fun with this year because i started watching trailers again i just got tired of running out the theater oh see see i'm not that anal about i'm honestly not that i've I've mentioned this before man if i if i'm in a cinema and a trailer for a horror film comes on i'm not running out i'm not even gonna okay well here's the thing moods i see everything so i see all of the trailers yeah yeah, for sure actually here's a great example man so me and dylan of course he's my he's my theater buddy that we see everything together yeah, Chris Marquette and uh, big shout out to Dylan Godzilla. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen a bunch of movies around this time when the nun was coming out and fuck, man, we must've seen that trailer like three or four times before the movie even came out. It was oh, fucking three crazy. Or four. It was oh. fucking, well, well, <laughs> see, that's nice the thing. Movie, you, three or four. Yeah, so, I see shit like literally 15 or 16 by the time the movie <laughs> comes out. But you got to remember, man, I'm pretty limited. I know you I don't am, get so, anything. So thank God for that. It, you know, in a, in a sense a little bit, but, uh, but of course that scene in the nun where there's like that really fast kind of jump scare scene and shit. Like I'd seen it like four fucking times man i'm like i would have loved to have seen that and if it actually had made me like really fucking jump because that was a pretty good one um you know for the nun i don't really care oh for yeah that, that was a jump scare but it's if i had got, to seen that see jump scares still get me even when i know they're coming oh my so. it's like one in a million man every once in a while one will get me i I'm just, just like, let them fuck get that actually me. got me. i'm just like i let my guard down i want yeah. them to get me so yeah but see i i would like to do that yourself. i just i'm not trying to play the big tough guy macho actor or anything but it just doesn't I work like i sometimes i try to be like okay you know we can fucking put your little fucking pocket pussy on i've been like this my whole life dude I've always been very in control of like I'm I'm very in tune with making I've always been able to make myself feel things. So like I can make myself feel Is that scared. a Mexican I can thing? make myself probably <laughs> I can make myself feel uncomfortable. Like I whenever something I like try to make it as impactful as possible. So like if I see like a irreversible or something, like I try to let it take over me completely. I don't fight it off. You know what I mean? I wanna feel as <laughs> I don't fight things off. I just have a hard time fully grasping like exactly what it's supposed to be doing. Like with the scene with the nun, like I would have loved to seen if that made me jump. Cause I mean, you know, the majority of the people in that cinema had seen the trailer and fucking almost everybody jumped in that part. Right. So I'm like sitting there going, fuck, why didn't that work for me, man? Oh yeah. I've seen it four fucking times already. You know, yeah. you know, so like um, I was kind of disappointed like, and it's not why I didn't like love the movie or anything, but. You know, it's just it's a great example of one of those parts where I would I would have loved to experience that just green and raw, you know. But 
it is what it is, man. I'm not, like I said, I'm not that anal. I'm not going to run out and go, Hey, uh, Chris Marquette, I got to put more butter on my popcorn, man. While this trailer well, comes I on, you know? I'm like, I'm not going to fucking, you know, be that ridiculous about it. And in shit, 2020, like, dude, 2020, I am done. Cause like I, I, it's just been bad this year. Well, do you remember the moment? Do you remember the moment we started talking about not watching trailers at probably five years ago or something? And it was, yeah, it for, was for you. It was insidious, insidious too, right? And yeah. I, I see I had I was not even watching trailers. I'd never seen a trailer and shit. It was kind of funny, actually, because that movie actually got spoiled through podcasts and stuff. And when I was listening to podcasts and, and all that type of shit. And so I didn't check out the sequel until after the third one came out. It was like fucking <sighs> almost a year after the third one came out because I wanted I wanted time to allow to forget all the shit that I'd learned about it. <laughs> and so yeah. when I watched Insidious 2, I actually really fucking enjoyed it. And I know you had the opposite um, time with it because I still it was liked spoiled. It. I just was like, and fuck, I thought it was I've seen really this whole thing already. I'm so far. You know what? You know what the funny thing is, I haven't even. No, no, I did see the third. I still haven't seen the fourth one. I did see the third one. Fourth one's good too. But yeah, I'm, I'm still I like all four on that shit. But you know, for mainstream ghost films, I actually enjoy it. Those are pretty well made. Those are pretty good. Not only are they well made, Insidious is one of my favorite. I'm sending my uh, top. 100 films from the decade to exploding heads soon and that insidious is very high on my like the first one, list yeah. yeah that's cool um, man. that's cool yeah uh like a uh, non-horror films i'll watch trailers too because i'm just like i don't care but uh 1917 boy that looks good man that looks really good mm-hmm. did you guys see that at all no mike What's that one about? 1917. Uh, it's World War One. Yeah, yeah, I did see. Uh, that's what I thought it was, but I wanted to make sure before I said, "Yeah, I saw it." Yes, it does look very good. Boy, and yeah. World War One. It's like we don't get many movies about that. You yes, know? it's mostly World War Two or Vietnam. So I am excited for it. Are we I talking horror film interested. here? No, it's not. It's oh. the horrors of war movies. The horrors of war. Oh, okay, I see. I, I was going to say because, you know, war horror films are definitely just not utilized as much using oh, that, dude, that setting. I know. I love – that's why I loved Overlords. Have you seen it yet? You know what's fucking funny about that, JP? I've heard like 17 people talk about Overlord today. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing. And like – and honestly, dude, I heard Derek say that if you want to go to sleep, you throw on Overlord and – or The Irishman. Beat Derek Th- those, are his, th- those are his – go- those are his go-to sleep films now. What the hell? Overlord is and so awesome. And then someone awesome. else said – I'm I, surprised I was Derek it. of all people say that because I thought he would have – I mean, yeah. I loved Overlord. You know, it made my top surprises the shit at me sometimes of the shit that he likes and that he doesn't like. But and then I heard someone else say Overlord was fucking amazing. And then I heard someone else say, actually, in a video I was watching last night, say, you know, it wasn't the movie I was watching, Celluloid Tor- Terror or Celluloid. I don't know what the fuck his name is. Anyways, he was talking Wait, about so Overlord. Were you the one that subscribed to his? Was that his Patreon? No, no, not, that was Cinema Sickness. Oh, I'm like, what? Cellular why am I? It, 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 I, it wasn't that our account was Terry, paying I think for it. Channel. It wasn't yeah. that our account was paying for it. Like literally my account was paying for it. That's, like my personal account. And I'm cool. like, why am I pay, paying this guy a dollar a month? Well, you know, know it's not, I'm never in the Patreon. Like, I don't even know how to fucking, it probably won't even let me log in because I'm from fucking Canada. Jeremy subscribed to a Patreon of somebody who I'd never heard of, some YouTuber or something. Cinema and he did it with my money. <laughs> how Granted, it was only a dollar. So I'm like, whatever, I don't care. But I was just like looking. I was like, "Why am I paying a dollar to 
because I pay for Married with Children a dollar, I think, and a couple other things on Patreon that I just am trying to support. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, I don't. I was like, this isn't my right total for Patreon. I'm like, I'm like, I'm a dollar over. Did I fuck something up? And then <laughs> I look and I'm like, what the fuck? Anyways, man, this guy, I believe his name is Seth, and he was talking about the movie, and he's like, you know what? I went into this movie thinking it was going to be something totally different, like a straight-out zombie film, you know, more like an action zombie film. He's like, but I got something, like, completely kind of different, and he's like, I enjoyed the shit out of it. And I was like, and I and I hear Derek talking about sleep film, and I was like, man, this this is one of those movies that, like, I got to finish watching. I watched, like, the first, like, 15 minutes one time, and I after I bought it and I got sidetracked, I had to leave the house or something like that. And I never went back to it for some odd reason, which is very Wait, odd for me. You watched the first 15 minutes? Yeah, I watched like the parachute scene. Well, the first, like, yeah, that scene is fucking awesome. Yeah, I literally, that's the only parts I've seen. And I was like, well, from what I've seen so far, it seems pretty fucking cool. That, and I mean, I couldn't that, fall asleep during a parachute yeah. scene in World War II because that shit is freaky as fuck, man. You know, half that those people didn't even make it sequence, to the ground. They got yeah. shot before they even got to the ground. I'm like, that's a terrible death. That opening sequence in Overlord was so much better than I would have ever expected from that movie. I was like, like the war stuff itself, the atmosphere, the the lighting, the people hanging out at the trees and parachutes. Like I, that opening, you know, up until they get to the uh, French village, I oh way to ruin it for me. Now I can't watch it. Yeah, because they get to the French village. (laughs) (laughs) Joking. Yeah, but that whole like atmosphere and stuff is one of my favorite, you know, like stretches of film from last year. I just loved everything about that whole opening. Yeah, it was pretty exhilarating, and it was like nonstop, and it it felt like just a great depiction of like World War Two, like and. Yes, it ends up being like, you know, there's zombies and experiments and stuff that happen later, but just the actual depiction of war, it felt like very accurate as to what we've seen in other war movies when they're basically all these planes with guys parachuting into a foreign country to, you know, put their troops on the ground. Like, it was just so well done. And for that kind of movie, I would have, like, going into it, I never expected a depiction like that to be so just cool and i was oh man you know, i'm starting to think that derek needs to stop watching movies after working fucking graveyard shift he's like ah oh. you know i think watching a three and a half hour movie you know a gangster movie after working graveyard shift is just not a good idea that's a bad yeah. idea yeah yeah uh, i still haven't seen it i probably won't see it until the first of the year because like even like talking about overlord i bought the 4k recently or the 4k good lord and um <laughs> I wanted to. Po- I was thinking about popping it in. Overlord, like, I can't. I gotta watch 2019 movies. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm. I'm at that point where I don't have time to do anything but, like, what I have to do. Yeah, there's been a couple times I went to go start the Irishman, and I was like, I don't have fucking three hours or three and a half hours to like sit here. Are, and are you that type of person though, too, man? Like, if you can't have it in your mind, your mentality is telling you that I, if I start this movie, I need to sit and watch the whole thing in one sitting. Like some people, you know, like go into a movie and they're like, you know, man, if I have to like go out and get some chicken or do some errands, I'll just come back to it later kind of thing. It's like, I hate that. See, I I don't have that mentality. Like when I start a movie, I'm in it for the fucking, the the running time. I can only do it if I have seen the movie before. Oh yeah. That's well, yeah, that's different. But like for a first time watch, unless something like, 
you know something specifically pulls me away from the movie, I don't want to break it up. I just want to no, no, watch exactly. it all the way through. Especially something that's three and a half hours long. I feel like if you break that up, it's like, I don't know, there's just so much that you may be losing from that and kind of ruins your experience a little bit. So mm-hmm. I'm all about that too with experiences. Like I want to sit down like and watch a movie and whole and pay attention. And like, I don't like to be like some people throw in shit. Like I, I'll throw in trailer compilations in the background and stuff, but some people like throw in movies and do shit. And I'm like, like, are you just listening or like, are you just hearing it? Not listening? Like, I don't know what the fuck they're doing with that. Like I couldn't just do that, man. It's weird to me. Unless it's something I've seen like a million times. It doesn't matter. You know, you could walk yeah. in after 30 minutes, 36 minutes. You're like, Oh yeah, I love this part, man. We're going to see like, a, like, yeah. a, like a, like a Friday sequel that you're just throwing on in the background. Well, you've seen a hundred times. That's fine. Great example. One time me and JP and, um, fucking, uh, Jew boy, we, um, we used to Skype like a lot back in the day, and there was a time where I actually watched. What did I watch? Return of the Living Dead four times in a row on yeah. one Skype set. It was like six hours yeah, straight. I've done that before, and it was playing the whole fucking time. That you would like the credits would roll. I'm just like I'd skip ahead and then hit fucking play again. I'm like, yeah, man, I love this movie. <laughs> it's fucking crazy, dude. But yeah, you know, it doesn't happen a whole lot, but it does. So, um. Yeah, the, how did that? Oh yeah, trailers. That's how it started. So, uh, war horror, man. I would love some more war horror. That's why I was so happy that Overlord came out and was like a big wide release. I was like, oh wow, this is cool. And also, like, I wish you know what I was thinking this today. I wish somebody would release Death Watch on Blu-ray because that's actually a pretty good war horror movie from 2002 it's got a really nice uh, uh, but kind the of blue. dvd is like not very good no like it's the re- transfer is kind of grainy it's, it's definitely really muddy but it has definitely this really interesting hue to it it's got a really cool look but i've thought about this before and i think the reason why a lot a lot of low budget fi- uh, filmmakers don't make war films is probably pretty obvious because it's really it's expensive hard. to do yeah it's just it's you know to get the right sets and you know to make it a decent low budget film it's really hard to do like i mean you look at something like overlord it's a little bit more upscale and budget and things like that but i think honestly the idea of war horror doesn't really it's not appealing even to the mainstream and to so to get those yeah. big budget films out there i don't think it's really going to work but you know it is too bad because well, death watch is, is a is a is yeah. a very low budget film but it's not low budget enough where they didn't get the cost because this is World War One. It's set in, so it has like these kind of authentic looking, you know, um, you know, costumes and things like that. They did a really good job with that. I'd like to know actually know what the uh, the budget is on that film. But you're, you know, you just you're right. You're on bang on. Death Watch. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to see more war horror based. I'm not a huge war film fan to be honest. Um, oddly enough, it's funny. I hate Vietnam. The Vietnam War. I always. I always like, man, that was the stupidest thing ever that happened kind of thing. But I, my favorite war films are actually from Vietnam. It's yeah, fucked up. Too. It's so <laughs> fucking strange to me, man. Like I can name off like six right now that I love from that, that war. But yeah, I, I think it's just, it's a budget thing, man. It's just too much involved, you know, weaponry, you know, costumes, expl- like there's just so much involved in making a war horror film that, um, I mean, there's been a couple in the last few years that have been based around, you know, Nazi Germany and, and, and things like that and stuff. But they come off pretty cheap. Well, it seems like the most lot. common that you see is is n- Nazi zombies. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's like a million Nazi outfits out there to rent, right? So it's yeah. easy to do. But <laughs> <laughs> they're all in the closets. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Good shit, man. Um, want to give a big a uh, big shout out to everybody that supported Italian uh, Italian Horror Month. Uh, mm-hmm. 
numbers were decent. Grazie, you know, grazie. I think I think we did pretty good. I, I want numbers were better than ever. Yeah, I mean they that. were good, and I want to also give a big shout out to everybody that participated. You know, uh, Jerry, Mike, you're on the show. Um, you know, Dave, uh, Jerry, um, Ginger, Jerry, and you know everybody that was involved, Derek and stuff. Uh, thank you for coming on. It was great. You know, it was well, awesome. Jerry to have- gets no credit for his nightmare on Elm Street hate. So you can <laughs> minus all the fucking love right there. Yeah, that was pretty like I, yeah, Jerry, that's fucking I, I had to fucking endure listening to that because I listened to your show, so I was like, God damn it. Well just put Aaron, it this way. Shut the fuck up. Put it this way, man. The whole time Jerry's talking about uh, his hate for Nightmare on Elm Street, my mouth was open. <laughs> oh yeah. But uh yeah, no, big shout out to everybody, man. I thought it was great. It you know, it seemed like it was a longer month because we had the extra show. We had five weeks, but everything went pretty smooth. All of our guests uh we filled in all the spots fine and it was good. It was really good, really good, and I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to next year and finally getting over this fucking Dario Argento thing, man. One last <laughs> show. Um, <laughs> I, I just I got to rub it in JP's fucking. I was looking Argento at Letterbox show. with those stats, and Dario Argento is my number one watch director. Go figure. Well, of course he is. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. with this, I mean, six was that 18, 18 films already. Fuck, that's a lot. Yeah, like seventeen or eighteen, I think, for him. Ridiculous, man! It's ridiculous. Um, but anything else for intro before we get into? Um, uh, congratulations to Jellybane. Oh, your yeah. 4K TV has shipped, and I believe you should be getting it like this week. So, um, that's pretty awesome. Is Jeremy shipping um, those Blu-rays out too, or those oh, 4Ks? Oh, yeah. I wanted to announce this. Uh, yeah, I think. Well, he probably won't forever, but. And and listen, I want to I want to say this too because Moods mentioned about the um, giveaways that he had that nobody claimed. I ha- I know that I have stuff that I've given away on this show, and people or in the Facebook group and people or even contests that have happened and people who have won probably have messaged me and gave me like their information. But I am fucking atrocious at following through with that stuff. So if I have ever said that you won something and that i need to ship it to you and you've never got it hit me up and i'll confirm it and and confirm your address and eventually get it out i am you do realize at this point jp that it's been so long that those people are no longer (laughs) listening to the show so they are not hearing what you're saying right now (laughs) dude uh, the guy who won gave up the guy who won uh train to busan from your hip-hop show or whatever I think it took two years for me to send him. Oh across. yeah, fucking Tom. You know, you know what's funny yeah. about that? Because you reminded me about that one day, and I messaged Tom, and he's like, "Oh fuck, I forgot about that." Because it had been so yeah. long. Like, it's yeah, crazy. no, it it literally took like it was like a year and a half, I think, that, to actually send him his prize. I just my post. It's not uh, entirely my fault. My post office's hours are ten a.m. to one p.m. That's Damn, it. Dude, what the fuck? Yeah. They're working five so it's like hours? to find time and a day off to do that is a pain in the ass. Yeah, that is fun. Uh, but yeah, so that and then I wanted to announce this. I've been doing a I, I started giving away all the digital codes that I have for releases because I don't they just expire for me. You know what I mean? Uh, I never claim them. Or I should anything. honestly, you know, start giving you those two to give away. But the Dude, problem is it, with mine. It. Well, no, the only problem is with mine. A lot Canadian. of mine are they're Canadian only. That's okay. I've given away a couple Canadian only ones. Okay. 
Just, it's, um, I mean, just as long as you specify that, hey, this might only yeah, be redeemable in Canada and uh, or America. So, yeah. But I give. I'm doing a 25 codes of Christmas on the Patreon. Um, so far, the same person has recovered all three. <laughs> what? So uh, maybe if I announce it here, more was it Jeremy? <laughs> no, it's actually. I've given away other ones too. It's this same guy who normally gets them. So he's just like on top of it. Um, oh, he'd be waiting on those codes, man. DJ Franks, I think. Have I nice given day. away um, banana splits, craw, and maw? I'm going to put another one on there right now because I actually you have. Know what? I mean, that's three fucking pretty decent movies are there. I mean, if I was into digital shit, I'd be like, motherfucker. That's what up. I said. He's going to have a pretty nice fucking collection by the time this is all said and done. Oh, shit, man. <laughs> of Fuck. digital movies. Yeah, I, mean, I got it. I got it. Dude, it's funny, man. I was like reorganizing my film room the other day and I was like, you know, I was in the standard Blu-ray collection. I was like opening them up and I was like pulling out these fucking digital codes and I'm like, that shit expired in 2014. (laughs) Yeah, I had one from like 2012. Yeah, this is crazy. Like, I'm like, it's kind of sad that I didn't give them away. I'm like, man, somebody who doesn't like buy a lot of movies would have enjoyed these. I know. It's (laughs) it's kind of a shame. I just didn't really think much more about it because I have so fucking many of them that have just been to waste. And it's because I, you know, when you don't use them yourself, you don't really think twice about it. Like, you know, people will buy um like black friday i was watching people's black friday hauls and people were buying like blu-rays and shit that they owned and stuff just to do shit with the digital codes and stuff probably like ebay i don't know it's fucking crazy man because people make money off them and shit i'm like this is crazy so three dollar blu-rays sell the digital code for five bucks make money so yeah insane yeah yeah all christmas long all the 25 days and i think jeremy thought i was announcing like a review series because he's like a pretty fails i'm like fails what giving away codes like <laughs> well i made a you know, joke about it i was like well dude he's already failed because he started yeah, it five days I'm into the month it, like three days late <laughs> that shit fucking made me howl i was like fucking typical jp man <laughs> i meant to actually do it i totally just forgot about it oh man that is fucking classic classic material <laughs> man that's classic material but anyways the point is those codes are gonna be up there that's cool that's cool man i'll start trying to contribute to that too yeah, and then any ones that I buy going forward, I'm going to just dump off to, onto the Patreon when I get them. So. Yep. Another cool way to give back to the people that give to us. For show, For show, man. You know, I mean, why not, right? Why not give away digital codes? I mean, we're giving away four gay TVs and shit. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> right? Hey, I think, I think out of... It's a step uh, backwards, but it's still pretty cool. That's the best giveaway anybody's ever done. We gave away a fucking 4K TV, dude. You know what's funny? Yeah. It's funny that you we bring sp- that up. It's funny that you you put it in those words, that that's the, the biggest giveaway on a podcast. And I'm like, I was actually thinking about this the other day. No shit. And I was like, I bet you fucking people that have listened to the show or found out that we were giving away a 4K TV, they're probably like, man, these guys are fucking just dicks. You know, they're just trying to one-up everybody. <laughs> I can just imagine people they're probably keeping the thoughts themselves like 22 shots are being fucking assholes they're just outdoing everybody making everybody look bad and shit and I was like that really wasn't the intention it was literally to give back to the Patreon supporters you know and dude I want to once we get I mean because we we're a little low on funds right now after paying all this stuff but um, 
once we get back where we're at, I want to start doing the monthly giveaways for movies again. Like we yeah, would yeah. give, we would give away like just a new release, like something like from Vinegar Syndrome or something. JP, I get, like or- giving back, dude. Like it, it's awesome to win stuff. Like I, I think we all like winning shit. So, you yeah, know what's funny it's, about that? It's actually, time, kids. It's Believe time it or not, for the big giveaway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, we need to start playing that, dude. That's a good giveaway. That's a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. The fucking Halloween three. Yeah. It's awesome. So actually speaking of winning shit, man, it's crazy, man. I I went to, I was at the gym a couple days ago. Um, like I'm there every day and, and I walk in, she's like, Oh, did you get my message? And I'm like, what message? And by chance I was checking my messages the other day and I was deleting the one I was listening to and I accidentally hit delete twice and deleted another message. And I was like, fuck, I don't know who the fuck fucking left me message. Lo and behold, it was the gym. Um, so every day that you're there, you get a, you know, you can get signed off on your work card or whatever. And then after every six days you get entered into a contest and I've been, I've been going to this gym for like three months now and she's like, yeah, you won. And it was just like a free payment kind of thing. And I was like, fuck, that's awesome. That's fucking awesome. Like I never win shit. That's awesome. Right. So speaking of winning shit, I thought I'd just throw that in there, but, um, yeah, yeah. But Mike, that was the greatest idea you've ever had. (laughs) <laughs> I swear to God, why didn't I ever think of that shit, man? That, that's a great sample. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it's kind of just clicked in my head when you. I heard the word giveaway. It's so fucking, it made me, it's so it made fucking, me think of Halloween three. It's totally yeah, gonna get me flagged though, too because I think when that happens, the music's playing too, and that, I bet you, like just that three little second clip is gonna get me fucking flagged. <laughs> and ju- just the voice from it too is like, it's yeah. time, kids. Like it's so cool. It's yeah. so right on. <laughs> I got lucky, man. Shout out to the new Patreons, uh, Mr. Venom. Oh. Oh, nice. Mr. Venom. I know. Have we been getting new Patreoners lately? Because I, like I said, I don't pay attention to it. Every once in a while, we'll get one. Um, It's mostly been like the same people, though. I just thought I would ask Um, because Sometimes people come back. Do we still have that one tier open? Dude, I, I honestly don't know a thing about like I honestly don't know a thing about I don't even know what our tiers are, to be honest. Um so I'm we so had a tier it. one of our most popular like sought after tiers is the what we watch times three. It's fifteen dollars. Um basically every month you get to pick three films that and you And one want just to, opened up. One opened up. Um yeah, Tone then- Joker after twenty months of being in that tier. 20 months over $300. Oh, he's probably pissed off because I didn't, I haven't reviewed the other two of his film. One of his films that he actually put on is being reviewed tonight. I don't or anything. I just think that he spent $300. I'm just like, I'll let somebody else have a turn. He's pissed <laughs> off that he didn't win the fucking TV. Yeah, right? <laughs> he's like, $300. I could have just bought the TV. <laughs> yeah. No, but, um, yeah, so if any, if that's still open, that, 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 it rarely opens. Like I said, that guy was on there for 20 months. Mikey Fisher, Mikey Fisher has been in his for like two years, like three years probably, mm-hmm. or however long we've had Patreon. So like, um, one of the guys that Jeremy probably- gives the hardest time to, too, right? Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Mikey actually just sent his picks in. Um, but yeah, you gotta if, if, take advantage of that. If you, if you've wanted to have us review stuff for a while, that's definitely, uh, mm-hmm. the best deal you can get. Mm-hmm. For show, for show. All right, I think that's going to conclude this uh, hour-long intro. 
Oh, except that uh, Nightmare on Elm Street remake sucks. <laughs> so uh, we, we can finish with that. He just started a whole nother hour part of the intro. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mikey was listening to the show and he was like, JP is on fucking drugs, man. Why? Yeah. Because you are. Fuck you that, always defend. That movie, I swear you are, the, you are the devil's advocate himself. If there was actually what a position made for that. Dude, I really, you said that the Nightmare on Elm Street isn't that remake isn't that bad it's you know it's decent and shit i don't think it's that bad. no it is that bad it it's bad it as bad. a remake but i'm saying like as its own as a as a film i think that it's all right like i don't know i don't think Are it's a saying, good movie. Uh, i think there's no way to disconnect yourself like i said it has some good ball. stuff in it. Yeah. that's what you were saying yeah. but i don't uh, think it's a good movie um it's my good. least favorite in the series uh i i actually really? hate it um, I just think that when you actually are objectively about it, there was some cool stuff. It's just that it's a mess in so many other areas. Don't I can get started on what I don't like about it, but we'll save that. Yeah, because I'm, actually... I'm pretty well. Mikey's gonna when, when we finally get around to doing the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, Mikey's gonna be on there, so we can definitely finish this conversation. Oh, in a few months. I, I also want to give a shout out before we get into news uh, to. Michael, not you. Um, Tony and Ethan. Uh, this is the guys who are getting me the um, ratings, and I finally have all the ones from the '72 show. So I'm gonna. I started putting them up. There's a couple up now. Um, I think, and then uh, I have. I pretty much have almost everything sent to me. Tony was on fire. He just sent me the Bruno Matai show this uh, today, um, and then I think that's I'm awesome. Missing- the latest show. <laughs> well, no, he sent me because I split it up. I have him go like, okay, you do one sixty four, you do one sixty five, you do one sixty six. You know, so that people don't get burnt out. Um, so Tony sent me one sixty four, one sixty seven, and one seventy today. So that um, means that you can actually do the top ten of seventy two. Yeah, but first I need to get all the other ones up there. In fact, I think the only one I'm waiting on right now is 163. Yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm talking about the visual top 10 list. I was actually on the top 10 thing today, and I was like, oh, he hasn't put... Because 72 is still there, and we're going to be recording 85 soon, but we were also going to be recording 19 top 10 pretty quick, too. And I'm like, we got to catch up on these top 10 visuals. Yeah, the there. only one I need on there is 72 right now. So Yeah, yeah, I, know, I was actually... Because I hadn't actually check what was the last one you put on it was 76 70, 70 or 80 or uh no it was 19 it was 18 2018 was the last one oh, okay I put yeah on so that's what i was checking out yeah i was looking at that and i was like oh it was the first time i checked it out so yeah so cool. shout out to them i started doing i started up i'm gonna do the ratings first and then i'll do that list thing because that takes the longest but yeah i started getting ratings up to, on there feeling like i'm getting caught up so that that's good um so good you day. guys can reference that that's awesome cool that's coming all right so that's gonna do for the intro jp do we got some news Live. Okay. Well, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. 
Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Yeah, uh, not too much this year, or this, th oh, Jesus. Uh, not too much this week, um, but we do have some stuff. First of all, the trailer dropped for HBO's The Outsider, and Stephen King says it's one of the best adaptations of his work. Uh, this is hitting early January. January 12th, it's going to be a miniseries. Uh, or a limited series. It's called The Outsider based on the 20, I want to say 17 Stephen King novel. Um, the Outsider, which I, oddly enough, just finished. And don't say you read it. Tell the people you listen to the audiobook. I did, which is a better form of book. No way, man. Not if you have a fucking dope-ass voice and you're hearing your own voice when you're reading the shit. Yeah, but is your voice as cool as like kathy bates pretty fucking much is your voice as cool as um uh yep. michael c hall fuck no. yeah <laughs> fuck yeah come on man. uh no dude so i don't know man it see i never here's here's what's fun about audiobooks is they read it in other people like in a interpretation of voice so like yeah, yeah. if it's a woman they'll be like it's funny when is that when you actually like realize they're doing it it's kind of funny they'll be like i can't even do it but the, the, they'll sound like a woman you know like they'll be like i can't do it sorry i can't i can't um but yeah they'll <laughs> they'll try to sound like a woman so it's like but you forget that they're doing that um but yeah they uh i've kind of been got back in my reading kick by reading i mean listening to no, i don't have time to sit down and read a book I have to do stuff while I'm doing other stuff. So, like at the gym, throw on an audiobook. Uh, you work out to audiobooks. You are the lamest Mexican I've ever met. Some sometimes music, but some like like if how do you like, work out to an audiobook? That's fucking like there's no motivation he, there. Here's how. Uh, Unless it's motivation. a porno audiobook or something. Motivated, son. Um, I like if I'm no, doing it, like it, treadmill not, or something. It yeah. it distracts me from what i'm doing you know what i mean it's like I, i'm not thinking about the fact that i'm on the treadmill uh because i'm a, real into the book music doesn't really music can be motivating but that's more when i like lift and stuff like that like i want to feel the aggression oh, dude, and shit dude it, music is one of those things man that just obviously gets me fucking pumped to fuck but i was at the gym today and i was planning on only doing like 35 minutes on the elliptical and i was going fucking hard on it too and right as i was approaching 35 minutes i was listening to rock the bells and um just hosted by Roxanne Shantae. I love that show, man. She's fucking great. She's awesome, man. She fucking, she rhymes the news. Like, of course she does, man. It's fucking Roxanne Shantae. Anyways, I digress. I was hitting about 35 minutes, and uh, they, they fucking uh, turned it to the Ghetto Boys, Point of No Return, and it was just, it's one of those songs that just jacks me the fuck up, right? So I had to play out that and end up running like 42 fucking minutes because the next song was dope, dope too, and I was like, holy, yeah, 42 minutes, right on. But... I was trying to limit myself to 35 because I had to get going. I had to go pick up the kid from fucking school and shit. But that's what music does. It's just like, I got to run. I got to do it hard. It was like fucking dope. It's awesome. All right. Continue. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so I, I finished The Outsider. Very good story. Um, I think that the 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 beginning is of a very, very strong. It's it's I was like so into it i was like wow this is crazy for those of you don't who don't know it's about a little league coach who is you know super respected in the town like pretty much everybody knows him whoa He's whoa like whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. hold up here 
What? This movie's about baseball and you liked it? No, this is only like the first five minutes. Oh, okay. Um, so he's like a little league coach. He's like super respected in town. Everybody likes him. Everybody knows him. He's like, you know, people love this guy. Uh, two police officers local in the town come and arrest him. And he's charged for like the molestation and, uh, murder of like a 10 year old boy. Um, like really horrific stuff. And they have like an ironclad case against him. Like they had found his, like they, they found his, uh, fingerprints and like the blood of the van and the boy's blood and uh four or five people saw him that places him at the point of the crime and all this stuff and then they burned him in the fucking downstairs boiler (laughs) no and then (laughs) they they find out like his lawyer comes in and they have ironclad evidence that shows that he didn't do it like just perfect evidence and you're like what the fuck how what's going on here it's like a mystery and it's it's really suspenseful in those interrogations and stuff like that and they they even find his like semen like his dna at the like on the body so it's like whoa like this is crazy goes in kind of a weird territory um but very good book reminded me a little bit of like another popular story of his but i don't want to say it because it might spoil something uh so hmm. that that's good it, it i did watch the trailer to the tv series because like i don't give a fuck um and it it it's very i when you see an when you read a story and then see an adaptation if it ever looks like you felt in your head then it's a success because like i actually i'm like oh wow this is kind of how i pictured it in my head um like characters you know locations stuff like that so it does look like a pretty faithful adaptation hbo is the place to do it dealing with you know the subject matter being a little bit more adult um looks pretty cool i'm definitely going to check it out it's an 11 or 10 episode series which i was hoping that it wasn't going to be like the start of a like long like series because i'm like how do you stretch this out into like you know multiple seasons but it looks like it's just gonna be like a one season thing which is the way to do it so what's it airing uh, on did you say that hbo hbo actually okay. it's yeah not tv it's hbo that's cool <laughs> hopefully <laughs> though if, if it's if it's intended for one season they keep it at that because sometimes those shows like once they become a hit they're like oh now we gotta come up with an excuse for like more seasons no well, here's the thing Wait, because they, hit, they go oh we don't have the budget to do the fourth season of deadwood <laughs> I, I, I think from what I, I read this particular story is the start of a new trilogy for Stephen King so maybe there would be potential for um, but I don't know if it's just one of those trilogies where it just like follows a, char- a certain character because I, I think one of the characters in this book was in the Mr. Mercedes trilogy whatever those books were called um, so I don't, I, I, I don't know, know those books, but so I don't know if this is good. Like Matt, that might be potential for more, but I, I think that it, it would make sense just to end this at 10 episodes. Hmm. Um, and then I actually started listening to 10 or 11, 20, or whatever it's called. Oh, the JFK assassination. Yeah, I started listening to that one. That one's really good so far. Um, But yeah, I've been kind of in the audiobook mood lately. I took a break from podcasts. 
so that's January. Check that out. Uh, after that, Train to Busan sequel Peninsula uh, is coming out next summer. It's slated for. <clears throat> wow, cool. I'm excited. Um, that was my number one film. 2016. <clears throat> yeah, I was like, what year was that? That was a good fucking year, man. I was going through those top tens. Like, 16 was a fucking. Yeah, there's actually a remake in the works, like an American remake. Yeah, of course there is. I liked it. I didn't like it. I'm actually surprised that that was your number one. Oh, because of dude, how... any movie that can make me emotional like that, man, like See, when it's being I, serious and shit. I fuck, feel dude. like you're just like kind of a pussy because like i was i watched it and i'm i'm a pussy i get i I, carly was making fun of me for tearing up weird man i can be like super oh dude actually i always say boys in the hood every time i watch i've seen that movie literally 50 times it makes me cry every time i cry every single time in that it's the fucking stanley clark score when that shit happens the score is so effective in that that it just kills me dude real hard kills me when um the mom starts like hitting on ice cube and like it's kind of like blaming him and shit that that part gets to me but yeah no no like train to busan man i was like i was like getting fucking teary-eyed i'm like holy fucking crazy like (laughs) this just doesn't you know it's weird in certain aspects of life i can you know really not show that type of emotion but like i get so enthralled in the characters and the story i was like this is i don't know it just worked on all levels for me man yeah so all right uh after that we have Stephen King, more Stephen King news. Stephen King is awesome. Dude, it's going to be like the saddest day ever when Stephen King dies because he's just a fucking legend. Well, the thing is about Stephen King, you know, he's got about four or five hundred scripts that are, or, you know, books that books, are written yeah. that he just hasn't published, <laughs> though, too, right? It's I like, hope he just has a vault. He has a plan in his will. He's just going to write, release this one this year, release this. Like, just then, just let it go, dude. Because, like, I truly believe he has to have so much stuff. I just hope that he's not greedy with I it. I think that Stephen King is the prince of uh, authors. You know, Prince has music to be released for the next 50 years. It's fucking insane. He's got Probably. full albums that he recorded through the 80s that he never released because he's like, you know, they're just not up to my par. You know, kind of thing, right? Music videos that he vaulted. Everything. Like, he's got <laughs> careers and careers and careers of music that he has never released. You know Stephen King's Fantas- right? Fantastic Prince voice, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know where that came from. I was like... <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, Stephen... I just feel like Stephen King is on that same level where he has all these novels there and he's like, nah, I don't know, but I, I'll just move on to the next one. You know, kind of thing. And there's probably some good shit there for sure. So, hopefully. Um, okay, so uh, th- this <laughs> one is from a Buick 8, uh, which is a, a 2002 novel that Stephen King re- wrote, um, which involves a car, which is a door to another dimension. From a Buick 8 centers around a rural town of Statler, Pennsylvania where the state police have kept a mysterious 1954 Buick Roadmaster in the shed behind the barracks for over 20 years. When the town is plagued by strange and supernatural events, it turns out the Buick isn't what it seems to be. Uh, So, yeah, they're doing this um, starring Thomas Jane, um, Hmm. which he was in 1922, The Mist, and Dreamcatcher. You know, I I really hope that they they adaptate... um, Adapt, adaptate, adapt, uh, Duma Key. You ever read that one? 
Mm-mm. What's that one? Oh man, it's really fucking good. It, it deals with like paintings and shit, and it's it's a really damn good book. I I don't know, man. It probably came out maybe ten years ago or some shit. I, I read it. I was like, I just remember reading like the first few pages, and it just like sucked me right in. It was awesome, but. I, I give to a few people I know, like my wife and one of my good friends, Heather, read it too. And she's like, that's a great fucking book, man. And I'm like, why is this thing being overlooked for, you know, an adaptation? It's funny how they pick them, I guess, but. Hmm. Yeah, I, it is funny how they pick them because I always have like mine that I want to see adapted. And it's like I, a lot of mine have been adapted, but. There's still some cool stories out there that haven't been adapted yet. Oh, there's lots of like short stories from his uh, anthology books that haven't been that I think that would really work. Yeah, I, I just think it's awesome how many Stephen King movies are amazing. Uh, like there really are so many great ones, and there's like a renaissance now of Stephen King movies of good ones because for a while there, like you know, late '80s, early '90s early 2000s there was kind of they kind of wasn't taking care of the properties <laughs> the lawnmower like man. i think of and i think of like stuff like desperation and stuff that was just like not good oh yeah desperate um, yeah no that movie oh fuck yeah didn't who did that mick garris did mick yeah no, mick garris it was, yeah. It was that, and then he also did quicksilver highway too right like one yeah of that two. one wasn't very good um well, maybe Mick Garris needs to stop um, adapting Stephen King stories. Then. <laughs> I think we just need to keep giving him the freaking plan again, dude. Yeah, why not, right? Yeah, yeah, that seems like a good idea. Uh, so, after well, that, as long as it's not a big budget film, because I don't think they're going to trust Flanagan anymore. <laughs> I know. I'm sad about that. So sad. Well, that's not his fault, though. No, I, I mean, know, but you know the way studios are, though, right? The director, yeah, kind they, of they takes don't the blame look at it, it like it's not his fault. They, they look at it like it's fucking Flanagan's fault. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bullshit uh, industry, man. The producers aren't going to take the heat. <laughs> the any, nobody else is going to take the heat. They're going to blame the fucking visionary. Yeah, the guy that's calling oh. the shots, man, behind the. You know behind the camera so um anyway uh this movie hanukkah uh is set to come out in select theaters and vhs on december 20th and won't have a vod blu-ray release until february 11th wow they really planned that one out yeah, well didn't right they? now it's like the perfect time to release it on VOD. i know i hate that man because now it's not even a 20 even though i doubt it would make anybody's list it's not even a 2019 film for us because <laughs> You kidding the, me, man? The VHS is super limited to 100 copies. I'm each. assuming it's a slasher film named Hanukkah. Yeah. Uh, so it would be released. Well, I don't know if it's a. Hanukkah. I don't know if it's a slasher film. I don't know. I was just assuming. It just sounded like. Uh, that, but. but it's. Okay. It stars Charles Fleischer, PJ Souls, Carolyn Williams, and Dick Miller's in it. Wow. Those are also, a lot of big names. Also, Carolyn Sid Williams. Hague. Sid Haig's final movie, right? Dick Miller. Let's, Fuck me. Get, what? Yeah, they must have got Dick Miller like Yeah, because Dick again. Miller died too, didn't he? Uh, a group of Jewish <laughs> young adults are getting ready for the holidays, but are in for a festival of frights. With the help of said a festival of lights. wise rabbi, they <laughs> deduce that they are being targeted because they have violated Judaic law and that their only chance for survival is to embrace their faith. <laughs> this just sounds funny. <laughs> Hey, we always say there's not enough Hanukkah movies, so... We do, oddly enough. Probably the only podcast that ever says that. Yeah. That's cool, man. It catches my attention anyways. Yeah, Yeah, why not? 
John's fun. Got a good cast. Uh, Half the cast Moods is dead, is, though, but it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> is, watch out, PJ Souls. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> Fuck. Maybe the Hanukkah curse was real. <laughs> That's um, not even funny, man. Rest in peace, Dick Miller. And, oh, fuck. I love playing this guy. Moods is number one horror comedy of the year. Zombieland Double Tap heads to four game Blu-ray with alternate scenes and director's commentary January 21st. I can already feel you guys ganging up on me, man. I thought Mike was cool, man. I thought Mike was actually fucking cool. And so he was like, nah, Wait, I, I enjoyed Mike it. You thought Mike was cool? A little bit. I knew that you weren't cool. And actually, I have to say, and I actually even have this written down somewhere on one of my podcast note pages, but I was going to bring this up in the year end about uh, the surprise of the year for me is you like Zombie Land 2 double crap. <laughs> not only did I like it, I loved it. See, that is even more mind blowing. It's not like you're like, yeah, it was pretty funny, but I, I just, I can't even understand I mean, because the comedy was so bad. In it's it. in my Dude. top 10. Okay, I'm. What the fuck? Fuck! What the fuck, man? I'm so you, flabbergasted. I mean, you're, you might be surprised I liked it. I'm surprised I liked it because yeah. I was only lukewarm on the original, mm. and when it came to the sequel coming so many years later, I did not expect to like it at all. And I, I'm the most surprised that I liked it probably, but I did. I liked it a lot, way more than I thought. It, it's weird because like me and you. When, just when it comes to this specific movie, it's like we have the polar opposite opinion on almost every element of the movie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I, I, it surprised me how much I dug it, but I did. Now, maybe, you know, if I see it again in like six months, I'll be like, wow, I, it's not as funny as I thought it was. But for the one watch I saw in the theater, I feel it, I, I liked it. I always feel like comedies are one of those genres that like if you see a comedy when you're in a bad mood you're more likely to like not like it kind of thing. And if you see yeah. one and you're in a really, really kind of like almost out of character, upbeat tempo for even for yourself, you're like in a really kind of chirpy fucking good mood. And you're like, ah, man, that shit was amazing and stuff that can go, I that think, can go for I any type comedies, of genres. But I find comedies are like really standard to that idealism because, but I went and seen double crap in a really good fucking mood. Like me and Dylan were having a great time. Shout out to fucking Chris Marquette. And, um, what did he think of it? He fucking hated it, man. He hated like he we both bowing the, the there was a point in the film when that annoying ass like, blonde bitch character I think he's only allowed to not like a movie if you're not there. <laughs> Actually, no, we, I think you pressure I think you like no, pressure him to no. pick in with what you like. Yeah, actually, you like he, he starts saying, Well, actually I thought it and you shoot him a look like what yeah. motherfucker? Like he, our, our, like, our no. friendship's <laughs> on the line, you better Dude, the right it was thing. so funny, man. So that when that annoying bitch was in the film and like she was just going on and on and on and being like dumb and shit, and he kinda like, I, I felt him kind of look over at me and I looked and he's just like oh my god he kind of like mouths that and I was like yeah I'm feeling the same shit it was fucking brutal come on that was an endearing dumb that was bad though but it was like annoying like I can handle dumb I understand our character is supposed to be stupid but but when you're like actually like annoying and it just keeps going but I can handle it if if her dialogue was funny if her dialogue was actually kind of funny like stupid funny I'd be fine with it but in in the first couple scenes with her that's how I thought too but then the character grew on me because she seemed genuine and pretty. Yeah, you know, yeah. But yeah, like at first but you th- think she's just like an annoying hot girl who knows she's hot and like this is just how like I know standard. But then as time goes on, you like feel bad for her that like she's like 
she just wants to be friends with everybody and this be there. Not, and and she felt not, like a good soul. Like she was a good yeah, person, just yeah. kind of dumb and obnoxious. Oh yeah. my God, you guys are so sensitive to fucking <laughs> fictional characters. It's making me man, sick, you're man. The one talking about crying at movies like 10 yeah, minutes ago. Right. So. No, it's a fucking. To, to, but, so. I mean, that, but, that's, but that's a drama that's different. These are fucking fictional comedy no, characters that are comedy. really bad. See, this is how I know that, also, that Zombieland Double comedy? Crap 2 was trying to be annoying and obnoxious. In it, so it was self-aware. It was self-fucking aware because not only did they try to kill her off, they at the same time they don't, and like it's pretty obvious that she never fucking died in that scene. They, you know, they bring her back to to be more annoying to people like me and fucking Chris Marquette. Shout out to Chris Marquette. You know what I'm saying? So in Zombieland Three, she's gonna be the main character just to fucking annoy you even more, and I'm gonna laugh. At the entire running time, in honor of Moods hating that character, which I, I mean, found really daring, and she grew on me. Was and, this was the dumb zombie thing funny? Like the retard zombies or whatever the fuck they called them in the movie? Homers, like, you mean? Yeah, or, like, like oh, the Homers. That's what they call them. Yeah, like was that like that was their big upscale from the like they really didn't do a lot different from the first one. They they rehashed shit. Um, I I was hoping they would do more, not with the homers, but what was I forgot what the, the homers name for like the, the like evolved ones were like the harder ones to kill. I can't remember what they call them. But yeah, they didn't do anything. I, that's with those. the one thing I wish they would have done a little more with. But yeah. other than that, I said the same thing when we, I was like, they didn't do anything with that, and they they didn't really do a whole lot with the homers. But there was enough scenes in there. It was like fucking stupid, and I was like, really, the fucking homers, really. We're going and you there. hate it. You hate the doppelgangers, but I fucking love the shit See, out of it. <laughs> doppelganger scene was absolutely horrible, and I just felt like it's not even the rehashing of certain jokes and stuff, which I was whatever I expected that and stuff. But it was the fact that they didn't come up with like fresh, brand new like jokes, you know, like new you know liner lines for like you know the main characters, like Woody Harrelson and shit like that. He was just kind of rehashing those, but like in a different way. And I was like, this is the best they can do right now. You know what's funny is uh, in that in Zombieland Two Double Tap, I uh, I found Emma Stone's I see character what you did there. the most annoying, <laughs> like mm. uh, more than the blonde girl because Emma Stone came off as like kind of annoying to me the way she was like oh I'm just leaving and I mean I don't know if we want to get into the entire movie but just the, her actions felt more annoying to me than the blonde the blonde chick was you know dumb funny for- annoying kind of endearing but emma stone kind of annoyed me yeah but just emma stone's hot and that blonde bitch was just <laughs> not just doesn't do anything for me <laughs> now i'm gonna get she, real superficial about their looks <laughs> it's yeah, not even no, about the characters shit. anymore Come on. i mean rosario dawson was in it she was good i thought yeah i, know, Rosa- I even said that rosario dawson was probably probably the highlight of the movie for me it was cool to see her like i just didn't see her in that movie and then i saw her and i was like okay Pretty cool. I like her in everything, man. She's great in fucking everything from like kids to death proof, man. I love Rosario Dawson, man. Big shout out to her, man. I don't know why I'm oh, shouting she, out everybody on the show. Awesome like, what the hell? Proof. She was great in death proof, yeah. Oh, she's fucking awesome, that man. She's good in everything, about man. Kids? <laughs> I think that started her career in that movie. <laughs> oh, it's just like a phenomenal. And you know, it's funny, actually, the second time this has got brought up in like two days, but um, I can't remember who brought it up but they said something about like kids not having a blu-ray or whatever like a great blu-ray release and i was like wait a minute that is fucked that that, that, that is a movie that should have like a criterion release and like crazy features and shit even though it sucks that casper's dead now but oh casper yeah yeah well after his you know he was in friday the next friday and uh he actually killed himself he committed suicide 
like shortly right. after that and shit because like his career just wasn't going anywhere and shit and it was kind of sad okay. actually like in it's vegas okay. it's me casper yeah like in vegas hotel room or some shit so that's pretty fucking sad but i'd like to <laughs> yeah, see him casper. talk about that movie and shit so that's whatever cool. happened up to telly was telly and bully was that him yeah it was it was that was him and bully yeah i thought i thought it looked like an older version of him but i was like is that actually him or that's all so, i know that guy from is fucking kids and, and bully because bully was the same director right yeah yeah, if you're like bully, the uncut version is really good, man. It's brutal. I mean, I don't know what cut I've seen, but it was graphic. What what I saw, so I'm I'm not sure. Did, have you ever seen Ken Park? Like, kind of another one of those teenage teenage like unruly. Uh, it's like in the same. Is the same director Ken? Or uh, no, I've never actually seen it. Um, I don't know if it's the same director, but it's not. the same kind of movie where it's just like, oh, those damn kids today type of. I think movies. it's the same director that did Kids, though, isn't it? I can't remember. Fuck. It's been, it I've never be. seen. I've never seen. I've heard lots of people talk about it, but I know there's so many versions of the movie out there that are cut. So I've like always been very, you know, very weary on picking one up because I don't know what. I know there's like some European ones that are uncut and blah blah blah, but it's just hard to find the ones. It's very not distinctive and shit. So yeah. I do know people have them though. So maybe I'll get someone to hook me up with a copy. I've always yeah, wanted to I, check it out because I like those type of those kind of like reality type, real fucked up stories and shit. You know, shit that could happen kind of thing, right? So. Yeah, where they it, it almost feels like they're just kind of like throwing a camera on the daily lives of delinquents, kind of. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so somebody we haven't heard from in a little while, M. Night Shyamalan. I guess it hasn't been that long. Glass came out this year. Doesn't that feel so long ago at this point? Yeah, I almost forgot Glass was a 2019 movie. Yeah, because it came out in like January, but it, it just feels like ancient news at this point. <laughs> Man, it, you it know- was one of the bigger things of that year, of I- the at the start i haven't even seen it yet it's weird god that much time has gone by it's like we're right on the cusp of the end of the year a lot of those early <laughs> movies just get buried with the volume you know yeah i wasn't yeah, I, overly hyped for it man because i wasn't really a big fan of split so um, i felt like i disliked it i, I enjoyed it I, but I, it, really I had, I had problems split. with it i thought the main I didn't like glass yeah much. i just I thought the performance of the main guy was awesome with his all his characters and stuff, but you know, narrative wise and stuff, I didn't really care for it at all. So glass just didn't interest me, but yeah. I, and also hearing the mixed reviews of people that liked split and like, uh, I was like, eh, whatever pass. Uh, he is doing two new films, uh, what <clears throat> he's calling original thrillers, which, um, he calls all of his films thrillers, <laughs> regardless of how level of horror they are. You know, some are more horror than others, but they're all thrillers to him. Um, he's doing. He has one set for February twenty sixth, two thousand twenty one, and then February seventeenth, two thousand twenty three. So, um, Jesus, yeah. Uh, he said there's a third thing that might end up going in between the two. So. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, he said they're all weird and dark. <laughs> okay. Um, he said, uh, I, I just have two movie ideas I felt really strongly about, and interesting enough, there might be a third. I just said that. Uh, I love the, this approach from the visit on where they're minimal, contained, I own them. We take big tonal risks and try to hit that note of absurd, absurd but grounded that dark humor moment and deal with some complicated things, not necessarily take the audience where they're comfortable, both during and even at the end. That's all 
mitigated because we're working with a respectable number and I feel like I'm being a good partner to my distributors. I like that. I like that because it allows me to iterate really fast in making these stories. So those films follow that architecture of approach and process, even if it's tricking myself into more dangerous, it's working because when I think about these three films that I'm thinking about all weird and dark, I think they speak to each other a little bit. So Hmm. I think he's been on a roll lately. I mean, even though I didn't love glass, uh, I thought that it was decent. Split was good. The visit was great. Um, So I think he's kind of a, return like not even a return to form just a almost actually in a avoidance of form like he kind of decided to do whatever he wanted to do instead of like trying to cookie cutter himself into what people perceived him as the visit was the film that finally had a hit for my for myself <laughs> that was like the first film i think i ever liked by him and i really liked it i thought it was good really yeah um okay uh blumhouse uh, film Sweetheart is hitting Netflix on Christmas Day. This is a film that's already been on VOD, and I have heard people talk about it. Um, I've heard everything from good to medi- mediocre. So, um, have either of you guys seen it yet? What was the name of it? I totally missed that. Sweetheart. It's about a girl who is like stranded on an island. Oh or yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched it. Yeah. Good or mediocre? Uh, I, I think I was pretty mediocre on it. Um, it, it, you know, it has a decent premise. I mean, it's nothing like overly original, right? But uh, the supernatural element to it, man, I think that could have been done a lot fucking better. <laughs> like, really? But I did like how the, the monster kind of creature thing was like coming from the water and shit instead of the actual island that you stranded on. I thought that was kind of cool. So mm, I haven't seen it, but... um. Okay, it is on my list though. I'm I I might cut it off because I've heard more mediocre than than good. Well, just put it this way: um, it's, it's not making anyone's top ten list. Listen, I, I just want to say right now, you know, moving on from that, um, it is entirely possible that Scream Factory wins twenty twenty two because they have announced so much fun stuff already, and they keep they keep on coming so. Uh, over this past week, they announced 1975's Bug, expl- mm-hmm. the true exploding cocks. <laughs> yeah, it's true, man. Yeah, good movie. <laughs> um, it, it is a movie about well, come on, it's no taint. It's, it's no, it's no taint. Is, yeah, you know, it is true, it's, man. It's it no is. what taint? Yeah, well, the actual exploding <laughs> cocks. Oh, you know what I'm saying. Um. Yeah, it's. I, I saw this movie. Um, it was um, a William Castle flick. I saw this. I want to say when I first started collecting, it's actually one of the first DVDs I picked up. Like when I actually found like probably like 2010 or nine when I found the YouTube community, and I picked it up and I, I, I watched it. And then it went out of print. It actually was like going for crazy money. I should have sold mine. Um, the original DVD. Uh, and yeah, it's just, I love seventies killer animal and nature run amok films and bug 1975 is bug is one. I've always like kind of thought of as a, as a fun little one. I kind of sworn that you had a story with bug about how, 
I, I can't remember if it was you. You're, or... you're, you're right. I do have a story about bug, yeah, but it's it, not this bug. Yeah. Uh, so... There's a sci-fi film from like 2004 called Bug, and it's about like scorpions or like something like that. And I had ordered that, and they had sent me Bug, the Friedkin film. And I watched it, and I was like, "Yeah, the Ashley Judd, like Michael Shannon movie, right?" Fucking, yeah, which I love. It's an amazing movie. Yeah, yeah. I remember you telling this story, and I was like, "Yeah," because that's a fucking great movie, man. It's awesome. Yeah, but I was expecting this sci-fi film, and I, right away I was like, "Man, this is this seems like more quality than what I was expecting." <laughs> and then by the, like the third act, I was the like, "Cast this is alone, right?" Not that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, that is coming on in march dude like i need another job just so i can afford like to buy all these screen factories i haven't bought many screen factories at all and i miss them because they, they've just been putting out so much cool stuff um march 10th in seminoid uh which i've never seen Did 1981 in, film yeah in yeah, seminoid in seminoid in seminoid i mean it's kind of appropriate really with the in seminoid. <laughs> yeah that works uh cover has a girl and some like lasers pointing at her JJ baby. Man, the cover it's one of those movies, man, where the cover art is so much better than the actual movie. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. It's a Norman G. Warren film. It's like probably one of his better films, but um but it's cool that it's finally getting an official release over here, like on Blu-ray and stuff, because it got released by Indicator? Who the fuck put out this set? Yeah, I think it was him. But I didn't want to pick up that set because they'd released Vinegar Syndrome and released like all of his other films on Blu-ray. So I was like, "Fuck this, man! I'm not doing that shit." So, mm. but that's cool, man, because it's one of those films that it's, it's okay for what it is. It's kind of like an alien ripoff, really. So here's a fun one: 2001's horror tale Bones, starring, starring the Snoop D O Double G. I seriously can't Jimmy Bones. fucking believe that they are putting that shit out on Blu-ray. That's just like. That's amazing. I have it on VHS, bro. <laughs> well, it, it was funny to me too because they've been re- like throughout this whole year, they've been really focusing on like fifties and sixties films and shit. Like you know, Hammer since they got you know all the Studio Canal films and all the Hammer films, and they've been putting out a lot of shit that I've been buying and stuff. And and all of a sudden it's like you know, Bug gets announced, and then Seminoid, we're you know going back to the seventies and the eighties, and then they hit you with some motherfucking two thousand and two shit. That's amazing. They they be mixing up that game, man. I like that. Yeah. That's cool, though, man, because uh, like it's just one of those films fun. that people are, you know, I think subconsciously people are like, yo, man, where the fuck is Bones on Blu-ray? <laughs> I don't know why. I just think that's funny. But I think people are like, when they saw it hitting Blu-ray, they're like, yeah, man, it's about time. I'm waiting for that shit. Fucking liars. Well, they, they got on. a whole nother library of films from, you know, different companies yeah, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, well, no, pretty fun. Because where, where did Bones man. come? Who released Bones before? Because I have the DVD. But, I think it's Warner Brothers, honestly. Which are fucking crazy if it is Warner Brothers. Who, no. Who the, who the hell is waiting for Bones on Blu-ray? Hey. You know, you know what's fucking funny, man? I can really? just turn to my left right now and look at the, the soundtrack to Bones. It's a mo- it's a modern black exploitation. Pretty much, yeah. Um, Oh, man, speaking of black exploitation and Snoop, I just got to put this in there. I watched Dolomite the other night. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was so fucking happy, man, that... They actually like Snoop was in that because he's he was like a massive, massive Dolomite fan, right? And he plays like a video D or a, a DJ and stuff in the beginning of the film. And there's this great sequence oh, with it's Dolomite. New Line, which owns owned by Warner Brothers, yeah, yeah, so. New Line. That's right, that's who put it out. And yeah, so this great, you know, 
a scene with uh, Dolomite, which is obviously played play by Eddie Murphy and, and Snoop. Snoop's actually pretty good in it, man. But I fucking love Dolomite, man. I thought Eddie Murphy knocked it out the fucking park, man. I've heard good things. It's uh, another I, one I just haven't had time to sit cool. down and watch. Well, dude, it's funny because the movie is about the making of the movie Dolomite, which me and JP actually reviewed yeah. on this podcast before. I've seen Dolomite, but Dolomite's all, I love Rudy. <clears throat> Rudy Ray Moore. Oh my Rudy God. Ray Moore. Rudy Ray Moore. I'm having problems getting that out, but I'm a big fan of him. But uh, yeah, <laughs> dude, I thought it was cool to see them reenact the scenes from Dolomite and shit. And then at the end of the film, they actually like, you know, they have a little bit of clips like during the, the, um, the credits and shit like that. But it's fucking I, fun, I man. Remember, I remember renting one of Rudy Ray Moore's comedy specials when I was way too young and I had no idea <laughs> or context of like what I was getting. His rhyme and it was just so different. It was just so different from like from yeah. anything I had seen at that time. I was like, what the hell am I watching? But I liked it and you know, I was a fan, so Yeah, fuck it's so good, man. Yeah, one of those things that's part of the the enjoyment of childhood the watching shit that you shouldn't be you know oh hell yeah man hell yeah dude um after that uh monsters go home which was a tv movie i believe that's coming out Mm -hmm. in march as well it's all right i seen it in the drive-in a couple years ago um but it's Mm. cool cool announcement i guess Mm -hmm. um then universal horror collection volume four uh night key night monster the climax and house of horrors um for some odd reason i missed that announcement really i totally did because actually i've got well part three is being released this month i have a pre-order but that's fucking amazing i got a part four coming out where's nashy three all <laughs> right that's uh march 17th wow that one that's amazing i this they're just pumping out so much good shit dude i know dude they're fucking they've hit a huge rebound like that i think they're leading the pack with well, releases there's no, right now. There's no company that I bought more releases from than than it was. Well, fuck, they put out was, six, seven a month. Yeah, and you so. know the crazy thing is, man, I've been buying the majority of them. I, like this month, I didn't pick up Road Games because I have the umbrella. I'm like, I don't need to side grade on that shit. I'm I'm cool with that. But like, they've been putting in a lot of stuff that like I either didn't have or I needed to upgrade. Like it's been fucking an expensive ass year with Screen Factory and Vinegar Syndrome, man. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of um, good that Arrow kind of lacked a little bit this year with the releases. Like, they, they put a lot of stuff. I'm like, well, I'll just wait for the sale. <laughs> you know, I'll get them for seven pounds kind yeah. of thing, right? So it's been a lot of that with, with Arrow, so. Uh, and then finally, this is another just cool announcement, right? Um, the uh, two-part miniseries from 1973 called Frankenstein, the True Story. Oh, That's man. just one of those cool releases. Like, you're not going to find it anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, it, I it's have the a DVD. little piece of history i mean like on blu-ray it's not something that everybody else has released i'm not gonna lie man i think it's like four hours that movie is like four hours total or some shit like that and it is kind of fucking boring man really yeah i've only seen it once because well let's face it it was like three and a half four hours long it's like a mini series kind of thing and i just remember it not being like the greatest but i but i yeah three hours so i do remember that like the costumes and shit was like really really well done for like like the tv production value on it was pretty good so but but three hours yeah, well, for like that type of story? Are you fucking with me? We we uh we um that's a nineteen seventy three movie if we ever get that. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, that's that's the Scream Factory announcements. I thought that was pretty cool of note. Um it's funny, I was explaining at work today 
or yesterday to my coworker about how we do our top 10 of the of year shows like the old years like the retro years and like she's like you're fucking insane because like i was looking at my letterbox stats with her and like 1976 is one of the year or 1972 is one of the years i've watched the most movies from a year it was like 70 some technically like i watch more from like 2000 like last year 2018 but because those r- 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 movies aren't sorted by how many i actually watched from that year mm-hmm. um you know it's it's by like the actual release date which a lot of the films i watched last year technically released the year before or the year before that so um but yeah it's it's funny because i was like just looking at like my random stats and it's like wow like I literally watched so many more movies from like just like 19. Uh, I watched 60 films from 1972, and the second high, or the most highest is 77 from 2016. So just like why she's like, why did you have a year where you watched 60 movies from 72? And I ex- started explaining the our retro shows, and uh, I just thought it was really funny. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't think there's any other podcast that goes in, as crazy and insane as we do when it comes to a top ten show. That's why we the best. It is. It is insane prep. I mean, it blows my mind even when I go through like my letterbox and because I, I keep mine in playlist or whatever you want to call them. Not playlist. I don't know. Fucking fold. Whatever the fuck they're called. You know, you know what I'm saying? Lists. Lists. I guess just lists. Right. As simple as that. But I look back and I go, damn, dude, I watched that many. Like. I didn't realize I'd watched 119 films last year for 2018 and this year I'm I'm at like 122 already and I'm like damn dude like I'm I'm going to hit like 150 for saying <laughs> Yeah that Try, I mean but I'm still I'm still not even close to compiling the top 10 list man it's like I don't feel comfortable with it at all I think it's mine, because the last 3 years have been really fucking solid to the point where you know, it's been very, very, it's been hard to keep shit it's out. Funny, now I'm finding though, hard dude, to shit to put into it, which is a problem for me. So, somebody had asked, I think Dave and Watson, this question about like, do you ever find yourself um, like liking a movie less or so? I forget what the question was, but I look at my list and I'm like a film, like better watch out that I did have on the list. Yeah. Would have like been so much higher now if I made the list. Like I love, oh, of course, movie. Yeah. it's one of my favorite movies that came out in the past like decade. It's just, it's a fun movie. Like I can't wait to watch it this Christmas. I just, I've like fallen in love with that movie. I watched it three times the year that it came out, which is like unheard of for me. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's that is that is really fucking crazy for you, <laughs> actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that sh- that shit happens, man. I mean if you look back at some of these lists and stuff, and I'm like, man. You know, I mean, that movie could have been in a different spot. But, I mean, I probably I had a frame of mind when I was making the list, though. Because I don't make mine by rankings, though, too. Because remember, I had, like, films that were 10 out of 10 that were lower on the list than... Or higher, wherever you want to put it, than films that were rated, like, 9. It was weird. Right? Yeah. So, but, I mean, if I go back and, like, look at some of the lists, and I'm just like, you know, that probably could have been a bit, a little bit higher. And, yeah, I mean, it happens, man. Yeah, and there, there's films that I look at that I'm like, I probably wouldn't put that on my list at all now. Well, like, uh, I mean, yeah, because you end up seeing, like, it's happened a couple years. I think it was a few years ago, and I saw a couple films right after we did the list that I just, you know, because I'm up in Canada and we don't apparently have power and cable and shit. Um, you know, I just, I end up seeing late, and I was like, man, a motherfucker would have made my list. 
right? I think Starry Eyes was one of them. I didn't see it. I saw it after we did a top 10 list. Yeah, you def- like, you, there was actually a lot of films from that year where we didn't prep as hard where yeah. I had saw like a couple films that you hadn't – like most of the films on my list you hadn't seen when I I wasn't, when I I wasn't hip them. to the, you know, the whole internet and how to work and, you know, kind of work the fucking, you know, the inner guts, the innards of the, yeah. you know, the internet and find these movies that – and I was like, man, my, my VOD doesn't have that shit. I guess I can't watch it. I was just so naive to the fact where you can pretty much find anything on fucking line, right? Yeah, I missed out on some of that way. And Starry Eyes is definitely one of those movies because I I watched it last. I rewatched it last year, and I was like, man, I love the shit out of this movie, man. I, it's one of my favorites of the decade, hands down, hands down. Yeah, no, it, it, it's one of my favorites too. Yeah. Um, uh, and, but yeah, like just looking at my list, I had better watch out. Is seven films above it? Raw, Black Coat's Daughter, It, Super Dark Times, Get Out, and It Comes at Night. Um, I would have put Better Watch Out at number four above it and it would have went better watch out super dark times get out it comes at night now if i did it um i still think i still think that top three is what i it's exactly the same as i would have put it back then um but yeah it's funny how like your taste change and you like reevaluate stuff that you really liked or you know it kind of just changes but yeah uh i can't wait to get the 85 show uh, get back to prepping on that so we get that done because I want to pick the next year. That's the funnest part for me is picking the next year. Eighty five like, is eighty five just did, didn't have like a crazy output, so like I'm pretty much all prepped for it. Is probably yeah, I noticed yeah. that. Like I've only watched twenty five, and I'm just looking and I'm like, there's actually not like a ton more to even see. Mm-hmm. Like that even has a remote possibility of making my list. Um, it's just not. It's it's like very top heavy. the The top is very good, but it's a very top heavy year. Oh, hands down. Because like I remember when we did eighty six, I was like still finding like enjoyable like movies like um uh like Neon Maniacs like it like fifty films in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it was insane. I mean, to be honest, man, with the 85 prep though, man, like, I mean, I stopped at 49. I've got 49 films watched right here. I'm just kind of looking through the list and, you know, honestly, there wasn't like a, like a ton of like really hard duds. You know, there was films that were, you know, they were definitely watchable and, and very enjoyable for the most part. So it has that going for it. I have, avoided like i i know i have like do you still have more films to that you have to be able to see yeah i i have technically on a list i have i think six i could watch 65 but a good 10 of those probably of those like 16 are you know shit i know is not making the top 10 it's more just to make numbers up kind of thing but there is a couple that i just haven't gotten around to watching yet but but looking through it man i mean i remember Going into the year, I was like, man, I think I pretty much know like seven of my top ten. <laughs> I don't think it's going to change too much. It's kind of one of those years. But yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be a fun one to, to talk about anyways. So. Gotcha. Um, so that's the news. That's the news? That's it? Okay. Mm-hmm. No, wait. What about the news of uh twit horror twitter going to war with joe bob did you hear about that oh i did not hear about that but continue (laughs) oh is it because of the black christmas thing uh i don't know if the origin was the black christmas thing specifically but he he did some tweet or he tweeted something about like how 
and the thing is, like, the context, people need to know, like, Joe Bob is somewhat playing a character in one of yeah, his Joe Bob he persona. He, he tweeted something about, like, oh, like, I liked my horror back when, like, there was no, like, I don't, I'm paraphrasing. No, so I, I know what it is. Tweet. You don't even need to paraphrase. It's it's like, and it, well, technically you do. But, yeah, he said about, it is the Black Christmas thing. It's back when people didn't have, like, a, you know, put... Uh, political commentary and, uh, yeah kind of um, and then Ryan Turek opened his big mouth and was like uh, actually Bob Clark's film uh, had clearly had a you know anti-abortion type thing and and it's not that's not what Joe Bob was saying like he wasn't saying like I don't want my film to have any substance other than straight horror he was saying like he was saying like the way that this black Christmas one is done is not good. Cause it's so in your face and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, all this SJWs and fucking, you know, the shockwaves crews. Well, and to all be honest, man, when things are not subtle in films and they're just like, they keep shoving it down your throat, the whole film, it's like, fuck off, man. Like I is get the, it. Is the black, uh, Christmas remake Bloomhouse? Is that yeah. why Turk like rushed to like tweet yes. back yeah, like, so Bloomhouse. quick? Yeah. Okay. That, so that makes sense. Because yeah, I, at first when I saw Turek's response, I was like, "Why of all people did he chime in so quick?" And that's that's right. But yeah, and then like I I was I kind of paid attention to it a little bit, but you know, it was just everyone kind of trying to drag him like, oh. And then uh, Darcy, his male girl, kind of came to his offense. She's like, he's not saying that like he doesn't appreciate the subtext of like horror movies of course not because he there. talks about it all the time right exactly people watch his show he's a smart intelligent person um it's just it, it pisses me off because it's like oh my god these fucking witch hunts are so lame like you guys are fucking losers man like all this stuff that's like they take it like it's fucking it's against, internet like, warrior email. shit dude it's against like, I, it's email. created dude, a whole it platform of so fucking douchebags this well, world the funny is thing is too. Bags, man. Fuck the it. funny thing too is specifically to Joe Bob because you know his like his persona for like the show and his his gimmicks are kind of like the redneck cowboyish. I was like, in the back of my head when he came back to do the show on Shutter, I was like, you know what? I hope not, but I have a feeling it's only a matter of time until oh, like you, the modern hear, era just starts complaining about. Did you oh, hear when he was on Shockwaves like the very first time? Do you remember what happened with that? What like the reaction to it? Uh-uh. What yeah, happened? he made a like Asian joke about like eyes or something, you know, like squinty eyes or something like that. Uh-huh. And like they fucking like I thought it was going to be the end of Joe Bob before he even started. It was when they announced his last drive in 24-hour marathon like when he first came back and like I saw these comments like people were just finding out Joe Bob's a racist piece of shit. How funny. I knew for like two decades, like all this stuff. And I'm just like, Oh my God, he's playing a character. He's a comedian practically dude. Like Like, people were ridiculous. It's It's so PC. It it was not a good joke. I will say that it wasn't a good joke. It was like, it wasn't really, it didn't really hit, but it was like in passing, like not so you could tell it wasn't something that he like pre thought of. But he plays a redneck fucking dumbass. Like, come on, man. That's the type of shit that you expect to hear out of his fucking mouth, man. Like, are people not understanding the character and where it's coming from? No, they don't care. They don't see the difference between 
It's the same people that attack Dave Well, then Chappelle. they should not be judging that then if they don't understand that type of shit because what you're doing is making a fucking ass of yourself. It's worse than this fucking shitty joke, right? Like, Dude, I mean, you need to understand so, the I, context where it's coming from or else you're just being a fucking douchebag, man. I literally hate – I don't hate a lot of things in life. Like, in fact, I, I don't hate people – like, even you, even like Jeremy, like, people in the group get annoy, annoy him. Like, <clears throat> I never even think twice about stuff like that. I fucking hate people who get offended at things. It fucking bothers me. So, I'm just so like, what you're saying is you hate pretty much half the world now because everybody is offended by everything now. No, it's just all the like I, pretty much. Um, and I do like the group for non-controversial. Dude, stuff I'm the toxic offender fun. now, man. I'm it's, the fucking toxic offender. Like the people who exist the shockwaves. They created this community of like sensitive fucks. Yes, uh, and I do like a lot of people in there. And I truly do think that like it's good content a lot of the times. Like they have cool conversations about stuff. But the moment it gets to a topic of like um, discrimination or like women's rights or like um, strong female characters or lack thereof or, you know, anything that's even. Uh, you know, LGBTQ or a- anything like that, it becomes a fucking sensitive, like, puss fest, dude. It's fucking annoying, man. And I sometimes I'll say something, but dude, I know for other times man. I don't. I, and it's just like, but the, I, I don't leave because people are like, just leave. It's like, I don't leave because I actually like the content in there a lot of times. Like, I found out about stuff like really quickly in there, but it's just like, <laughs> it's dude, so, so many people are so fucking sensitive. It's insane. Like it's, you know, like, they wouldn't I've last five minutes in our group. Have, man. No, not even. Uh, in fact, people have came there and from Shockwaves and like bailed out. Oh, or, like, of course people they have. said they listened to our show because it was recommended in Shockwaves, and they're like, it's the most like, uh, you know, immature shit ever or something. And, like, <laughs> see that? See now? Like they try to fucking now they try to you know, disrespect us then, you know, and shit. But I mean, really that's, that's a pure compliment. Thank you for that. <laughs> I mean, really you hear that type of shit. I'm like, motherfucker, I'm clicking on what podcast is this man? Giddy up. <laughs> um, but no, like, like what annoyed me about Ryan Turk is that he kind of like just he's got took the fucking basic name. The bet. No, I like, I actually do like Ryan. Turk. No, I meant his name. It just sounds. Uh, well, it um, feels like him of all people should know better. Like, what are you trying well, he's to just score defending his movie? He's completely biased and works for you know the production company. House, yeah. I'm saying like he would be the person. I, I don't know him that well, but I I know I've read some of his writing back when he was on Shark Tank Drop and stuff like that. I just feel like he's somebody who would probably have an issue with that much pandering or something. Um, <clears throat> yeah. in, in the marketing, like a lot people change once they get in with these, you know. That find success like they're, they're very PC all of a sudden you know what I mean and I'm not oh, saying yeah. that that guy because again I don't know him that well this world but, uh, has be, it's almost like cool to be PC or some shit man it's like what the fuck yeah. is going on man uh, it's I like think, a trend man the thing is I think like his tweet was more defending his his intellectual property yes because but I then the blame, pro- I can't blame him either because I mean no, like, it's, it's, it's just, I don't think it was so much his tweet. It's more what happened after his tweet because that's when the ban. I know I'm came blaming in. his tweet, but really his tweet wasn't that bad compared to what like the shitstorm that it created. And yeah. I'm like kind of putting it all the blame on him, which is kind of unfair. So yeah, I agree that it was more like 
the wave of people that came after. I knew that was going to happen. I'm actually surprised that Joe Bob hasn't gotten more hot water so far because judging by like how it started and just me knowing um, about how he was in the 90s, I just feel like it doesn't play well with today's audience. But there are still people out there like us too who, you know, just look and it's find it funny you know what i mean it's like i don't need to be offended at everything yeah do you think do you well think these are the people that are just that? getting into joe bob now apparently man because well, if they exactly. if they weren't offended before oh, and they're yeah, getting offended now like that that's ridiculous it's the same shit you know it's like the whole don cherry thing though too man i mean he was he was himself for 40 fucking years and all of a sudden he gets fired over saying you people it's like this fucking world is so fucked up man he didn't mean that he's not a fucking hate monger he's not a racist and shit it just came out wrong Right? It's ridiculous. People are just way too sensitive to all this bullshit and need to fucking take a step back. It's embarrassing, man. This society is embarrassing right now. It's the way it is. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. I just I, 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 just re- I read like- comments and I'm embarrassed sometimes. I'm like, why are you being like that, man? You know, in 1997, if you, you were like... You know, you, you were saying get, fuck like, this and fuck that and shit. And now it's like, dude, you say some slanty eye joke and people are like, oh, oh man, I'm okay with like criticizing the joke because it sucked. And oh, it was 100%. Like, even in poor taste. I'm fine with that. But like when you make it about bigger than that, that's where it's it just gets lame. But you and have to realize that's what everything is about now. Making a big deal about everything. Everything has to I be just, overly publicized, people, overly dramatic. If people want to be offended and it hurt their feelings, that's fine. But I hate when they try to ruin it for the people that don't give a fuck and it didn't even – they didn't even think twice about it. Yeah, but these and people don't me. give a They're shit They're trying to ruin that. it for me and I don't want that shit. It's attention, man. They, they want attention from their, their PC supporters and they don't give a fuck about the people that are like – you know, having a good time and, and actually living life the way it's supposed to be no, lived, you know, by having we're fucking hurting everybody's fun. feelings. Yeah, but that's that's exactly what the problem is, man. Is that people aren't even thinking for themselves anymore, man. They're just I, I swear it's become a trend to be like that too. Like <laughs> I just thought of something, dude. It's ridiculous. One time uh I forget what Dave Z was talking about. He was in shockwaves and they started <clears throat> going they started going hard on my dude. It was fucking I was like, Jesus. I forget what it was about, but he like said something. Maybe that's why I left Facebook. I think he was like, criti- <laughs> he was, like cri- criticizing the group or like the way it was ran or something. And somebody just was like, was like, all you ever do in here is like, you know, fucking criticize us and stuff. Why are you even here or whatever? And uh, it was just, I was, I defended him because I, I 100% agreed with what he was saying. But um, oh yeah, man. if that was me in there, cool if that was me there in there, too. you would have never offended. It's it's funny how they created and it's not even shock waves like it's not rebecca and rob g and elric like that's not their group it's a fan-made group yeah it's a fan um, group. which it's is funny because you think like PCs. they don't have they don't like go in there and like moderate it or anything it's like the moderators are like ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> principal fucking pc man <laughs> like when the moderators chime in to like try to fucking clarify stuff and explain it's just like shut have the they gone to that point in there where yeah they have to you have to get approval for all your posts and shit 
No, no, I don't think so. That is some straight up fucking censorship. But, but like, they, they will, they will step the in. They will step in and delete stuff, though. If well, that's different. But like, if you're if you're you know pending you know approval on everything, every fucking post you have is like well, ridiculous. To me. It's now, ridiculous. and this is busy heard... to do. Who's doing What's that, that shit? It's fucking busy to do. Like, how many mods do you have? Well, like, say you have three, four thousand group members, and you got to approve every fucking post to make sure it's like to make sure it's all fucking PC and shit. <laughs> well, um, I know that. Uh, that shit, I heard man. Dave talk about this the other day on Watsy, but apparently now you can set certain people. Like, if like, let's say you, um, Mike posts in our group, right? He's not a moderator or anything. We can set it to where all of his posts, we don't even have to check. He'll, they'll just allow him to post regularly. Um, so that's kind of a cool little feature. Oh yeah. Um, it's funny that like, cause I, I don't like, I've always been like the type of person, like I, I'm okay with anybody posting anything as long as it's not, um, of course, of course. there's like, nothing you can something. post that would get, that would get me up in arms. Well, apparently, uh, not all three of us feel that way because Jeremy's literally always bitching about like the posts. So, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe that would be a tool that he would want. He hates when people post like three, four times, but then Jeremy's live streaming four or five times a day. And I'm like, okay, do you not see what's going on? here? <laughs> I just don't see how it's hard to just scroll past it. It takes two seconds. I know that shit doesn't bother me one bit. I'm like, I don't really give a shit. So, so guys are in there solely to just like self promote like their video, but it's like, dude, all you have to do is scroll by and you like literally forget the second you passed. Well, normal people forget the second you pass. Jeremy doesn't. He takes it to the chat and fucking complains. He's like, that's it. I'm fucking banning this guy because he posts like 13 times. And uh, nobody even liked his post once. He literally said that. He literally said that. He's not getting fucking likes, so I'm going to ban him. I was like, oh, my God, Jeremy. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm like, okay. But um, anybody who's listening right now and is currently in the shockwave groups, I'm sure you're very angry at us. (laughs) Um, I can't even comment on the whole shockwave thing because I don't even think I've never. I was in there for five minutes. The ones that crack me up. I was in there for five minutes and I seen an argument and I was like, "Yeah, this is not the place for me." (laughs) I do. I do like. I do really like the shockwaves podcast, though. I will say that it's a good show. Um, yeah, when I listened but, to it, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I, thought it was I know Mr. Parker is a very, um, he's a very, very likes it a lot, a lot too. It's one of his favorites. So. Yeah, he listens to yeah, I usually, a lot. I usually, I usually listen to it on Fridays, unless I'm like way behind on other stuff, then I'll push yeah. it out. But it's pretty cool. And I, you know, they have a lot of informative guests on there that yeah. are fun to listen to their insight on stuff. Yeah. Uh, that, that that yeah, I I was listening to that back when they were um killer yeah. Um I think I started listening on like the third or fourth episode. What was the name? Killer Yeah, P-O-P? Rebecca Rebecca McKendry yeah. has That's a cool uh, name for Fangoria show now. What is it? Oh, the Nightmare, Nightmare University. University, yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good. They did a non exploitation she did a non exploitation episode. Um, but yeah, I, I, it, it's shorter, but it's like very informative. I, I really like that. Man, show I'm too. so disappointed that our non-exploitation show that we did recently just bombed. It like did terrible, bombed man. So bad. James Fox gave me a la carta to review like a month later. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like no one. Fuck, I was like, how the fuck are people checking out non-exploitation films? I'm like, that shit's just not cool anymore. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I was, I was shocked by that, man. So were you shocked? Were you shocked? Oh, I was shocked. Bro. You both are on the same shit, man. 
Yeah, it was just day. so perfect because we were just talking about Sean. <laughs> you know, if yeah. I was smart, I would have it, said that I set you guys up for that. But no, it's because JP's half my age. His reflexes are quicker. <laughs> I saw that delay. You're like, and you know what happened there? You were fucking lifting up your beer too, weren't you? <laughs> And like I didn't want to fucking it, interrupt. So but you were like, like I heard sip, voices sip or going. Joke, <laughs> sip or joke, sip or joke. And you're like, ah, oh, fuck it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I, yeah, I really, I've I really found that whole Joe Bob thing just like really sad to me. I was like, well, the problem is, it's like I didn't mo- like, like you said. I think we already mentioned. It, it's like the Turek tweet was fine. A couple more responses, whatever. But the way it blew up was just like, shut the fuck up, people. Like, get over it. He's a character. Stop claiming you have hated him for 20 years because you haven't. Just wait. Like, just enjoy last Christmas next week. I wish I was you guys and didn't have a podcast to record and could enjoy it. Um, Or not last Christmas, whatever the hell it's called. Red Christmas. Red Christmas, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. They're going to show fucking Dow Code for Santa. Deadly games. Deadly games. It'd be so cool. That'd be cool. So cool. So cool. If he fucking addresses it, like if he mentions it somehow, he's going to show it. No, no, no. I meant the full fucking Twitter blow up. Oh, yeah. He says something about like fucking SJW. He's definitely going to say something about the Black Christmas remake, I bet. Yeah. Good. Because it deserves to be fucking. Man, I'm I'm fucking pissed that I missed that Fresh Cuts, dude, for Deadly Games. It was fun. It Who was always on that? Because I, you know, the funny thing is, I watched it like two nights before you guys were doing it. Like I just because I've had the the Blu-ray and it was. Uh, uh, I loved does it. that count for a 2019? Dude, it's, <laughs> the film's from like 1989. <laughs> well, know, but here, it's getting its North American release. It's literally year. 30 years old. Yeah, that's the old. funny thing because like uh, I don't know because I know Blue, you're not in the Fresh Cuts chats anymore. JP, you're sporadically there. Venom kind of didn't want, like he didn't kind of want to let it qualify. But my thing is like I'm like, well, it's it's definitely making an exception for it to do it because obviously it's from 1989. But I was like, hey, it's never been available. Like this is the first unless you're going to import it or watch bootleg rips of it. It's never really been available here. So let's and, you know, Christmas hordes like timely I'm like let's just fucking do it but we had a uh, we actually had Carly and uh, Neil Neil Lemoy Neil's first time on the show and then obviously Carly's been on before but uh yeah it was a, it was a fun episode it just sucks cuz like mood, moods we've we've had you on a, a bunch but now that Venom's like most of his the early days of the week he's taken with other stuff so that like cut you out of it for like the time being i can only record you, fresh cuts on monday night or tuesday night right now yeah because we had it. we had a we had a good like tuesday night thing going mm-hmm. like oh, most of the time you would join us would be on tuesday nights and then once horror cast came back that's the night they record like every yeah, single week that's right. so i'm like fuck so. Yeah, that's that's kind of unfortunate, man. Because that would have been a fun one to talk about, man. Because it's like it's got that whole predating do... Home Alone thing, and it's it's fucking fun, dude. That kid had the best mullet ever, man. It's fucking yeah, amazing. It's a dark ass movie. Like the tonally, it's just like you know, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you guys brought this up. Have you guys ever seen Christmas Evil before? Uh huh. Yeah. You know the uh, ki- no. the, the ki- ne- I never seen it. The... Yeah, fuck. Yeah, I know you. Um, 
I don't know why I said you guys. I don't know why I pluralize that. But yeah, no, Christmas Eve. But anyways, the uh, the Girls killer, the killer in Deadly Games, kind of reminds me of him for some odd reason. Just awkward looking with this kind of beard. I don't know. It was weird. Is I don't know. It's kind of fucking strange. Just kind of remind me. Did uh, did you guys do Knives Out? Nah, Venom saw it. I never had the chance to get to the theater to see it. Venom was open to doing it though, and I would have been down to do it. I just didn't have a chance to get out to see it. But he liked it a lot from what he told me. Does it count it, as horror? No. It's, I don't, but but then again, it's a kind it of a murder is mystery. A complete isn't, murder it, mystery. isn't it some Agatha Christie, Christie shit? It looks like Agatha Christie, man. Yeah, it's like it's a it's like, it's it's honestly really fun. A bunch of people gather in one room, somebody gets killed and then fucking yeah. It actually doesn't play out like you would think it does. It, it I mean from the trailer, which I have seen the trailer because, you know, again cinema. It just I, instantly I was like, wow, that's like the highest budget egg of the Christie movie ever. No, it actually doesn't play out like um you would even the trailer shows. It plays out a little bit different. Like I wanted the, to check it out because the cast structure. Man. I mean There's the a, cast is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah well I mean anything that Michael Shannon Michael like, Shannon I, yeah. I've got to check out he's man. awesome like, I'm, a, I'm like one of his biggest fans. I think that guy's one of the greatest underappreciated actors out there, man. There's Just, a really funny scene where he's trying to get a Mexican girl to say that they don't put his her th- their family in actual cages and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really funny. Um because there's like this like liberal verse thing in the movie a little bit. So, um it's uh it's really. it's really funny, but hmm. um yeah, this uh she's actually not even Mexican, I don't think, but one of the southern um territories but um yeah uh she so yeah it's it's actually a very 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 fun and you know i'm happy that it succeeded because it shows that you can make something like this today because it it totally is a throwback you know what i mean to like murder mysteries of yesteryear Mm -hmm. it's nothing like you i'm surprised that this film came out this wide i mean i think having the stars that it did attached probably helped it um but yeah it's very likable very fun i mean it's convoluted once everything's all laid out and stuff but there's that classic like everything's laid out and explained to you in a long uh you know scene of dialogue um, an exposition at the end of the thing so it, like it's very classic in that sense where it's so like typical it's like, Agatha Christie where they have to explain everything <laughs> see I don't know who that is so you keep referencing ten, her Ten Little Indians answer. she's like oh okay she, Agatha little. Christie's super I mean god man they've adapted like a hundred of her fucking stories into movies but all of her movies are like murder mysteries like that it's like something happens at the beginning and there's this huge mystery everyone's pointing the finger at each other and then when it comes down to the end, there's like this big, big explanation at the end and shit like that. And it's like, Hey, this is why this happened. This is why this happened. You're like, Oh, okay. Cause like nobody can ever fully figure that out or fucking, you know, follow the movie properly, you know? Yeah. Well, so. it's just, it's just fun because you know that it's like a threat, like it's done on purpose. Like it, it's like this long winded mm. explanation, but it's fun to watch. And, uh, it's funny. There was actually a line in the movie. It was like this, it, it's like, we're, we're in because it's set in like this big mansion thing and they're like we're literally in like a clue board or something and i was like oh that's funny that is funny yeah <laughs> that's what people kind of compared it to the movie clue if you've seen that um, i thought um, that's soon. what it was gonna be like but in my opinion it's not at all um, yeah okay I've seen, I've seen clue other than the fact that there's just a mystery aspect and a mansion aspect but mm-hmm. um yeah it's uh it's 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 
I re- both me and Carly really liked it. I definitely recommend seeing it. It's fun. Yeah, it was it was cool to see Daniel Craig in there too, man. I'm like the current Bond, you know, see him in something different. You know so. who else is in it? Um, I don't know if this guy is um, anybody. I know I've seen him in a couple things, but I, I'd seen him on the uh, in the movie, and I was like, dude, this guy. I, I was like, I know I've seen this guy before, but I couldn't figure out like where um, he was. And I'm just double checking because I don't want to be wrong on this, but I think that he was, yeah. Um, and Knives Out. Um, do you remember the first season of Tales from the Crypt? Um, Somewhat. Vaguely. Yeah. Okay. Do you know the collection complete segment? It's like the last episode of the first season where like the dude retires and is what it's like set on. It, it's usually clearly filmed on a soundstage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know the the, episode, yeah. that guy. He's in there. And I was like, oh, shit. I know that guy. His name. Oh, is really? Crazy. Emmett Walsh. Yeah. And uh, he was like, I, wow. I thought he'd been dead by now because like he looked old in that that in Tales from the Crypt. And that came out before I was born. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's fucking 30 plus years old right there. Huh. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he was in. I recognized him immediately because he just has that voice and face. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was really cool to see him. Um, yeah. So that's <laughs> that. Cool. Well, I guess that is. Yeah, so, sorry I extended the news segment by like 30 minutes from bringing up that Joe Bob. Yeah, that was oh, like yeah. that was like literally <laughs> like 25 more minutes. <laughs> that's funny. But uh, um, yeah, so that's going to conclude the news. Fucking thing sucks. Uh, moving along here. Um, we got a few listener questions. It's the questions. It's the questions, boy. It's the questions. It's the questions. Come on. The questions. It's the questions, boy. It's the questions. It's the questions. Yeah. Quickly, there's only a couple. Uh, uh, before you do that, I have one that wasn't answered from before. All right. Yeah, yeah. Ready? All right. This one's for me. JP. As you've alluded to in the past, you sounded like you were quite different in your younger years. A bit of a badass question mark? What was the turning point that changed you into a lovable laid-back movie connoisseur you are now? Um, okay, this is bullshit. You didn't give a name, so you totally wrote this that's, question. That's, just no, that's to, James, you, James Coax. Oh, did you it? stop uh, growing? <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that it's a little bit of a, like a, a little bit of a, a little too much to say I'm lovable and laid back, but <laughs> um, no, you know, I, 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 I was not only was I like not nice, but I was like, I, there was two things that I changed really. I wasn't very nice in high school and middle school and stuff like that. I was kind of a dick, um, but I also was bad. Like I just, I just got into trouble and, and, you know, was into that, you know, lifestyle of like getting in trouble and, you know, getting underage drinkings and a little uh, hoodlum. Yeah. And like selling drugs and stuff like that. And, you know, doing shit I shouldn't have been doing, getting in police chases and like just being very reckless and stuff. Um, and I just had better examples 
in my life where I'm like, I know better than this. Like the whole time, even while I was doing it, like I remember chill, like I would be chilling at one of my like dude's houses and he'd be like, dude, let's go like fuck up the town. It would be like four. It would be like two a.m. or something. And like, I'm like, I, I remember there was a certain point where it's just like, no. I was like, I don't want to go do anything. I want to just like stay here and drink. And he's like, come on, quit being a pussy. I'm like, dude, I, I, I literally ain't going. And then I woke up and like, there's like a computer and like a PlayStation and a TV like <laughs> all on the center of the floor. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? He like just robbed the dude up the road, like broke into his house and stole all his shit. And you know, he's like, "You think I'm gonna get in trouble for this?" And I was like, "Yes, I do." <laughs> and it, what's so stupid about it is the guy that he did it to was the guy that paid us to cut his grass earlier in the day that bought us. Oh, the alcohol. that's just fucking ridiculous, man. This is <laughs> so disrespectful, you know I mean? man. So disrespectful. So he ended up not getting in trouble for it, um, but you know, just stuff like that where I was just like, I knew that I was like doing the wrong shit and then um i actually got into a police chase and that kind of was like the last straw for me where i was like i'm done that could have been part and, of the same story <laughs> um well, yeah, what no. was the uh, result of the police chase uh i got away oh, really? um yep 100 percent uh like yeah, were you on was, foot here because like are you uh, dry, no, like- in a car so uh i'll make a quick version of this um, I was like 17 and my friend was like 24 or something like that. Um, and he just got out of jail recently and <laughs> we were kicking it at my other friend's house, like drinking in the basement, like just like we always did. And um, he was like, hey, my girl sauce is uh, working tonight. Like y'all should come to the strip club. And I was like, I'm only 17. And he was like, oh, it don't matter. I'll get you in. He's like, just use my brother's idea. I was like, I look nothing like your brother. And he's like a foot taller than me. Um, and he's like, no, it'll work. And like nobody else wanted to go. And I was like, he just used like, use your Uncle Brian B's idea. I'm like, Uncle B's like 45. I'm like, it's not going to work. He's like, I'll get you in. So we just we went and we took like a case of beer with us. And um, we went to the strip club. He like got me in. There's like a crazy story in there. And when we were going home, we stopped at a stoplight and he was like, give me a square. And I was like, oh, we don't have anywhere out or whatever. And we were at a stoplight stop. And he's like, oh, we're going to have to go grab something. And then he just like went, you know, like not thinking like he just was like, oh, we're going to have to go grab something and, and went and went to go up to the gas station. And there must have been a police like police car sitting there or whatever. So he just um, basically was like you know just driving and i'm like looking in the rearview mirror and i see these lights and i'm like yo i was like there's like cops man and i just got an underage drinking like not even like a full you know two months before and he was like and i'm like noticing i'm like he ain't stopping and i'm like yo i was like you're gonna stop and he's like nah and i was like dude just let me out i, I was like i'll i'll uh I'll take the underage drinking here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and he's like, nah, P you're riding. And I was like, fuck. And then we, it was like a half hour long chase thing. It was just like a mess. And then he was like, listen, I got an idea. He's like, I'm going to let you out of the car because right now we only have one police car chasing us. But if they call for backup, they will have two. In which case the, the police always have to follow the more dangerous thing, which is the driver. Um, so if you get out of the car and run, they're going to chase me. I'm a p- speed away and then you can get away. 
and I was like, I felt like he was trying to trick me or something. Like he was using me as like bait. Like he it was just gonna like fuck me somehow. But I, at that point, I was just like so over it, and I was like, I'll just ha- take whatever comes to me. So, um, he stopped, and sure enough, I got out of the car. I ran through the woods. They said stop or I'll shoot, and then I was just like, they. I heard him get back in their car and uh, follow him. Um, I w- ran through the woods, made it down to like, uh, my uncle's house. And then like he hid me and then the police were all like looking through the yard and stuff with flashlights. And he had mi- drove through the woods. Like he <laughs> went down like this trail, got out of the cor- car, ran up to his house, reported his car stolen. And the police never reported their chase until they lost him so technically he reported the car stolen before they (laughs) reported the chase so it looked really good on him they came into the uh his house and took him to jail and they didn't have nothing to hold him on because he said i reported my car stolen and it matched up with his story so they let him go even though they knew that it was him even though his car was in his fucking driveway (laughs) no no he he did he bailed out of it in the woods Oh he! Be- oh yeah, yeah. Ran okay. to his house on foot. That's fucking and, funny. Um, That's crazy. He reported the car stolen, and since the police were like lazy about it and didn't actually like report any type of incident or car chase. What the fuck? That makes so. That's crazy. He was able to technically report it stolen before there was ever any type of report that it happened. That's so ballsy to call that into. Like, what's your license plate? Oh, it's this, 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 and this. Oh, that's the car we're looking for right now. Like, well, actually, <laughs> you know what's funny is he just got out of jail uh, this year. He was in there for like five years um, for another unrelated incident. Um, but yeah, you know, so I, it was really that was the thing that kind of set me over the edge. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? You know what I mean? And uh, that's just yeah. one of many incidents that just kind of led me to like changing my life and and then on top of that i started listening to a lot of like um different perspectives on life and stuff like podcasts and and um like joe rogan and stuff like that wait this is like like when i was still like in my teens early 20s and it kind of just made me like respect the fact that people are different and like that um i shouldn't expect everybody to think exactly like me and i should just start being nicer to the world because um there's really no reason to be so like mean and um i basically that's why like you guys everybody kind of knows me for being like a little bit of like an asshole like on the show and like but really i'm like the nicest person to like all of our listeners and like group members like i'm way nicer than jeremy and um like i have way less like negative things to say like i in reality like yeah i'll I'll debate stuff and like i'm not i'm the fucking toxic offender man yeah exactly so like uh i'm actually (laughs) i'm actually like one of the more nicer people i just come off i'm misunderstood man fuck i'm nice (laughs) i'm nice (laughs) he's not mad he's sad but it's crazy yeah, you had to learn all that shit from a podcast, though, man. I learned all those fucking life lessons through fucking Sesame Street, man. Come on. <laughs> Turn the fucking TV on. Jeez, you could have avoided all that shit, man. Police chases and stuff. You're like, if I had just listened to Oscar the Grouch, man. Angry, <laughs> I was an angry teenager because I grew up in a like rough yeah. setting. But um, I also knew that it was dumb. Like I wasn't ever like 
oh, like, this is smart. I was like, you know, this is, well, I'm doing dumb shit. Where you are now is because you realize even when that shit was going on that it was fucking stupid. And this is probably going to be very, very bad for me in the end. Right? And I didn't, ex- I knew, I never expected that. I, like, even at the time, I always expected to stop doing it. Like, I just was like, oh, I'm just, like, having fun now. And I was for the most part. It sounds worse than it actually was. But it's hard, though, man, um, when you got homies that are, like, like, you're loyal to your homies and shit, but they're, like, terrible influences on you and shit. <laughs> I think everyone's kind of been in those spots where you're like, man, I know this is fucking not good, but, like, this guy's cool with me, man. He just does dumb shit. You know, like, I hate be- I hated being in those situations, man, and always... I was always a smart one too. I always got myself out of things too. And like, I was just like, fuck this man. I got to step away, man. This shit ain't good. Yeah. I had a, I had a couple of friends who were very good at like making you like them and want to like do stuff with them, even though it was like bad. And it was like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they were so nice sometimes, but they were dicks other times. It was just like, they're very manipulative, but, um, I'm still friends with a lot of these people to this day. And a lot of them have cleaned their lives up too. Like one of my best friends got on heroin real bad and was like, I stopped talking to him and he was just like, like really bad. And I never expected him. Cause we had like a same, we always promised we would never do that. Um, and then like he got clean like this past year and got a really good job. Just bought like a Harley Davidson and stuff. So like, I'm very proud of him for changing his life to him and his brother, which were really good friends of mine. We used to like do everything together, but yeah, totally just changed my mindset. And I always planned to, I never felt like I, I was just, I literally was just having fun. And like, I was enjoying walking the line of danger at the time and then i got i buckled down and was like i gotta stop this um i don't think i was ever in true danger of like completely fucking my life up i might have just got in trouble um cause, like even that police chase like i didn't want to do that like i was like i should have never been there and stuff yeah but um i wanted out i wanted him to stop you know what i mean like i wasn't like well, yeah, let's fuck it. Like I knew that it's like I'm. I don't want to participate in something that could kill someone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that yeah. So um, to answer your question, James, just being smart, like kind of just realizing that I'm pushing it too much. Um, I already knew ahead of time to not make the mistakes my family did, but I figured I could walk close to the edge and have fun, and then just stop, ma- like not make the full mistakes that they did. Um, and I probably went a little too far with it is what I'm saying. But at the same time, like I was smart enough to know that this isn't what you're supposed to do. And that like that, um, I could easily fuck up. Um, but I was just like, I was arrogant about it. I was like, ah, I'll be fine. Um, so yeah. Hmm. Um, well after these messages more with uh, JP's life story. <laughs> hey, people said that they like my stories. Um, from you know, my it's, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy, man. I was actually thinking about that. Like when you were talking about this, I'm like, man, you have been really open about your life and shit. And I don't think anyone knows a thing about me. <laughs> like I never tell stories like that, man. You know what? But I never was before, right? Like, yeah. you know, stuff about me. Oh, I do. Um, yeah. You've definitely told me things that you have never told in here. But I mean, the same thing. Like, I just don't ever I don't know. I just don't air that stuff out that much. I, I don't <clears throat> normally, but I've kind of got, it feels like it's been so long now that I'm just like, okay, if people yeah, ask, for sure. I'll yeah. be a little bit more honest, but um, yeah. Um, so after that, he asked Jeremy a question. Um, Jeremy's not here. He said, you seem to buy a lot of films. You'll never watch. Why <laughs> to, to, to watch them one day, or is it for resale? I don't think he's going to resell them, but 
No. Jeremy is somebody who has the most unwatched collection out of anybody I know. 100%. Like, 100%. Um, I'm pretty sure that his percent of actually watched films is 5% or under. Yeah, I, I remember watching a couple of his video, uh, uh, shelf by shelf videos and it was like, uh, this one sucked. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. This one sucked. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. And it was like, I read through the comments. Everyone's like, dude, you watch any of your fucking movies? Uh-huh. <laughs> like I've probably comments. watched maybe 50% of mine. Yeah. But he is literally at probably 5%. Got to be under 5%. Hands down. So, yeah. Um, after that, moods, you've put so much money, time, and effort into your movies watching and collecting them do you see yourself slowing down at any point and do you fear one day waking up and thinking i can't be bothered anymore slowing down i mean really the only thing that would slow me down collecting physical media would be um if the companies just start depleting you know i mean really i think just the 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 death of physical media would probably slow me down but if it keeps going strong like the way it has been in, in my opinion i think it's still pretty strong no because it makes me happy and I've always said, I mean, you know, people ask me all the time, they're like, dude, do you ever like have regrets of all the like hundreds of thousands of dollars you spent on music and fucking movies and shit? And I'm like, absolutely fucking not. I live my life with no regrets. I've always done that. I, I do things that make me happy. And you know what? I have a fucking wife that 100% supports everything that I do. She loves the fact that I podcast. She loves the fact that I have these, like every time she walks in my film room, she just is in awe you know every time she's in the studio i'm recording in right now the music she's like it's amazing like your dedication is absolutely amazing she supports that you know it's it's a great system to have and no i i don't have any regrets and i I could never see myself waking up one day and being like why the fuck am i doing this i mean you know i couldn't say 100 percent, but there's little to no chance it's ever going to happen so i mean i've always said you know make do things that make you happy don't do things that make other people happy you know it's like yeah. do, do things for yourself man i mean I, there's the number one thing you gotta let you can't just you can't worry about what other people are thinking and worrying about and shit and if that was the case and i would have stopped collecting before i fucking started man you know people are like man you gotta the invest older, your money the older, do, yeah the older you get the less you give a shit what other people do like i don't i don't Precisely. collect but i don't care i don't i'm not i'm not up in arms that other people choose to collect movies and I don't. I mean, yeah, hundred percent, man. I everyone collects what they collect. I like collectors in general. I truly love it. It's I don't buy as much as I used to. Like I am looking at my DVD update. It's probably four to five months behind, and even then, like I don't have that much stuff to update. That's why I've waited so long. Um, just because like I just don't have the the exposable income like i used to um expendable income uh but like i still love collecting it's just so fun to me i don't know i've always just liked it it's it's super dope i just like having stuff you know like when i was a kid i mean i got into music at such a young age and movies at such a young age but obviously at those young ages i couldn't like collect collect but like it was always a dream but you know things that were affordable were you know collecting hockey cards i mean i grew up in the 80s and it was you know hockey cards and garbage pail kids man i mean cards were the fucking shiznit man i mean i didn't really collect toys you know like i wasn't like that type of person i had toys but you know, some people like collected even from a young age, just like everything they bought was like in the package. I'm like, no, it was cards and stuff. And I just like the idea of collecting it. And it wasn't to like 
show off to people. It was, it was just, it was self satisfaction. You know, it was like, man, I love having these. I like looking at these, you know, it's just like, I wasn't, I wasn't that people that would buy things and then, you know, just kind of keep them unopened and fucking do this. And I, I, I got a lot of satisfaction out of it. And then, you know, and then it moved on to like actually collecting music and, you know, movies and, and things like that. And it's just, yeah. When I was, uh, when I was a kid, my uh my parents would get me uh every christmas the uh the complete mlb baseball card set so it's every player in the league and it's it's like that long rectangle box Mm -hmm. and it's like it was so cool because you would get this complete thing and of course there's stars but then like a few seasons later when guys would become stars from just being, you know, improving and getting better, you would go back and look at your set and you'd be like, Oh my God, I have all these guys, rookie cards yep, yep. that you no know, before they became anybody, you know, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, man, my kid was in, in my room here oh. and I actually have all my cards and stuff. I probably have, Oh my God. I, I couldn't even 20, 30,000. Like it's crazy. I have like <laughs> shelves of cards, like full sets like that and stuff. And he's been like really intrigued by it. And like, he's a little bit too, like he's a little bit unorganized for like a nine year old. Like he doesn't respect, you know, to the handle them like I was when I was nine, you know, kind of thing. So he's just kind of behind that. So there is a time where I'll, I'll pass him down to him and shit. But, but I actually bought him, um, the complete set of the 2019 MLB cards for Christmas, actually. So, but I'm going to sit down and put, like, I bought a binder with the plastics and all that shit to put them in. And I'm going to, you know, kind of sit them down and show them how to, like, respect these things and stuff. So I'm really looking forward to that, man. I'm really, I'm sounding like an old dad right now, but I'm really excited to do that with him because that was the shit that I was doing when I was his age. And I got so much fucking joy out of it, man. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. So I can't wait for him to open that up. Pretty excited. Um,. Yeah. Question, other questions. You have a list? Yes, I do. Uh, first question is from our man, Mikey Fisher, Mr. Fishfucker. Uh, he said, this is probably going back to the conversation that we had last week about the wrong term remake slash reboot thing. Um, he said, it looks as if the killers are going to be wearing different types of animal, ma- animal masks. Uh, thoughts on that? I mean, honestly, man, if it's, if it's a remake, I mean, it, I don't even know if it's officially confirmed if it's like a remake or if it's like a sequel like i don't know what the fuck's going on if it's a remake a full-on remake um and they're wearing animal skulls of course i have no problem with that i mean if, if it's based on the same characters from the the original franchise it's it's going to be a little bit awkward but at the same time i'll embrace that man because animal skulls, this is probably just masks? like extended family like because remember in Wrong Turn 2 how many more of them there were than oh, yeah. in the first one? For sure, for sure. But, like, it, but if they like explain that things. away as like, hey, this is part of the family and stuff, then it just relates right back to the original franchise. But these guys, this portion of the uh, the O'Doul's wear fucking animal masks and shit. Um, I'll, be, I'll be fucking down with that, man. I have no problem with that whatsoever, man. I like masks in general, man, as long as they look cool. You know, I mean, like the bowling bag mask. That's like one of the best ones ever, so. Oh yeah, um, I think Earth <laughs> Earth announced that they were releasing. Wow, you took that like a champ. You just yeah. what was this? Fi- what is this film? Gutterballs. Famine. Famine. Oh, Famine. Yeah, Famine's coming yeah, I think out. They should they be out this month. Announced that one for now. Yeah, it's out this month. Actually, on Blu-ray. So okay. Yeah. Um. What are your yeah, guys' I'm thoughts down, on that? I'm down yeah. with it. I I like. I just want I, I I just prefer so much for it to be like a semi sequel at least. I don't want no fucking reboot. No, dude. I, I would it's rather just, it be related to the original franchise too. Just kind of just sequel it, man. 
Just whatever. The only reason to do it as a reboot is if you're going to do a big budget like re-release. You know, these are just direct to video how they've been going. Mm-hmm. Like I used to like when they came out because it's like, oh, like, oh, look, in Walmart there's a new wrong turn. Like I, I'll, I'll pick this up. I wonder what they, I wonder what the boys are up to this time. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder what the, what kind of kills we're going to see this time. Um, <laughs> I just like yeah. I just like those I, I kind of like direct to video franchises like that like Tremors is another one where I'm like like oh I wonder what Bert and the boys are gonna be up to in Ireland this time with the grab boys doesn't it make you kind of wa- go back and kind of watch the uh, the fucking Children of the Corn franchise again do you ever hey, just like sit there and go the the no me either that's the funny fucking thing about that franchise everyone's like man it's one of the worst franchises ever and I'm like you know honestly dude, Hellraiser we actually liked most of them and not a single one made the pain. I know that's like insane to me. It, well, we had what a couple of children of the corn, but the majority of the ones that are tolerable are actually decent, you know, maybe not as sequels themselves, but they're part of the franchise and they're yeah. actually decent, but it, it's kind of awkward when it comes to that. But I actually was thinking about this not too long ago. Cause I was thinking of Kyle. I don't ask me, but anyways, um, and I was thinking about that episode. This is probably just a little while ago. And I was like, man, I actually kind of feel like watching some of those John <laughs> Gorn films again, man. It's fucking weird. Oh, dude, that's funny. Cause I, um, I wanted to watch, I saw Carly watch two for some reason. Yeah. I yeah. Like, I saw that. I yeah. Watch, yeah I she made a video for it or something. Yeah. Or something. I saw a poster or something like that. Um, I might be tripping, but, but maybe she just did a video for something else. But no, I think she did do a video. I, okay. She has a series where she's going through her collection and watching like in alphabetical order. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Speaking of Carly, when the hell are you guys going to do a new Netflix and chill? Come uh, on, man. Whatever I don't have. Probably when Carly gets a new co-host. <laughs> I need to do. <laughs> yeah. I need to do. Are, uh, you, are you guys doing too much chilling and not enough Netflixing? Well, the thing is we fucking have uh, so much. Shows now? Prep, Fuck yeah. Dude. Yeah. Like I have a lot of Patreon this like. You know what? Months, you know so. what? JP just blamed Derek on this one. Ever since they started up celluloid dissections, it took away her time from uh, chilling with you on Netflix. So yeah, she also does uh, movie versus movie, and then I drag her onto fresh cuts when I can. Yeah, so. see, everyone's got like multiple pods. She it's has insanity. time to chill. <laughs> Fuck, I'd love to record another episode of Disposable Arts one day. Can't get them together <laughs> though. It's insane. It's insane. Um, Mike, did you have anything on that? Shit! What 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 were we talking about again? Wrong it's, turn reboot with the masks, the animal skulls. Oh, why? Well, you know, whatever. I mean, if it's a reboot, I mean, if we want to get into that whole thing, reboot, remake, whatever the fuck, is this a reboot? As in, like they're making this one? Did you not listen to last week's show? No, I did, and I know your whole. I I did listen to it, but just very forgettable I, I i wasn't five beers in when i listened to it like i am now uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> he actually even uh, brought that shit up earlier too he's like i'm gonna bring up that fucking reboot remake shit man fucking jp that's why that's where the intro came from actually might give me an idea for that um <laughs> but yeah uh is this like a total like new we're just making we a yeah there's no actual there's no it hasn't been defined yet ones, right yeah we don't know the only then, thing it, then it is like whatever. Called, wrong turn the foundation. That's all we know. Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, it sounds like it, when you when you hear the so word foundation, it almost sounds like prequel for fuck's sakes. That that's what I that's what I'm saying. Like found like foundation sounds like you're setting it up as in this, this is start. what kind of the start to create 
So mm-hmm. what is it? The origin story of the rednecks in the woods, or maybe what? It's, they already did that with part four, though. Remember? Blade yeah. <laughs> no, I meant like maybe even further back than that. Yeah, they could. Maybe. God. I mean, I guess we'll have to wait for more info. Yeah. Wait, when is it supposed to be coming out? Or do they not even say that much yet? <sighs> no. Next year is all I know. That's all we know is like okay. a year from now. Um, all right, so moving along. Jonathan Wilhelm. Um, is there one horror movie trope that pisses you off the most? What would it be? Yeah, let me go first because I, I I, I've been thinking about this since he asked the question initially. Okay. Um, my my is people that want to insist on going first. <laughs> it's not a horror movie trope, buddy. Um, yeah, the biggest one that I hate, I hate this. I hate it. Um, is in a found footage film where the camera glitches like man i think no we reason. brought that up I mean, well it's it makes no sense when you have digital cameras and, and, and it's doing the and it's doing the tape thing yeah that that doesn't make sense it kills me i it, it will ruin a found footage film for me if it does it con if it does it like when the camera's like knocked off a table or yep. something yeah i'm okay with that but when you're just walking down a hall it's like but you know, to take that a little bit further, it's like, yeah, that that's super annoying when they use that just as an effect in the film kind of thing where it doesn't even make sense. But it's more annoying when they do the effect wrong and they're using it quite clearly using a digital camera and they and they use the uh you know, like the tracking of a VHS on it. I'm like, that doesn't happen on digital fucking files. Just doesn't fucking work. So get it straight. Um yeah, so trope that pisses me off the most. You guys there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fuck, I didn't hear you guys. I thought you guys lost. I'm, I'm, um, I'm right here. Okay, so five tro- hours I've been right here. That pisses me <laughs> off the most, man. It's got to be, you know, honestly, recently I've been noticing this in a lot of fucking movies. Is um, I fucking can't stand when people don't fight back. Like, if you're about to get fucking murdered, isn't it just, like, a normal animal instinct to fucking fight back if someone's attacking you? Uh, fight or flight. I mean, one of the two, I Like, guess. come the right. fuck on. Like, no. I just, I could never see myself sitting there or backing myself into a corner and then and then waiting for this attacker to kill me. Like, that's fucked up, man. Like, you're not going to throw a left hook with a right cross. Like, that's fucked up, man. Fight back. It really drives me fucking nuts, man. Really does. Mike, what's your trope that you hate the most? Uh, I mean, the first one that immediately comes to my head, so I'll just go with this one, is the, uh, like, I've I've knocked the guy down, but uh, I'm not going to finish him off type thing, where it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, 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 wound, you wound the guy, and you still have the knife or the gun or the weapon in your hand. It's like, please continue killing. Like, make sure they're fucking dead. I mean, this is mostly probably just for the slasher subgenre specifically. But, uh, you know, it. I don't mind it so much in, like, you know, movies that are 20, 30 years old. But it's like if you're making a slasher now, either don't even play that shit in your movie or... Uh, try to figure it out like we're see i always just think of that logically um like if if there's somebody trying to kill me and i incapacitate them and i do the double tap and like kill them more to make sure they're actually dead like Mm -hmm. that's against the law like you're not allowed to do that really 
You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm, th- I'd be thinking logically. Well, do like you, th- that. Like, do you think that's what they're thinking about, though? Yeah, but I mean, you gotta, I put, you gotta put yourself in the moment. Nobody thinks like that. Like, I mean, if I, someone's trying to kill I, you and you nope. double tap somebody, yeah, I get it that it's excessive, blah, blah, well, blah. Okay, in the okay. back, can't do that. Oh, but, like, no one's thinks okay, like well, that. Here, in a here's, the compro- here's the compromise. You, inca- you incapacitate them, then at least get the fuck out of there. Like, I just, what annoys me is when they inca- in- incapacitate them, and then it's like they kind of stick around, like, oh, and then the dude sits up or gets, it's like, okay, were you not going to finish, finish them off or? leave or something come on i hate the non-finished off thing man i I think that's bullshit man like you got a group of people and you know you're fighting you know say a a few people or whatever and this dude is taking out like five of your fucking homies and you have the chance you take him out and shit and you're like nah man you're good like what the like dude he just took out five of your homies man of course you're gonna take his ass out it's that's normal instinct man i mean it's everyone's got revenge in him man you got you got to get even it's ridiculous yeah Right? And it's like, like the, you're just gonna let him have it like oh i beat him down enough he's had enough but dude no it's not equal you let him live and he killed five of your homies that makes sense man makes no sense yeah fuck that you feel me yep all right the homeboy dylan came in with a funny ass comment shout out to chris marquette <laughs> <laughs> like the fourth time he's like why would you ever collect physical media question mark like you could totally just downloaded all the movies for free yeah right i mean it's so it's much cheaper idea. it's so much fucking cheaper man just to download for free and you know illegally do shit and stuff of course man fuck that made me laugh i was literally eating this fucking bowl of brussels sprouts and i almost choked on him i fucking i <laughs> So I laughed right out loud. I was like, that's so fucking funny. How, how, how'd you cook them Brussels sprouts? Steamed them. Steam them. I like them steamed. I also like them like roasted in the oven. Yeah, I was I was going for a little bit quicker. And I was like, yeah, that's like literally all I had for fucking dinner, man. Just put some butter on them. They were fucking good, man. Um, yeah. yeah, so moving on to our boss, Jason Lloyd. Uh, how long do you think it will be when a vast majority of companies will go all digital and stop releasing DVD blue 4k. That's um, a question for you guys. Cause you guys are, yeah, you, I have no fucking clue. You know what? It's, it's so hard to, it's so hard to examine, you know, a, a realistic answer for this because the way I see things going, I mean, these companies seem to be releasing more and more and more every year. I mean, the way I see it, I don't see companies like screen factory and arrow and, you know, Vinegar Syndrome and even like the smaller ones like Mondo Macabre, like 88 Films, like all these major companies that are doing things right now folding anytime soon. Um, well, I guess a better question, like the modified question on that is, do you do you believe like, you know, in the in the future, uh, the future, like, you know, near future, long term, short term, are these companies going to be able to make enough money off collectors alone? to stay in business well i think because i think i think that's the the tipping point is whether there's going to be enough collectors to make it worth it for these companies to keep going or are they going to well come to the determination that not enough people are buying the The way i see it okay hold on the way i see it though right now is that these companies are solely surviving on collectors i mean yeah if 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 we start dropping off and they're not and the void's not filled of course yeah i mean it's just a matter of numbers and time right there that the shit's gonna fail but i mean they solely survive off guys like me and jp so um 
it's really fucking hard to tell. I mean, I guess if people start having change of hearts and being like, wake up one day, like going back to the previous question and go, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Why am I collecting? If a lot of people start doing that, maybe, but I just don't see it. I think the majority of people that are in this business of collecting and, and enjoying this lifestyle are here for, I think there's a lot of, this companies are surviving off the serious collectors and I, I just don't see it going. I mean, look at it this way. The majority of the people that collect are not like fully against digital. I'm not against digital and streaming and things like that at all. Um, but I am against people trading in or just stop collecting physicals for that bullshit. I mean, that's what's going to kill the industry. You still got to support it and stuff like that. So it's just tough. It's really tough to say, man. I mean, we have no, we have no statistics on this either. I mean, for years we've looked at and trying to figure out what these companies actually sell and stuff. But I mean, this has been going on for years and years and years now. And we've come to the conclusion that Screen Factory is releasing more and more and more every year. So they're obviously making headway. They're selling enough to keep releasing more films and picking up more films and things like that. So something's going right. Um, That's all I so can say. A couple of points on this. One, um, I don't think that it's going to end um, anytime soon. Uh, the vast majority could end like i could totally see like walmart just stop carrying dvds which would ch- change the industry a well, lot i actually Shit, don't Best buy barely carries dvds anymore right i mean their section is so small compared see, to i don't see ago. walmart doing that because when we looked at the stats and shit like that walmart was actually the leader of selling fucking physical media i don't oh, remember if it was dvd the, and Blu-ray are, and stuff. walmart is 100 the leader like that walmart sells more dvds than anybody um yeah 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 but i'm saying like even if they are still selling the most, it doesn't mean that you know that is a lot. It just means that it's the most out of everybody. Well, no, of course, but, of course. Yeah. So I could see a day perhaps where I don't think it's now, but I could see a day perhaps where Walmart stops. But the industry does not necessarily represent what we are talking about. What we are talking about is the co- the collecting industry. It's different from when it, when the new Charlie Angels comes out and hits Walmart shelves. Like the people that are buying that is like regular day Americas Americans. Those that money Americans. does not ever tri- you trickle down to like the Scream Factories of the world and, and stuff like that. They have no connection with each other. Yeah, for sure. Uh, other than maybe cost of the discs. Which well, that's are already what... so cheap that I don't want to hear any company say that like the cost of printing these things outweighs what they're making because it just will never happen the only cost the the true cost is in acquisition um but from what i've learned from some of the smaller companies is sometimes the people do not even charge them they're just happy to get their film released. If it's somebody like Vinegar Syndrome, well, they, that's that's they, indie oh, films though. Indie films, is yes, like I mean, if you're but, if you're if you're scooping up rights, like like a company like Screen Factory who releases films that you're you're acquiring fucking rights to, right, and shit exactly. like that. So like their the, their cost, more- their headway on their you know their business model, like it's there's a lot of money invested there, man. So they they have to be selling a shitload because um, look at every month, yeah. it's like eight films a fucking month. That's just the Screen yeah. Factory so, titles. That's not including the Shout Factory titles, which they're acquiring. TV series and a whole pile of shit and that's expensive man TV's expensive it, it to be, put out but we don't know if it is you know what I mean we don't know if the, if it's expensive or the MGM is like just give us a percentage 
Uh, well, you know, you know what, we man, know from what I remember like... from school and talking about shit like this, that, you know, I mean, in those days it was, I mean, it might've gone down now since the industry's kind of, you know, faltered a little bit in that aspect and they're willing to just give them at, you know, smaller premium prices because like, it's like, whatever, man, we want this shit out there kind of thing. So who knows? You're right. Like, There's never been like numbers MGM to back up anything. So. Is, um, like the, the, the thing about like acquisitions is like, they are not buying the films from MGM. So MGM still owns the films. They're just doing a licensing agreement for a specified amount of time, Uh uh, like five years or something, um, in which they're allowed to print and sell as many as they want. So it's either a flat fee that they're like, um, okay, we'll give you like we charge ten thousand dollars per film or something, or like this film's more, or it, you know, it could be like based on how popular the film is, or it could even be like a percentage, like a royalty per sale. Um, but at the end of the day, I think in I, most cases it's both. Actually, to be honest, I do not see a a a any way that Scream Factory in particular has been losing money just because the sheer amount of volume that they've put out over the past it's like i feel like when you have that amount of volume like you're it, doing it because you're making so much back it's on not it. even just the volume though it's the companies that they deal with too they do they deal with major major studio films and things like that too right so you know yeah, those have got to be a little bit more they've got to be a little bit more like sony you know yeah um, and that's my point like you, if you look at vinegar syndrome yeah they deal with some of the some of those companies own some of those bigger well some too. of them aren't even companies it's literal people like individuals who just own the rights to their own exactly film, so. it depends on what kind of deal they made before when they made those films and stuff like that but you look at vinegar syndrome and they're releasing a little bit more low budgets the, the, the tiles that they're acquiring i mean vinegar syndrome i know is also bought up a shitload of those titles too like some of the shit that they're releasing they physically fucking own they yep. actually own those movies so, which is which is interesting and a great business because if you can buy those movies like flat out own the movies that you're releasing you're making fucking bank because you're not paying anybody that's amazing you know, I, I, also, on your sales, I think that vinegar syndrome in in general is probably the safest like they probably yeah. take the least amount of actual risk on their releases because i do think that a lot of the stuff they're getting they're getting it for dirt cheap and you can just tell that based on some of the interviews that i've read and stuff like that like that's who i was referencing where they said it like sometimes they don't even pay anything to the people they're just happy to have their film out um, and so I feel like they get uh, so when you get one of those, you get all profit essentially besides the cost of manufacturing um, and the staff that you pay. So um, that <clears throat> might give you some extra money to to put a little bit into another one. And then they have like I know they've released some of the traumas and stuff like that. Um, but I think now they are starting to to be a little which bit was a more, smart business model too because essentially what they did is they traded you know certain things to like you know just put out these films and things like that and they weren't really even paying any money with uh with i think i think the deal was with with um trauma is that they they did some transfers for them for free and then mm-hmm. trauma basically traded some of the rights to release some of their films on blu-ray and mm-hmm. shit like that which is kind of interesting too because in that sense you're just making more money because that machine that they have is like a fucking gold mine <laughs> yeah <laughs> really, and, right? now, and now they went and i'll tell you what no way in hell a company like Synapse or Vinegar Syndrome would go into the 4K market and Kino if they weren't doing okay. Absolutely. At least okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think that a company like <clears throat> Vinegar Syndrome takes like a little less risk. Um, companies like Blue Underground um, traditionally already own 
a lot of the films that they release. Like mm-hmm. they, they, they're not doing licensing with those. No. They actually own them, um, which a lot of was like spillover from Anchor Bay. Um, well, Lustig, acquired. when he left Anchor Bay, he took a lot of the rights and shit like that. He took a lot of those films. And I mean, you know, from Blue Underground's been around since what, 2006 or whatever? It's 2000, almost 2020. Mm-hmm. And he still has the rights to Zombie and things like that, right? So, yeah. Yeah, there's no licensing agreement there. He owns, he has those fucking film rights. So, yeah. And Arrow is a little bit um, more like a Scream Factory that it actually is like getting acquisitions from bigger studios and stuff so there's different tiers to it but i think that it's healthy in general like the vestron line that's all in-house Lionsgate owned stuff um but i think that the the market is honestly i actually think it's better than it's ever been on our level like yeah you see that it's dying on like the mass market level like the people who buy the walmart films and stuff like that so yeah, it looks like the the things dying because those are so poorly sold now. But in actuality, like our territory is booming. Mm-hmm. So yep. I mean, I don't see it going anywhere. No, I really don't, man. I don't. Um, Mike, you got anything on that? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> I just thought maybe you might have to. I know you're not a collector, but uh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, moving along. Lucas Tout. <laughs> he asked moods specifically. I Me, mean, you guys can answer too. Uh, currently, what's your favorite horror movie of the decade? Jesus Christ, man. Uh, you know what, man? Uh, man, it is like, I mean, it's a, when you're dealing with a whole decade and especially a really strong one, I was kind of thinking about it today and I was like from 2000, like, you know, 13 to like, 2018 is a really crazy era. I think those years are like really great. 10, 11, you know, I think the decade started a little bit slow. There's definitely great films in every 10 and 12 are good years actually. Yeah. I think, yeah, I was kind of, I skimmed through it again, you know, a little bit today and stuff, but I mean, every year has great films, but hard question to answer off the top of your head. Cause yeah, or at least for me, cause I didn't know the questions ahead of time. So Mm. Shoot, that's it's a it's well, tough. I mean, like, I really like Hereditary, mm-hmm. um, but the problem is saying that as an absolute answer is <clears throat> it's more fresh in my mind. Like, I, I'd have to go back and like look at the earlier part of the decade to see if it is my number one over, yeah. I, I, mean, I, mean, I like Midsummer, like, there's so uh, it's hard to even without actually you know researching it, it's hard to answer. I mean, the first couple that came to my mind, like, even before I really started to, like, really think about it was, like, you know, um, Pieces of Talents has always stuck out to me as being one of my favorites. Um, mm-hmm. The Editor. Uh, That's um, The Battery was another one I fucking enjoyed the, the shit out of. Great. Um, there's just so many. Starry Eyes is another one that I absolutely oh, adored. Fuck. Yeah, I, I saw The Devil. Um, Maniac remake. Uh Paranormal Activity Ghost Dimension. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. kidding. Uh, Masks was another one. Train to Busan. You know, I mentioned that. Gun Woman is a film I game 10 out of 10. I love the shit out of that, man. It's amazing. See, um, this is why I can't answer the question because every time you name one, I'm like, I forgot about that. Yeah. You know, going to Necrostorm with Adam Chaplin and Tater City. Like, I think those are two of the most unique films made of the decade because that whole... The, the look and feel of those studio films is just it's unbelievable they're they're really interesting mm-hmm. torture chamber right jp 
Yeah, no, that movie <laughs> sucks, dude. <laughs> Definitely not one of my favorites. Um, Under the Skin is another one that would be up there for me. I think that's one of the most. I mean, not it's one of my favorites, and I think that it's actually one of the best films of the decade too. Um, again, different list. Uh, Excision is another one that really stuck out to me as being like one I fucking loved. Loved. I, I got. I have to put Return to Newcomb High in there too because. I mean, mm-hmm. I I really just adore that film. It's so fucking good, man. Um, but I, I mean, to, seen Braid. all right, dude. Okay, that was like fifty. No, I know, but I was going yeah, to say, but to, but to pick basically making this top ten list when no, I was just asking for one. But I'm just saying, but <laughs> but I was continuing. I was going to yeah. say, but to break it down to one, fuck, I don't really know, man. I, I don't even know how you. It's so hard to do. But those are some of my I, favorites. I don't even think it's hard for me. Like I already know mine. Really? Uh, like you were yeah, just you're so you're such a liar. No, I do know mine cuz like oh, one man. I did a top 100 list and this is the only like the lowest film from the decade in it. Um it was I don't remember when it uh actually I'll tell you when it, it made number 35 all time. Um and it is um actually Insidious. Um That's your that favorite film of the decade? Yeah, wow. for sure. Um and I like I like a lot of you know you can look at any of my top ten lists like Hereditary, um, Landmine Goes Click, uh, Us or not Hereditary is up there for me too man that's definitely one of my uh, favorites but like some other ones that I, I really love Black Swan um, yeah that's great yeah good film uh, Cabin in the Woods is another one I love wow uh, crazy. Uh, Prometheus really loved that. Uh, Maniac 2012 loved that one too. Obviously. Bedeviled, bedeviled, very, very underrated. Oh, yeah, uh, bedeviled, yeah, that's another one. Yeah, great one from South Korea. Uh, Coldfish gives me shit for naming off fucking 12, and this guy fucking has to go up, up and above me. <laughs> Coldfish, very good. Um, which yeah, is no. yep. Um, that's actually, I think, the last show that we did, just the two of us. Yeah, I think so. JP, you said I saw the devil, right? I no, said that, was, that. You said Mood said, yeah, that's oh, man, that was brutal and good and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, there, there's a lot, but yeah, Insidious is the is the probably my favorite because um, I just think it's like the the scariest movie of the decade. Um, I think it's one of the more scary movies ever made. <laughs> Um, and it's just, it's honestly masterfully cra- crafted for me. Um, it's the, 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 the sound, the visuals, the slow builds, the scares, it's just, it's like perfect for mm-hmm. me. So, yeah, I know, I know, uh, Turbo Kid probably doesn't count as a horror film, but man, definitely one of my favorites films of the decade. That was really man. cool. Fucking yeah. love Turbo Kid, man. It's amazing. Um, yeah. And it came out of nowhere too. It was uh, just like. I remember when I saw it, I knew little about it, and I ended up, i I got the I got the Blu-ray and like one of the, I used to subscribe to like the horror mystery boxes, mm-hmm. yeah. and one of one of them threw the Blu-ray in there, and I got it, and I was like so happy because like a lot of times I'll throw like the most generic like low budget movies in there, and yeah, yeah. When I opened the box and it was Turbo Kid, I was like, oh shit, You're like yeah, <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> Nice. You got you got a couple you can think of off the top of your head for favorite film. Me? Yeah. 
hereditary mm-hmm. my see my my biggest problem with doing something like this is, is there's so many movies that i like but i've seen them like once i i'm i'm not good at like re-watching not because i don't want to but just because lack of time mm-hmm. so it's like i have a hard time like judging ranking movies based on like seeing them one time yeah. But and, and that's another reason why Insidious was my favorite because it's it's probably from 2010 to 2019. Um, it's definitely the horror film that I've seen the most from that era. Yeah, I. That's what. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I almost want to say like Paranormal Activity mo- too. Movies on a second watch either like solidifies what you thought about it or can change your opinion. make or break. Yeah, make or break. I mean, it's not going to, yeah, make or break as far as a ranking goes. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do a 180, but it can modify thoughts on it. And there's just so many movies that I've seen once. But Hereditary stuck in my mind afterwards, like for a while. Like, holy shit, like that was just mm-hmm. good. Uh, you know, like mid so recent, though. It is. That's a problem. It, because I, the, uh, the problem mm-hmm. with answering this question is. I, I fall into the trap of, oh, what's recently in my head that I can think of. It, it Follows is another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one. Because I want to think of Peel, Eggers, and Astrid. That's what comes up in my head. Those three, maybe Flanagan, too. It's like, what did they do? And then I'm like, but wait, that's like almost skipping out on the early part. It Follows part. is a great example of a film that I didn't really care for that much when I first seen it. I, I think I gave it like a six or six and a half out of ten or some shit. And just didn't really appreciate it for what it was. And I, I rewatched it and I think I went up to like a nine and a half or some shit. I was like, Oh man, I don't know what the fuck I was smoking that day, but that movie is pretty good. So yeah, I just saw on Ven- uh, Venom I, is like not that high on it follows. I didn't even know, but hmm. I don't know how I was on something on Facebook. He probably, Oh, I think he talked about it on a show and, hit the comments so i'm gonna have to have a word with him on that one <laughs> but yeah i had no idea i like it that always. woman I just like emailed it. me back and said that they said she sent him to the wrong hotel <laughs> <laughs> i knew it wasn't my fault that's fucking hilarious uh, um um okay well that's cool uh we'll move it along here um tony hartman way too high to even think of a question well, I think Mike is way too drunk to answer your question anyways. <laughs> All right, move along. Um, Jason Lloyd. No, where am I here? I am fucking... I think that's it. Isn't that all? No, there's more here. Um, actually, this one's specifically for you, JP. JP, will you give Prince of Darkness another go? I can even answer that because someone Patreoned it, so he has no choice. Yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely giving it another go. I, I've given it multiple goes. I've probably seen it three times. Um, but uh, again, Carpenter films grow on me over time. Like, um, They Live. Like The first time I saw They Live, I just thought it was like, oh, it was all right. Mm-hmm. I love that movie now. It's one of my favorite Carpenters. Oh, it's fucking great. Man. Um, but it's funny because like, some of the films that aren't liked by him, like... Uh, ghost of mars is like one of my favorites um oh, now so when i say one of my then. favorites i mean no i actually <laughs> legit, <laughs> just it, dude it's a body snatcher move with movie mm-hmm. with ice cube <laughs> yeah. on it on mars and pam greer and all kind of cool stuff um but yeah it's just uh yeah it's, it's i just i don't know i just uh i i i i 
don't know about Prince of Darkness, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, I mean, we'll find out soon enough. Uh, Jill Ellis, um, sexy lady back in the group. Uh, she asked, what what's your favorite show? horror? Sh- what's your favorite horror? What's your favorite show you've recorded so far this year? Um, and she goes on, they're all perfection, impossible to choose, blah, blah, blah. Um, favorite show for me, like out of the 2019 recorded shows, I mean, I guess we recorded the top 10 in 2018 in 2019, so I'm not really going to count that. So I'll break it down to the other. No, we did it in eight. We did it in, in, oh, it was uploaded January 2nd, I believe. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. So I'll go from the other ones. I honestly, one of the favorite shows I've done this year is probably Argento six. Was it six? Yeah. Um, with with Dave, that was a fun show. And actually, the other f- really fun show I thought like, I had a really fun time with was um, uh, the one, uh, the George A. Romero show, the, um, you know, the zombie franchise. I thought that was a really fun show to record. So those are two of my favorites of the year. It's not really, I mean, fuck, we've only done like 19 or 18 or 19 shows this year. So Yeah, um, my favorites are... Um, 1972 um, with uh, Brandon and Carly. Um, I yeah, always love those. Yeah. And then definitely Argento. Those are my two favorites for the year. Oh, and Jerry's show. That Jer- Jerry uh, Herring show. Herring show. Herring? What is it? Her- Herring. Um, Jerry Herring. Yeah. Uh, so Jerry's show um the first uh dave show even though i like the second one too and then the top 10 of 72 uh and then the other favorite show that i did was not on here <laughs> i know you're not asking but jill check out the show i did with duncan if you're interested uh the top 10 of the 90s i was on 98 and 99 the jerry herring episode for you guys was fucking great until he opened his mouth about nightmare on the street <laughs> Yeah, uh, I had to endure thirty minutes of that bullshit. Uh huh. <laughs> but otherwise, he was cool. I I dug his appearance on it. I mean, I like Herring stuff in general. He's a funny guy. So I think yeah. uh, I actually had an interesting time with the Eldo Lotto show because it was just me on the show with uh, with Mike and Jerry. And um, yeah, no- it was fun once I got here, but I, I was only here for a little bit. Did you actually <laughs> end up listening to the show? Uh, I'm not finished with it, but I've like I, I've refer- I've referenced some of the stuff you guys were talking yeah. about on fun. last week's show when you guys were talking about um, the films like you saw in the theater, like Mike with Child's Play and mm-hmm. Jerry with The Exorcist and stuff like that. So, no, I'm not all the way through, but it's a really good show though, from what I've heard so far. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it turned out really well. So, but uh, yeah, it was a fun one to do. Um, yeah. Moving along here. Jason asked another one. Uh, do you ever feel guilty about spending time watching movies slash podcasting and not spending more time with friends and family and doing uh, doing something more productive? It's interesting to use the word productive. Um, you know, to be honest... Uh, That's the eye of the beholder, right? It, like- yeah. It, you know, it probably seems you know, to other people that, you know, for how much effort and how much time we spend in watching movies. And it seems like we just, that's all we fucking do with our lives, but it's crazy. You know, like, you know, the output of films you can watch and still manage to accomplish a lot in life. You know, the thing is you would barely ever catch me watching a movie. Jeremy can't fucking brush his teeth and, 
fucking yeah. stand at the same time. It's, it's, he, he, can just, record, he can record a podcast and move furniture at the same time. No, I guess. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know, the thing is, it's, it's about time management for me. Uh, one thing you'll never catch me doing is I pretty much almost never watch movies when my kid and my wife are up. I watch the majority, I'd say over 95% of the movies when everyone's in bed. I record all podcasts when everyone's in bed. Um, so I'm not neglecting at all. It's kind of interesting. I, I record most of my videos when everyone's in bed for YouTube, um, you know, and things like that. Like usually no one's ever up when I'm doing this shit. So, um, so I don't feel like I'm neglecting them at all. I spend a lot of time with them and yeah, I just, I mean, I just, it's very productive. I can be productive in all ways of life by doing it like that it's it's time management man you just have to be loyal to the you know to your craft and shit like that and i understand like come eight o'clock when you know the the kids going to the kids in bed and you know the wife's going to bed she goes to bed early because she works long days and i'm like get you know after eight o'clock nine o'clock at night i usually watch three movies and people are like it's like even the wife is blown away i'm like i was i was telling her a couple weeks i was like i'm 630 films in this year she's like how the fuck do you do that you know, I think I'm at 650 now. And she's like, that's insane because she barely ever sees me watching movies. The only time I remember watching movies is probably with them. If I'm watching a kid's movie or DC animated film with my kid or, you know, something with the wife. Um, sometimes she watches the movies with me too. If she's up late enough kind of thing, but it's rare and rare these days. Cause she's busy, but uh, yeah, that's, I don't feel guilty at all because I just, it doesn't affect them. <laughs> so um, what about you guys? Uh, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I was gonna say like JP, you're like single, no kids, so I don't know what guilt there is. But for me, true, I'm it's similar to moods. Like most, most of the movies I'm watching and stuff, I would be watching them even if I wasn't podcasting. So it's just watching movies. I can, if I got to pause a movie to handle family business, that's fine and most of the time when i'm recording it's more in the evening when my kids are settled in you know they might be eating dinner or going to bed but like right like now everyone's asleep anyway i tend to it's at night so not really and if like if family issues come up it's not like i'm gonna say sorry i'm recording no i'll postpone the show or cancel when i have to but for the most part my situation's pretty accommodating. I, I, I'll put it this way: I'm not skipping any family-related activities to record a podcast. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, if family's always gonna come first, it just happens to be because of when I record that it kind of works out with my family life schedule. And uh, yeah, I mean, my wife's pretty cool with it. Uh, of course, like what. There's been like times in the past where I've just overbooked myself and I've kind of like maybe felt guilty about that because in, in like, you know, in retrospective looking back, like, man, maybe I shouldn't have like signed up to do all this stuff at once. But oh, but like in general, <laughs> like a six hour show. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, at least with this. Well, it's funny because like tonight it started at a time where like everyone was asleep anyway so it's like right now it's like i'm not really neglecting anyone by recording at midnight so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but but uh yeah other than like i i had to learn to like stop overbooking myself other than that there's not really 
guilt. And if it ever became a problem, like if my wife ever like came to me and said it was an issue, then I would make the proper adjustments because you obviously you got to put family first. So yeah, uh, me personally, mm-hmm. um, I hear particularly Dave Z talk a lot about stuff like this, um, and it always depresses me. Um, where like you know he doesn't have time to watch like more than like one movie a night if he's lucky or whatever mm. and um, or, like he doesn't have time to go see a movie or something like that um, so he values his time his free time a lot which is good you know it's good to value your free time and really take it in when, especially when it's short but it depresses me because I'm like dude I don't want to do that at all like, like I'm sure having a family and kids is awesome and stuff like that but um I just love having time to myself and to do things that I want to do. But I guess at that point you do like, those are the things you want to do, I guess when you have kids and family and stuff like that. But, um, like moods, I'm I'm hoping that if I ever go down that path, I will be better at time management and then you can have the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. Um, personally, the thing that gets in the way in podcasting the most for me is just work. Um, just having and and you fucks recording on the West Coast. <laughs> uh, that's actually harder than dodging family stuff and friends stuff. I do have friends who don't know what it is and like don't really understand it, and they think it's. I feel like they think that it's like lame. Like they'll be like, "Hey, you want to go do this thing on Friday or whatever?" I'll be like, "I can't. I got a podcast." And they'll be like, "What?" Like they think it's like, uh, like they think that I'm like doing something that I don't want to do by like hat like because i always say like no i have to podcast or like i have a podcast that night and they make it seem like it's like work or something like that it comes off like i'm talking about work or something to them that they like find it annoying um like my one friend gives me shit for it all the time and i'm just like dude i i like like doing it like you don't understand it's not like something that i like like yeah sure it gets like like or i'll be like i can't do that because i gotta watch a movie and he'll be like annoyed about that but it's not that i have to watch it and like i don't want to it's just that like i i'm choosing to um like i don't have to do any of this you know but i want to yeah so that's really the only thing other than that i don't have any type of family commitment that that gets in the way like even you guys know like when we schedule shows and stuff, I'm never, it's never like family stuff that I have. Um, it's like the only thing I like, I guess the one that I did was like opening Steeler game day where we got blown out by the Patriots. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, I mean, if, if you look at it though, like a, uh, on, in a way it's like, it's no different than any other hobby. Right, I like hobbies. I I find people who don't have hobbies weirdos. Yeah, well, I mean, like especially for like me. I read a study that if you don't have a hoodie or a hoodie, a hobby, a fucking hobby, (laughs) or a hobby, I have lots of hoodies. Yeah, a a hobby, or if you if you don't have a hobby or you don't collect anything. Like I guess could be the same does, type of thing. Does moods buy hoodies of beer? You just tend you tend to die younger. It's weird. Yeah. So weird. Man. Yeah, because you're not looking forward to anything. Exactly, so man. The only like, thing there is to look forward to is death. Well, yeah, I mean, Precisely. if you look at podcasting as a hobby, then just like any other hobby, you have to time management and schedule it around 100%. the other aspects of your life. Yeah. So, I mean, I can see why, like, Jason's probably asking the question because, like, you know, 
22 shots episodes are like super long you guys review a ton of stuff so maybe more so than other shows it's like yeah does it ever become like a burden or what i mean the, the sleep schedule thing is rough for me sometimes because like tomorrow for example I, we'll get off of here at like 6 a.m or something like that and then mm-hmm. i'm gonna sleep along and it kind of fucks up my saturday a little bit um but at the same time what the fuck else would i be doing right now you mm-hmm. know what i mean nothing so it's like it's not really taking any of my true time yeah. um but i'll say this like watching the amount of movies sometimes does get a little stressful um but at the same time i literally love watching movies so yeah it, 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 it'll get i'll get burnt out but then i'll get right back i'll get excited i'll listen to a podcast where they're reviewing a bunch of stuff or something and i'll, I'll get excited to watch a film again so yeah that's actually a good point because like for me it's not even like the the recording of the podcast it's it's uh between like weeknights the between work and home life just with family and having a couple daughters weeknights can tend to be horrible for me trying to watch movies because it's like i and i work an early shift too so like i don't necessarily want to wait till like nine to throw on a movie but then it's like if i throw on a movie at like six i'm gonna be having to watch it with also having to you know tend to my kids or whatnot so there's that kind of, so to me sometimes it's more when am I going to fit in watching these movies during the week? Because, we, you know, when I was younger, weeknights were just as good as any other night to throw on movies. But now it's a little it's a little different. I, it's a little trickier when I can actually give a movie undivided attention. So maybe that aspect of it is a little tougher. But usually the recording of the podcast, when they're scheduled or when I'm like on a – when I agree to do like a guest spot, I know for sure that time is blocked out. So I'm good to go. So I guess it's more sometimes a prep is where I run into like the the troubles. Mm-hmm. All right. Q. All right. Um, Jonathan Wilhelm again. Uh, Ginger or Marianne? I don't even know what that means. Oh, my God. I got to go with <laughs> Gilligan's Marianne. Island. Gilligan's Island, dude. That's straight up. Got to go with Marianne. Uh, same. Yeah. I'll I'm take not... your word for it. Yeah. You got to go with Marianne show i mean you i mean you can't lose with either one but i'll go with marianne it is true man I mean, you're on an island really with ginger and marianne come on it's amazing um, now, would they even still have flesh on them because <laughs> how do you do that i don't know man i don't know you guys are talking about having sex with the dead corpses right on gilligan's island i'm pretty wait, sure that wait, they were wait, alive what? I'm pretty Where do sure we that... jump to that. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure. Are they not? Are they not? It's not dead? Gilligan's Zombie Apocalypse. It's just Gilligan's Island. The two chicks, right? They're not dead. No, they're on not. Gilligan's Island. No, like now. Oh, are they alive today? Oh, fuck! I don't know. I actually wait. Don't know. Is there a, is there an, an extra part of this question I missed? <laughs> yeah, I actually well, don't even I know if they're still alive. You guys are talking about having sex with them now. Oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> I think he's referring to the heyday of the two seasons of Gilligan's Island. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, see, I, I, I can see why you would think that. Yeah, Marianne, Marianne was my fuck. She was the shit, man. I've seen every episode of Gilligan's Island like 30 times. It used to be on repeat. 
back in the day. Yeah, I used to watch it when I was really young, but I haven't revisited it at all. You know, it's crazy. It's like that show was only on for, I think, two seasons, and it's been in syndication. It's never been out of syndication. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. Um, Last question by James D. Cox. What do you think you'd be doing if you didn't podcast and hadn't got into YouTube? Heroin. (laughs) If I didn't podcast... you don't already still do that? No. If I didn't podcast and didn't get into YouTube, I would probably be recording a lot more music. Hands down. That's um, that's pretty actually this is the reason why I don't record anymore is because I got um I started doing YouTube and fucking started podcasting, so it just takes up all my time. Can't do both. I don't really do I don't I don't know, bro. Like I'd probably honestly be more successful in life because i would have like i would find other things to try to do i don't know <laughs> that is the worst answer ever dude. i was gonna say going back to the previous question Jesus. i would probably not neglect my kids no i'm just kidding uh, <laughs> no i'm just saying like I, the, so what like, you're saying is this this shit know. is bringing you down man it's no because it's that, that sounds like something jeremy would say spiritually it's not because i'm I'm not like things that make me happy aren't necessarily like the more, things that make other people. There's more to life than money, man. Happiness is, exactly. is the best thing, man. That's it's what I'm saying. Thing. Like, like that's why I stay at the job that I'm at because I like it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It exactly. doesn't, I don't make like great money, but at the same time I make enough to live yep. and I'm sane. Like what I counts? keep my sanity and my happiness. And that's what's most important to me is happiness. Um, it's not dollars. Like I can replace dollars um, and if I really want to go hard and get a lot of money, I could do that at any time in my life. Why do I have to, like, I don't have to do it now. Like I, I'm intelligent. I'm capable. I'm, I, I can, you know, rise through the ranks fast. So if there's a point where I'm like, I want to make my life about getting money now, I can do that later. I'll listen to this motherfucker. <laughs> he can do it anytime. <laughs> no, I, um, it's a hard I don't know because it's like the question was if we if we weren't podcasting what would we be doing instead I mean it's hard to say because the most of the times that I'm podcasting it's not like I'd be out doing anything anyway like I mostly record in the evening or night when I would be I'd home. I'd probably watch more sports. I, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I would probably watch more stuff. I'd watch more movies and just not record podcasts about them. Yeah, right. Just watch more movies than in which you're wh- recording wh- podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or watch our, movies is. Watch like, more movies like, and then I, comment on other people's podcast group pages about them. Podcasting <laughs> cuts into my movie watching time mostly. Like, that's what mostly does. I just watch a lot of movies and just write reviews on my blog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe I would you know spend the extra time to go to the theater for more non horror movies. I don't know. Like maybe I would get to the theater more. See, in, I still see. The I still I see like more. Yeah, because I it's s- it's funny because when we record, it's not like I would really be doing anything else but sitting at home probably watching something on TV. Because when we when we start to record, I mean it's not entirely true. I mean I might play a little bit more dropping, but we record on Friday nights now. And I, I never play drop in hockey on Friday nights. So I, yeah, I just I would play video games more because I really cut video actually, games out of my I life. Drop in hockey. I even said basically that's, pick up basketball. Yeah, man. The, there's certain <laughs> there's certain kind of it's it's not like leagues, but it's people that run these things. Then you can just kind of you pay per visit. Like you can pay like five or six dollars depends on who you're going and to go play with a bunch of guys and stuff like that. So, dude, I feel like I would be complete shit at hockey. It's uh, it's actually quite fun. Like when I play, when I work, it's at the not mill. really a sport that gets played around here. 
Like, there's certain schools that have it, but, like, nowhere near me had it. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm in Canada, so it's, like, a way of life. Like, literally. Like, it, people are nuts when it comes Dude, to Dude, we didn't even have a up. wrestling team. <laughs> I, me and my friend tried to get a wrestling team going when we were in ninth grade, and we almost succeeded, and it just, like, they didn't do it. Um, <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Um. Well... I think that is it. Have we have we reviewed one single movie? No, no. Probably sh- <laughs> Somebody commented on Dave's post where he said that he was on a podcast, and they they were like, "Oh, sweet, I'll listen to it." And they're like, "So I, I listened to it, and like I'm like a while in, and nobody's even talked about Italian horror yet." <laughs> and I'm just like, "Ah, there's like that's I." You know, you I know. Sometimes I think about that. Misleading. Sometimes <laughs> I think about that, and I'm like, you know, I just assume people listen to the show somewhere where they can see the show notes. But yeah. I mean, if you don't have that, and you're like listening, you're like, where the fuck are the movie reviews? If For they're, sure, if they're listening to it just through like an RSS feed. They probably don't even see show notes. Exactly, yeah, and also fucked. like, I always think about like first time listeners, like what what episode they pick is going to determine if they're going to stay listening. Oh, Cause like sometimes we have like complete, like if somebody clicked this episode and then the first like 20 minutes is baseball talk, they're going to be like, I'm never listening to this show again. Dude, I always fear that people. No, they're going to be like, they're going to be like, can you get that JP asshole off of there that won't talk baseball? (laughs) No, I I always fear that people are like, they're kind of like me where if they find something and then they have to go back to the beginning and listen, then they listen to episode one and Jeremy's like, hey, live from Chicago or something, whatever the fuck he says. I'm like, oh my God. People are going to stop listening right there. I'm like, shit, dude. They didn't even get to episode 23 when it became decent. I know. I always hope people find like our help. Razor show or something first, and then they go back and listen, and they're yeah. like, they're like, wow, these guys came a long way. But I love, I love those people that, that always. Good, oh, I was gonna say that's a good question. I'll submit to you guys when you when you pick up a new podcast or listen to a new podcast. Do you go for the newest episode? Do you look through their library to see what I they listen talked to about? their newest episode? And if I like it, I start from the beginning. I that's okay, what I used, see, that's what I did too. Yeah, you pretty much always go to the most current episode, no matter what. Uh, not most current, just one that looks interesting. Unless it's I found it because of their current episode. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's I, I like, kind of do um, that too. It's like, like for example, like I've never listened to the Dark Discussions podcast, but like I've heard so many people talk about it. They're on like episode four hundred and something. Damn. So like. But I would listen to it, but I'm like, I don't feel like listening to 400 episodes right now. Um, You're just but, so late to the party that it's like, no, you can't recover from that. Man. Yeah, but I've yeah, done it, it before. Feels over, there is that overwhelming feeling. I wonder if people are like, getting to the point with us like that. They're like, oh, this is episode 171. Like, I'm not going back to the beginning. And I'm like, dude, don't go back to the beginning. Though, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, though, like, I see, like, a, a show that does have a lot, a lot of episodes, and I'm almost, like, more inclined to listen to them because i'm like okay well they have longevity so it's not yeah. like they're just gonna i'm gonna get into them and then they're just gonna disappear like they're probably gonna be here for a while yeah, yeah. Uh, but i've done that before like i've found shows where they've been on like episode like 90 something and like i'll like it and i'll start from the beginning and and grind through but um i haven't done it in a while just because like i i i have been so far behind on the shows i regularly listen to um, that I just don't want to take on anything new and I'm kind of slowly catching up on some stuff 
and then I'm also listening to audiobooks. Going to the gym has really helped my listening time. I've I've crushed episodes. Like I ran through like the four hour each episodes of Watsy Party, like all six of them in like a week. Um. So, yeah. Coolie. Oh, well, I guess that is going to do it for uh, the listeners' questions. No more questions. All right, so moving along, we need to do a quick little box office brawl. It'll be like a couple minutes here. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! GP, you want to enlighten us on what we're doing? Yeah, so um, last week we had Knives Out, um, Moods beat me, um, Jeremy beat me, and then moods beat jeremy um it made like 26 million plus the 14 so it made like way more than any of us thought um for knives out uh so moods is 13 to 12 against me uh jeremy has now officially beat me and then moods has a chance to tie with the three remaining films uh so the next film is black christmas so go ahead moods oh man this is like such a tough one to do man because i don't know man because i mean for me like i have no interest in seeing this but i don't know about you know the demographic that it's actually pointing at so i don't know man it's just pg-13 i mean there's a possibility that some little fucking rats will go and see it and shit I'm going to come in. Oh my God. I feel like I'm going too high even with that one. Fuck me. This is, this is actually a hard one. And this is actually really crucial that I do get on this too, because if I lose this, I actually lose fucking black Christmas, PG 13 garbage. Are you serious? Um, I'm going to come in and say 4.4 million. That's way too low. homie. you might want to re guess it. How many how many, how many cinemas is that going to be? It's a wide release and it's Blumhouse. Oh my god, I thought it was only in like eighteen hundred cinemas. <laughs> I'd probably say at least three thousand. Is it really getting three thousand? I would. It, it doesn't say, but I would. I would guess around three thousand because that's a typical Blumhouse. Uh, maybe two thousand five hundred. Yeah, I mean, if it's going to be around there, that I mean, it makes a little bit more sense to probably go up. I, the only reason I'm letting you do this is because I hate Jeremy and I want him to lose. Well, the thing is, yeah, I should, I, you know what, man? I didn't even think to ask him this. I just, for some reason, I was just assuming it's going to be super low well, cinema. It but. doesn't. It doesn't tell you anymore because IMDb is fucking bullshit. They, see, or not IMDb box office mojo. They completely redesigned their website and they like took mad information away. Okay, I'll just, I'll just say on an average i'll just say you know if it's in 2500 cinemas i'm gonna go with oh my god dude i don't even know i feel like i'm just going way too high i'm gonna say 10.2 okay i'm gonna shoot higher um because i just think this movie will do well um nothing's really coming out at all and i feel like people are gonna be like that are in school and college and stuff they're gonna be home um uh, I was they're gonna be on break. Um also Christmas vacation is probably coming up for t- high school kids. Um I'm gonna go 
21 million. Holy and flying here's fuck also balls. why. Because another film that I think is very reminiscent of this film, Black Christmas, Blumhouse. But first of all, Blumhouse always makes money. So take that into account right there. Um PG thirteen film as well, also sort of slasher horror esque. Happy Death Day made twenty six million dollars opening weekend. And I think that this could be the exact same audience and do the exact same numbers. But I just went a little lower just because to be safe. Say, even though it doesn't matter because I'm... Um, could be right. Whatever. Um, so you said, what, 10? 0.2. Then I'm saying 22. Yeah. So. Oh, dude, is it coming out fucking Friday the 13th? Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Okay, well, I guess we'll have to wait on Jeremy's, and um, that's that. That's uh, box office brawl. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Have you checked the children? Children. children. What do we do? Why don't we just wait here for a little while? See what happens. Alrighty, getting into the dub 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 portion of the show where we review some films, give some ridiculous ratings, and uh, pass the torch. If you're a first-time listener, that's what this is. Uh, Mike, you want to start us off? All right. So given that the movies that we're reviewing later on for the main feature, I thought uh, for the what we watch, I'd keep that uh, theme similar. So I went with some uh, other invasion, body invasion movies, snatching I said that totally wrong, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm three sheets to the wind. Uh, so um, my first one, 1993's Body Snatchers. Have you guys seen that one? Yeah, it's been a while, man. <laughs> That's hilarious because I, I made a joke that I almost watched that one instead of 78. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> and also, that's interesting you picked that because originally we picked – we. This is a Patreon show, um, but we actually designed this same show with two extra movies years ago. We were going to do um, that one and then the one from like 2003 or something. Just called uh-huh. Invasion. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> is that the one with Nicole Kidman, the Invasion one? Yeah, and Daniel yep. Craig. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Body Snatchers, you know, I, I liked it a lot actually. And I think I was actually – I mentioned a moods – like a a week ago or so that I was I kind of looked up reviews on it at the time and Roger Ebert he said that was like his favorite adaption of so this one it's it's considered like the the third adaption of the actual 1955 novel because we have the 56 one we'll be talking about later and then the 78 one and this one's actually like an adaption um another adaption of it and it takes place on a military base uh you know i mean if you're in if you're familiar with any body snatcher movie so very similar setup things start slowly uh 
become a little different. People start getting modified, becoming the pod people. Um, I thought this one was effectively done. Meg, uh, Meg Tilly. You know what's funny is I always thought Meg Tilly was Jennifer Tilly's older sister, but she's actually younger. Yeah, she's the younger sister. Um, is she, who's the hotter sister though? Jennifer. A uh, Jennifer. Cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know what's funny though? Like I, I might say like Meg's like a more classically classical definition of pretty, but Jennifer has that just fucking hot. That yeah. hot, yeah. She's like, like she has a sexy, look sexy. Right. She's yeah. sexy, like ah. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's. I better stop there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so in every every most every body snatcher movie, you're gonna get that one scene where like the main character is confronted by someone who's been turned, and uh, they kind of give him the speech like just just go with it do it and i think uh meg tilly her 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 confronting the the main guy in this when she's she just does that dialogue she's like where are you gonna go where are you gonna run there's nowhere to run like she delivers that so well it's pretty chilling i thought i I thought this movie was very effective i i remember watching a long time ago you know when i was younger and pretty quick when it came to video and I don't know. I this might have been the. I, I want to say I saw the '78 one before I saw this one, but I don't know. It's it's kind of hazy. But I thought this one was really well done. Um, I'm a big fan of it. You know, I I love the body snatcher movies. I just think they're a great kind of allegory for what's going on in society, especially especially now. Which you all you know, I'll save those thoughts for later when we actually get into our feature reviews but uh you're you're gonna want me to rate this one right yes so i'm gonna give this one an eight i thought it was very effective and i the only the only thing that kind of annoyed me is this one kind of goes against the grain and has a somewhat like ending where they succeeded which with with this kind of setup, I almost See, think it's that's the only damn thing near that, impossible to like succeed once. Y- this yes, but here's the starts. thing, right? <clears throat> that's almost a case where you have to take yourself out of just what the film is and what the film, um, like being a, a very um, objective about the the film itself, and almost add a little subjectivity to the review because put in perspective that two times this has been done the same way and it's like okay let's do something different yeah i can see where they're coming from even though yeah. it's likely well and, and that's a good point because i can honestly say i've never had a problem with it with that ending before it was more so when i was just watching it this time specifically i just was kind of thinking about it more on just a general level and I was like, man, you know how difficult it would be to succeed at stopping something like this from <laughs> happening? Like, yeah. because it feels like bef- like it would get so out of control before you even realized. Because in everyday life, there's going to be that element of weirdness going on anyway that you're just going to look the other way. Well, at, the like, setup oh, is impossible, just- though. I mean, we'll get into that, but the setup is impossible. You, like, mm-hmm. you physically could not stop it. Yeah. And I feel like I don't want to root because, like, a lot of the thoughts on this, like, will transfer right to the 
<laughs> feature one, so I don't want to yeah. like ruin yeah. everything okay. now. But I'll Thank just you. say, yeah, I I thought highly of this one. I really like it. For people who haven't seen it, I could see how it kind of got looked over. You know, it's a 90s horror movie, uh, an adaption. But I would say I would highly recommend checking it out. Uh, McMahon, if anyone's seen Oz, the HBO prison movie, or uh, show, sorry. Uh, the guy who played McManus is like the main guy in this. The girl mm-hmm. from Father of the Bride, the comedy with yep. Steve Martin. She's in this. And then Meg Tilly can't really go. The, I'll tell you what, though. The funniest thing in this movie that made me laugh was towards the end when the kid gets tossed out of the helicopter. And he, he does on his way down, like falling to the earth, he does like the pointing and the screaming. And, but it's like obviously the special effects just weren't up to par. Yeah. It looks so cheesy as he's like falling to the earth, like pointing at them doing the scream. It's like a I bad green screen. That. Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. But uh, but overall, I, I really like this movie. I thought it was effective. Um, Ugh, so, I haven't yeah. seen it forever. I haven't seen it forever, man. Yeah. Cool. JP. Um, okay, so cut from the year 2000. Uh, exactly. Um, I was given this one by... Um, I, want, I just feel like it's a Mikey Fisher. It is a Mikey Fisher. <laughs> um, I didn't know that, but I just know the type of movies he does. Um, cut. I have seen it before. In fact, I seen it in the year 2000 or 2001. It's when got it my homegirl Molly Ringwald in it, man. It has Molly Ringwald in it. Yeah. Yes. Um, don't think she's your homegirl, but yeah, she is in it. Um, <laughs> hey, man, I'm a, I'm a big John John Hughes fan, so yeah, she, she was my homegirl. Uh, aren't we all? Um, but yeah, so th- this is a film that I'd seen when it came out. I remember always wanting to revisit it just because, like, I always had like a distant memory of it. You figure I was like nine or ten when when I seen it, um, and even. You know how sometimes you watch a movie when you're a kid and you think that it's going to be awesome because you thought it was cool when you were a kid? I never thought mm-hmm. that about this movie. Like, even back then, I remember thinking that it was not, like, fantastic. And back then, I loved everything. Um, and then, even when I had thought about this movie since then, I was like, I bet that's one that's probably not good um, when I eventually rewatch it. And honestly, it's not. It's not good. Um, but there are redeemable qualities about it. what's funny about me is i pretty much like every slasher like it's really hard for me to not like a slasher um i guess i could totally see jeremy like hating this movie um but yeah like a slasher really has to be like dead ass fucking horribly boring for me to like not like stuff about it um but essentially this movie it's kind of cool because there's other movies like this it's definitely um post scream slasher like new wave meta shit um it's about a film that was made that was being made in the 80s um and the i guess stunt person or the person wearing the mask the killer from the the slasher film called hot blooded um basically freaks out and and kills the uh, director and and the producer and like people there because he's like pissed at how they're treating him um and then it's kind of done in a weird scene though because like um the person gets like electrocuted that he ki- when when he gets killed and i didn't really understand why like i didn't i don't know if they like 
I, I just missed it or so I don't know like I was like where's the electric coming from um, but then uh, it flashes forward later and some um, students are in film school and their teacher is telling them about the film that um, every time the film has ever been attempted to be finished um, or screened or something like somebody dies and and uh, they decide that they're going to finish the film, so they hire a bunch of people. They get you know everybody together. They go out to a place and they start filming, and people start getting picked off. There's actually some okay gore in this film. Um, I'd say the biggest downfall to it is it's just sloppily not smart in its attempt to be satirical on in a commentary because it's trying to do two things. It's trying to be an actual horror film. And it's trying to be satirical on the slasher and horror genre, similar to like Scream and other films and the the whole meta aspect. Like it reminds, you know, like the film, The Hills Run Red, um, very similar plot with the, you know, lost film basically, or like the unfinished film. I like that stuff, but I just feel like this, and I even watched the, um, I think I watched this, did I watch the special features or I read an interview or something? I can't forget what I did, but I was like looking into the background of the film a little bit. And like, even the director and writer seemed to like think that they were making something cooler than it actually turned out. Um, with like the way that they were talking about, like kind of keeping it like a, a serious horror film, but branching off into like this satirical way. And I, I just, I was like, yeah, I, I think that they kind of just missed a lot. It's, it's definitely, a film that is like um, low quality. It's an Australian film, actually, but it's like I don't feel like they had a bunch of money or anything like that. It's fun for curiosity's sake, but I do not think it's a good movie um, at all. And uh, but I did have fun because I, I do like slashers usually, even if they are. And the killer actually looks cool. He's like got this like stitched mouth and this cool mask uh in an era where every type of killer and mask has been done i thought it was still kind of a pretty cool original mask um i gave it a flat five out of ten yeah it's fun man i think it's pretty fun yeah it's, think- it is fun i just don't think it's very good yeah i mean it's yeah it's a fair assessment on it but like, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I do remember in the third act going a little bit wonky. It goes yeah. kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much what I remember from that. So, yeah. And the, like the way that they like dispose of the killer is like super <clears throat> fucking cliche and like obvious. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, uh, first one up for me tonight actually is also from the year 2000. Um, definitely on the lower spectrum of, uh, of, you know, budgets and stuff, but this is also coming from the homeboy, Mikey Fisher, Patreon pick (laughs) him and his fucking 2000 films. Right. I know he has like this weird two, like 2000 to like early 2010s or like 90s late 90s like yeah he definitely has a specific era it, it's it so reminds weird. me of like what i would consider like the jack frost era of indie films yeah it, it's weird too because mikey's not that old like he was still a kid when uh, like these are the films that like he's into and shit it's really fucking bizarre right like he wasn't even old enough to be watching these things when they were coming out and shit it's fucking strange but um but yeah i mean lisey's being you know different with his picks than a lot of people are so 
other people just generally don't pick from this era. Uh, but yeah, this one is called Hunting Season, directed by Jeff Leroy. Um, I'm pretty positive this is shot on video. It's 2000, so it's like it's like good video, you know, but it's shot on video. Um, it's definitely a little bit better quality than you would generally, you know, get from the 80s and stuff like that. This is actually a... <laughs> This is a fucking David Sterling production. No and like, way. Yeah, dude. I, I You didn't watch that fucking clip that I sent in the fucking group the other day? Oh, my God, man. No, I thought so that was Yeah, I, I fucking sparked up this video or this movie, and, and it was like, came up with this really cheesy kind of intro, and it was like David, Spur, uh, David Sterling production. I was like, oh, my God. I had to rewind it and fucking re- uh, re- record it for you guys. <laughs> but it's so fucking funny because all that shit they were talking about with Dave last week, which didn't make the podcast, had to unfortunately cut that because that's just how we roll around here but um yeah produced by david sterling so you pretty much know the the quality of the type of film but and i was like going into this thinking holy shit this is going to be so bad because if you're familiar with david sterling films like he's done a million films and the reason why he's produced a million films is because he produces them for five dollars a piece um (laughs) and yeah so this one right here you know definitely shot on video like i said a little bit better better quality storyline not that uh, inventive it's basically about these two campers that go out to the wilderness to do some camping and r&r and possibly have some sex uh they are confronted by a group of hunters like three guys and just like out of the blue you know they're just standing by their tent and these three hunters see them they're masked because they're deer hunting and that's apparently what deer hunters do they mask their faces and they just randomly start shooting at these two. It's like, what the fuck, man? And at first they think that, holy shit, they think we're kind of a deer. And then they realize right away that, no, they don't think that shit. Now we need to run for our lives. So, of course, they run for their lives. And the the guy kind of gets away a little bit. and But the guys end up gang raping the girlfriend. Like hardcore, like fucking deliverance style. Uh, they find the guy. They beat him down with the nut, or with the guns, and uh, they both survive. Um, she's obviously trauma- traumatized from the rape, and he's in a coma. So you know, after seeing her boyfriend in this coma, she's like, "Fuck, I need to go on, on a revenge tale," you know. So, and it goes, it cuts into this really hilarious montage of her and her boyfriend like having sex and stuff. And I will say, the the, the lead actress in this is like smoking hot. She kind of reminds me of Felissa Rose in a sense, but like really fucking nice tits and stuff. And it goes into this real like cheesy sex sequence of them fucking and stuff. And it's just ridiculous way to show nudity and stuff, which is kind of funny because during the rape, they actually don't show that much titties in it or nudity. It's weird. They save that for the flashback scene. Uh, so anyways, she all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> gets this revenge idea and it goes into this fucking hilarious montage of her, like prepping for it and stuff. And she's got like all this, this this artillery and shit she makes her way back out to the woods and of course proceeds with her revenge and it, you know it plays out like a very typical revenge film you know like she she's out there waiting for these assailants and the fucked up thing is it's like it's a little bit later i'm not, i'm not too sure what the timeline is here but it seems like it jumps forward a long time it does because i don't know but um so she's out there uh and she finds these guys and shit like that. And it just kind of turns into one of those things where it's ridiculous. It's her turning into like this female Rambo hunting down these dudes and shit. 
And, you know, the kills and stuff are actually pretty fucking entertaining. Some of the dialogue with these uh, redneck hunters and shit is actually pretty fucking hilariously entertaining. Like, this lead dude is super paranoid that the government is actually... See, he doesn't, like, this dude doesn't clue in at first. Um, but, you know, because he's paranoid that, that the government is actually the ones that are hunting him right now and shit. It's fucking ridiculous. Uh, but, you know, the whole ride is actually pretty damn entertaining. I think it only runs about maybe it's about 80 minutes or something like that maybe just under that so it doesn't like overstay as well and, and shit like that but uh, <laughs> but then comes the third act when this huge fucking twist comes out of nowhere and I'm just like what the fuck are you serious are you actually gonna go there and put this twist into this <laughs> I wish I could say because it it's absolutely fucking hilarious like you just never see shit like this in these revenge tales man it's just I thought it was actually quite funny and you kind of decently well done for what it was because I did not see that coming for at all. Um, because the way the shit kind of plays out, you think these guys are stupid, blah, blah, blah. Um, but all in all, it was actually pretty entertaining. The music in the film was terrible. It was, it was atrocious. The music did not fit the film whatsoever. At, at points, it was just like they were finding and using anything that they could use for the film. It was awful. Some of the effects were pretty funny. Uh, this movie might have one of the absolute, this has got to be in my fucking top 10 funniest dummy deaths of all fucking time, man. Like, I'm not even joking. This shit made me, I had to rewind it like at least 14 times. I was pissing myself laughing. It was so funny. Oh my God. It's just so good. Um, but all in all, I actually had a decent blast with this man, you know, considering how low budget it was and shit and yeah, man, if you're not into these type of films, stay clear and shit like that. But I'm going on my shot on video sca- uh, scale, six and a half out of ten. It was pretty damn fun. Um, had some blood, had some gore, had some tits. It had some cheesy dialogue, cheesy cinematography. But it had a twist that kind of made it and made me laugh. And I'm going to roll with that shit. So, Hunting Season from 2000. Thank you, thank you, Fishy, once again for showing me a film I'd never seen before. <laughs> of course, it had to be Sterling Entertainment. It's absolutely hilarious. But, uh, yeah. Six and a half out of ten. Mikey, back to you. Cool. All right. Well, this one should be familiar with everybody. I'm sure people have seen it multiple times, and that's 1998's The Faculty. Um, (laughs) Fun fact, or maybe not so fun fact, fact that no one cares about. (laughs) This is the first uh, movie I ever saw, a bootleg copy of... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the first time I was I was working a job right out of high school and the manager knew I liked movies and he's like hey you know that he's like you know that movie The Faculty that's in theaters I was like yeah he's like I can get you a copy so he showed up to work with like a VHS tape and like the box cover it was like the, the movie's art but you could tell that like it got printed somehow and like stretched out and I got home with the VHS tape and I put it in and it was like totally like old school like video camera taped where like the like everyone's heads were like huge you know basically what a cam <laughs> yeah the worst and, way ever to watch a movie pretty yeah, much yeah and at the time I was like you know I think I was like obviously what just graduated so I was 17 or 18 and I didn't mind so much at the time because I just thought it was cool that hey, he got me a bootleg of a movie. Um, but obviously, I've seen it many times since. I love this movie for the. It's one of my favorite movies, probably of the entire decade of the '90s. I think when you when you see the cast of this movie, 
there's so much potential for it to turn into like your typical 90s heartthrob cast of people that uh you know, stunt casting. I think Usher, you know, Usher's in this movie. I think he's the only one that I was kind of like, eh, like, do you really need to be in here? But luckily his part's not that big. He just delivers a couple lines to say, hey, guys, I'm Usher. Now get back to your movie. <laughs> um, uh, Josh Hartnett, Famke Jansen. Th- there's, this is has a lot of those 90s uh, actors and actresses that, some of them went on to do a lot of stuff. Some of them not so much, but they're all pretty much familiar faces. Uh, takes place mostly within the confines of a high school and the town of the high school. Kind of another take on the body snatcher thing. I thought this was just very well done. I, it's it's one that I was very surprised at how much I liked it. And it's every single time I've seen it, it's held up every time. Uh, it's never dropped off for me. In fact, it's probably gotten better. Um, I just like the setup. I like the execution. And, you know, I being a teenager in the 90s, I kind of had a little bit of, like, the rebellion against 90s horror, at least, like, theatrical horror, because, you know, I that's kind of when I was discovering all the 80s stuff. So when it came to, like, the 90s stuff, I was like, ah, it's just not as good. And... But there'd be those movies that kind of stuck out that I was just like, whoa, this is like really good. And The Faculty was one of them. Um, I'm sure people are very familiar with this. I don't really need to get into a ton of it. But I like the way they did Elijah Wood. This is kind of something he got into when I think Elijah Wood's about similar age as me. So um, he was kind of becoming a young adult in this era. And uh, I just loved the hell out of this movie. Probably, I would say this is getting like a nine because there's not many flaws at all, if any. And I would probably, like, if I really watch this to do like a full review and analyze every bit of it, I could see it being a 10 out of 10, but I just don't want to. Okay. I don't like to casually give out 10, so I'm just going to stick with a 9 for now. And maybe if I, you know, end up doing this as like a feature review somewhere, either here or so elsewhere later, it could go up to a 10. But just a really solid movie. I, I really like it. I thought it was a good, unique take on the genre. I like that it takes place. Uh, or the universe or world this takes place in is they are kind of aware of like body snatcher stuff and they kind of use that to their advantage as they're trying to figure out what the hell is going on and uh yeah i'm, I'm just a huge fan of this one so nine out of ten for the faculty yeah man i'm a big fan of that movie actually man and you know what i wasn't like that rebellious against you know because me and you are the exact same age um, mm-hmm. You know, with that that Aaron shit. Like, I've seen a lot of those films in the in the cinema. Like, you know, Scream, and I know he did last summer, and Urban Legend, and fucking Faculty, and like it, the list just kind of goes on. Um, but yeah, no, that one kind of stuck out to me, man. I always thought it was really interesting too. Robert Rodriguez did a great job with that, man. Um, I'm such a big fan of his, but it's got a great cast, though, man. I mean, Selma Hayek's in that movie, fucking or Jordan Brewster, whatever the fuck her name was. Josh Hartnett is actually like Jordana. Yeah, I, Georgiana, yeah. Um, I think Josh Harnett, yeah. Like, and him and his fucking just brutal ass hair. Like, mm-hmm. like, are you kidding me, man? Piper Laurie's in that. Like, there's so many people. Usher was in that movie. 
Fucking yeah. John, John Stewart. Fuck yeah, he got top billing on the fucking box cover. That's right. Robert, <laughs> Robert Patrick. Patrick yeah, and, yeah, definitely a lung Elijah Dude, Wood. That um, movie kicks ass with the cast, man. It really does, it, man. It, it, it's, it, it's a great showing, man. Yeah. Well, it has one of those casts where, like, if you Music kinda, is great. Yeah. For, for me and Moods being the same age, it has a kind of cast where if you grew up during that time, you were almost kind of, well, for me, I was almost kind of worried because it's like, are they doing the same route as like all these other 90s movies where it's more about like the cast and not about like the horror or, and all that. But then when I was watching, I was like, no, they they adapted this really well and mm-hmm. believable. And I was very impressed at the time and I continue to be impressed every time I see it. Yeah, I feel yeah. like this cast was like, it wasn't as you know it was a good thing that it wasn't as popular as things like you know scream and probably well yeah. expect, i know what you did last summer is the except like that cast read like the way that movie was cast was solely on the popularity of all those individuals yeah. based on their tv shows and that's the only reason why those people were in that was to sell it that feels film like and this stuff. cast yeah. was more they were more this cast was more on the cusp they weren't quite established because like, even like famka jansen I can't remember if this is before or after Golden. With the exception of smaller, some of the smaller roles like Piper Laurie and shit like that, she's pretty pretty established. But I mean, those are the type of roles that you're going to cast them in. Right? I felt like Usher. <clears throat> Usher was the only person in this movie where I was like, "What the fuck is he doing in this?" But other, but it's not like he had a huge part. So See, I think that was kind of smart on Robert Re- Rodriguez's part. Like he. And not like they like Usher was popular, so like we'll put him in this movie, but literally not going to worry about him being part of the movie at all. <laughs> yeah, that, that was <laughs> the, like was not going to give him a big part because he that, he's not an actor. But you know, we could utilize the fact that more people come see this. Yeah, yeah. I um, love that shot of like Robert Patrick is out there in the sprinklers. Yeah, hydrated. Yeah, good soundtrack too. But all right. Yeah, really um, good soundtrack, man. Yep. Moving on here to uh, my last film of the night, uh, The Skin I Live In, which was given to me by Geno Cyber. Um, this is a movie that came out in the year 2011. <clears throat> it is a Spanish film, psychological thriller slash drama film. I'm going to be very, very... Um, spoiler free on this no very very spoiler free like i'm not going to get into the plot too much but basically it follows a surgeon a plastic surgeon who's successful um and he is working on some artificial skin uh you get this sense based on his uh interactions with other people of his um skill and profession that he's he's kind of frowned upon how he does his research um because he's using like transgenic experiments um on human illegal transgenic experiments on humans uh he doesn't disclose this uh you see at his estate that he has a woman uh named vera um who he's watching on camera uh seems to have some sort of level of attraction to her or at least um uh significance to her like i at first you can't tell if it's like a genuine like sexual attraction or like a specimen attraction um and uh, she's like held captive there you find out eventually um, while uh, Robert is out of the area his um, like uh, you find out it's his mother but at first you just think it's like his like maid or something um, lets her son, her other son into the house uh, and he basically like 
uh, rapes the girl and um, you know causes havoc and uh, Robert gets back has a situation and then you learn a little bit of history about Robert and um, the person who broke in as well as um, Robert's wife and daughter um, his wife uh, dies in a in a crash that's why he's like kind of obsessed with making like skin um and his daughter basically gets sexually assaulted at a party through like this flashback and then it cuts back to forward and um i'm kind of kind of stop there uh very strange movie and it, it kind of at first you're just like what the hell is this about you know what i mean like uh, it takes a while before it all comes together but if you're patient and you wait on it it's like pretty powerful like you know reveal in this one um it definitely made me super uncomfortable and i was like wow they went there that's pretty fucking crazy um and it's it's definitely well worth the wait if you're just patient with it um, very well made movie um, very well designed story uh, it just it, it was just very good it, it is very good like without getting into like what happens it's one of the more cool things the only thing I'll say is I felt like the transition in the story is a little bit quick and they don't re- it doesn't really feel it's not as believable visually um but mm-hmm. besides that really really good um i'm at an 8 now or sorry an 8.5 but it could totally be a film that the more i think about it, it goes up um i had never seen it before i had heard people talk about it but i didn't really know anything about it um another one that proves that man this decade is so strong dude i'm looking at like the films that came out for that top 100 them to help him exploding heads with and it's just like insane how many good movies like even in years like 2011 that didn't have much sleep tight came out which is in our hall of fame um like red state grave encounters is a great movie um cabin in the woods attack the block alice kills i mean there's even a year like 2000 uh, Adam Chaplin uh, Kill List um, The Woman a year like 2011 that didn't really have like a ton of heavy hitters when you really think about it actually did have some very great films um, so yeah The Skin I Live In another great 2010 <clears throat> um, which is arguably possibly the second greatest decade in horror history um in my opinion so yeah yeah it's kind of like a it's kind of like a modern day take on eyes without a face kind of thing yeah yeah which i've never seen but i know you mentioned that yeah which i mean obviously that movie is fucking classic and the skin i live in man is a really really good film i've seen it years ago i actually own it but uh antonio banderas in it which i I, I, I remember watching it and being like what the fuck am i doing i'm watching an antonio banderas film I know, right? That moment that you like, where you find out what's what his plan is. Like, I was yeah, like, yeah. "Oh, fuck, man!" I like, think he's really I good felt in that it movie. Really, like, as as me being me, like, I actually felt it. I was like, "Oh my god, that'd be horrible." It's like this is like the a nightmare. Like, it just mm. is like, "Wow, man, that's fucked up." Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think Antonio Banderas actually knocks it out the park in that man. It's like 
I don't think I've ever seen him do a role like that before. It just it yes. seemed out of the norm, but it was good for him, you know. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, okay, so moving along, man, to my second and final film of the night uh, from 1971, picked by Tone Joker. Uh, yeah, 1971, and it is called The Fourth Victim, directed by Eugenio Martin, who actually is probably most famous for directing Horror Express. I'm sure you guys have... Well, did you watch it for 72, GP, Horror Express? I'm sure you watched that movie. Um, yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Horror I Express. I have the Blu-ray. Uh, yeah. might have the Blu-ray. Arrow did. The, Arrow there was Arrow. another one before that, right? Uh, Severin, yeah. Yeah, I think so. All right. Yeah, so he's probably most famous for directing. Now, he also directed Batman's River, which is a pretty good spaghetti western type thing. And it happened at Nightmare Inn. He actually directed that one, too, which is kind of interesting, which is another film that needs a good release. It has nothing but shit releases. Uh, so this one right here is, you know, a giallo. It's basically about this uh, this English, uh, rich English dude. Um, and the movie starts out where he's him and his like housekeeper are pulling this woman out of his pool. Uh, which turns out to be his wife and not only his wife, but his third wife. And they bring her upstairs and, uh, you know, and it's crazy too. Like the first like 15 minutes of the movie, there's like no dialogue. There's no dialogue through all these, these whole scenes and stuff. Anyways, they bring her upstairs, they dry her off and they dress her in clothes and they kind of make it look like she's died of natural causes. And I mean, right away you're like, holy fuck, these two are guilty as fuck. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so of course, when the day comes, you know, the next week to collect the insurance, the insurance company is obviously calling fraud on this. He, he gets arrested for murder because uh, it's very suspicious because his previous two wives have also died of suspicious deaths or not, or not, not necessarily suspicious, but they also died in accidents and, um, you know, and through the same insurance company and they're like, Hey, this is kind of bullshit. So he finds himself on trial and it's kind of crazy. Actually, you don't see this too many times in giallos where the beginning of the film starts out like this. Um, you know, I mean, that was kind of standard, but then it jumps, jumps into a court, uh, scene which lasts like 10 50 minutes and it's literally kind of going through everything and stuff and uh long story short he ends up getting off in court they find him not guilty through certain evidence and stuff like that so he's back at his mansion and he's kind of kicking it there with his with his uh, uh you know his housekeeper that's been with him for a long time and you're kind of thinking like what the fuck man like where the hell is this kind of going all of a sudden he hears a splash in the pool and this woman's in his pool and he's like all right so um, that's kind of interesting. He confronts her and stuff, and then she's just like all over him and kind of gets into his life and stuff. They became they become a couple and they get married, and it just happens so fucking fast because this movie is actually really not that long. It runs like between 80, 85 minutes or something like that. For Giallo, it's pretty short, so things are kind of clipping along pretty well. And then it's kind it kind of follows her and you know this wealthy guy, and you know the whole time it's like this mystery of what she's actually trying to accomplish. You kind of think that maybe she's like a reporter or something like that, you know, trying to figure out the truth of this guy, maybe put him away forever for all these mysterious deaths and things like that. And it kind of plays itself out, and you know, it's leaning towards certain other aspects of who actually did the killing. Maybe he didn't do it and things like that. And the whole time he's basically trying to prove that, you know, he's innocent to this because this one police officer is dead set on that. He got off a murder and things like that. And that this new girlfriend is going to, or this new wife is in danger of being murdered and things like that. Hence the fourth victim. And, you know, it kind of plays itself pretty standard and then it gets to the end. And, you know, I, I, (laughs) 
the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, it's one of two things here. I mean, I know JP always criticizes me for saying this, but really in this case, there was not enough characters. There wasn't enough development to go any other places in this type of Giallo. And it's pretty straightforward, to be honest, man. And it definitely goes in the place I was definitely leaning because I was like, it has to be this way. Kind of predictable in itself. Um, this one doesn't really have a lot of kills. You know, it doesn't really have a lot of sleaze to it. It's very, it's a very mild mannered type Giallo. Um, you know, for it's like a Spanish Italian mashup, and uh, it's actually done in English. The actors are speaking English. It's it, it dubbed in English. It's 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 crazy. So it kind of surprised me a little bit, but it's pretty standard stuff. You know, it's got some twists and turns in the in the third act, which is probably the most memorable parts of the film itself. There is a decent kill in the in the end of the film. I thought it was all right, but for the most part, man, it's pretty standard stuff. Definitely not a stick out Giallo. Um, you know, I can see why this one doesn't really have a great release. It's not that memorable, but um, I don't know, man. If if I had to rate this one, I'm going to come in at about a five and a half out of ten. It's just above average. Nothing special. Not even a great soundtrack. Like I said, none of, you know, it just doesn't have the sleaze. It doesn't really have, actually, from what I remember, I don't think it has any nudity in it, which is crazy for Giallo, but pretty standard stuff. Fourth victim, 1971. Eh, is what it is. And that is going to conclude what we watched. Gia. Hey, yo, it's about that time for the 22 Shots crew to get buck wild and do what we do. You got that fatty in hand, so throw us a few. And we gon' hit your ass up with a bonus review. Gia. All righty, getting into the bonus review here on episode... 171 this is a patreon pick coming from the homeboy ratchet command uh it's a brand new film uh from 2019 called bliss uh, directed by joe bigos who is slowly becoming a director that i absolutely love i loved his film from 2013 called almost human i was uh you know, really, really digging uh, the mind's eye that came out in 2015. So when I heard that he was directing this new film uh, this year called Bliss, I was pretty excited because, you know, I mean, once you get three good films under your belt, man, you're you're kind of on the radar for a lot of us fans, kind of thing, right? Have you guys seen his other films? Uh, I've seen Almost Human, which I liked. I've seen Mind's Eye. Okay, and I, and I liked it. Yeah, yeah. Mine's I was fun, man. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like Scanners in a sense, kind of kind of deal. It, feel, it feels like it could take place in the same world as Scanners. Yeah, yeah. Really, I, I just thought it was a fucking ball of fun. But uh, I, mm-hmm. I think the interesting thing about this director is that you know he's really doing some different shit. He's kind of come from all different angles in his films and stuff. And I like that, man. I like that how you can just kind of evolve and possibly get better with your films and stuff. I guess we'll find out if he's been getting better with his films or not. But um, a uh, quick little synopsis on Bliss. Uh, a brilliant painter facing the worst creative block of her life turns to anything she can do to complete her masterpiece, spiraling into a hallucinatory hellscape of drugs, sex, and murder in the sleazy underbelly of L.A. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a pretty good description, actually. It's about this mm-hmm. pretty semi, semi-famous um, uh artist you know she's a painter and um she you know obviously tell in the beginning of the film that she's struggling a little bit with you know creativity and just getting out product i mean you know she ends up going to her um her agent kind of in the beginning of the film and you know he essentially drops her 
because she's been taking so long with her work and stuff. She's just really having a rough time and stuff like that. That's when she, you know, turns to doing some fucking drugs. And then that's where the film kind of takes itself. Uh, It goes from there, you know, she goes into this hallucinatory state and things kind of develop from there and shit like that. So Um, thoughts on the movie guys, Mike, why don't we start with you since you've actually talked about this one. So I, yeah, I've I've seen it a couple times because we, did it on fresh cuts yeah i think it's a movie that uh it will improve your score well i can't say for everyone because if you watch it the first time and absolutely hate it i can't say a second watch is gonna make you like it better but for me the first watch i was like i liked it and there was some stuff that i was like questioning what was it going on you know i had some questions but the second watch kind of helped me piece everything together and i ended up really enjoying it you know there there's not many likable characters in the movie but that's kind of by design i i love movies that kind of take on the uh as the synopsis said that you read this kind of seedy underbelly of society yeah Um, this is like you know the la art community but not like high society art community it's kind of the struggling art community um, I like the fact that it's not necessarily straightforward as what's going on. You kind of got to figure it out all the way up until the end when uh, we get kind of like a, a scene of it kind of makes it I don't want to say obvious. I think on the second watch, I really was able to say, OK, this is what's going well, on. Well, I think what I you're mean, trying to say is that the first time you watch the film, you're thinking that it's it's more hypnotic to the substance control. Exactly. Right. The, right. The, on on the first watch, it's like is she just out of her, totally out of her mind from yeah drug use, drug it, abuse. Obviously, it, it's because it's the setup too, right? She's obviously under mad stress, and you know these and like the thing is when you're taking hard, you know, drugs and especially drugs that she wasn't used to taking, it's gonna really mm. fuck with your mind and shit like that, right? Like, I mean, yeah, and obviously, and and you know, the drug dealer even warned her too. He's like, man, this is some crazy ass shit. It's like I think it was called Diablo. It was like a a mix of DMT and cocaine. And she's like, he's like, yo, man, like you know, if you test this shit, stay here. You know, be careful with this type of shit. And she's just like hitting this shit like a fucking rock star, man. Right. Like, so the yeah. first watch, it's like, is she just strung out this whole time, or? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. what's up but the second but there's little hints that more is going on and then the second watch really i think puts a explanation exclamation point on like the other stuff and it's like okay no there's there is absolutely more to it than just the drug use and uh i ended up really really enjoying it and uh you know i guess we'll get into a little bit more after everyone else gives their thoughts but i'm a fan i i had a blast with this um yeah so um first of all uh joe bigos awesome director he's kind of in seems like he's kind of in that little like crew of indie guys too because like even um cast in this film you have jeremy gardner mm-hmm. um yeah. as clive who um i recognized instantly i was oh dude that's the guy from battery and he directed battery of course yep. i instantly went to see what the hell he's been up to and i saw he has a film coming out um, it's probably not going to hit this year, but it is a film that is uh, he directed and is finished and has screened at places. Um, it's called After Midnight. Um, also uh, released as Everything Else. Um, I did get on Twitter a little bit and asked about that. Um, didn't get a response from him, but somebody else responded to me and said that they caught it at 
um, a film festival and said it's one of the best films they watch the year. So um, keep an eye out on for that for probably next year. Um, it's called After Midnight. Um, so because he had directed The Battery and then Tex Montana Will Survive, which wasn't like necessarily a horror; it was more of a comedy. Um, but apparently this After Midnight one seems a little cool. And then Joe Bigos as well has a film called VFW on the slate for 2019 as well. A group of war met veterans must defend their local VFW uh, post and an innocent teen against deranged drug dealer and his relentless army of punk mutants. So again, something different. Uh, so that that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, Bliss uh, it was a film. I watched it. it. It had a little bit of hype. Like I heard a lot of people talking about it. I watched it. And I was like, okay, that was I, I liked it. It was cool, um, but it was it was a little um, simplistic in its story. Um, but the more that I thought about it, and the more time that went by, the more I actually liked it. Like I even bumped my rating after thinking about it for a little while. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I love movies like this. Um, I think people that watch it would say like, oh, it's like all style and and not a lot to it, but. I actually dig the characters, um, even though they're not necessarily like likable. Um, they are um, interesting um, to me, and I get the sense that you know this girl is like a drug user, like regularly. Like I know yeah. that she might not have had this uh, particular um, strain of of uh, drug before but like oh no she yeah, definitely, she's definitely is. Part, she, part she's of the very comfortable with drugs yeah she <laughs> yeah. definitely is and even the way she like um kind of rants whenever shit's going bad to one of her friends and she's like you know i need to like whatever i need to kick it just let me know because like i can't deal with this shit like so she's speaking in drug terms and and in like uh terms of somebody who is a regular user um so that that's cool i think she's very good as a lead like i I just found her interesting looking and um like fits the part really well uh kind of kills the performance and everybody that was kind of cast in this film i thought they um were really good as the character that they're playing um but yeah uh overall i i think that it's just really cool like one of my favorite scenes in the movie and one of my favorite shots and and moments of the year is when she first uh snorts the cocaine in the dmt mix and it's like she just is like and like fades back and like kind of falls down a little Mm bit i I love that look man it's really cool it's pretty um it's pretty dope for like describing um you know drug like when you do a drug you know it's it's pretty cool mm-hmm. um i don't want to spoil you know what what happens to her and stuff like that at all because i think that's a cool part of the movie yeah uh, it's a little bit too new to go into like straight yeah spoilers. i think a lot yeah. of people haven't seen it and i and the thing yeah. is yeah and i don't want to because i i really want people to see this movie so Th- this movie just cruises by too it's an o- only like an hour and 20 minutes I- i've saw so many films this year that are on the shorter side of 90 minutes um which is like refreshing and and nice like I- so many movies i have uh watched and have on my list that are like you know uh hour 20 hour 22 hour 25 hour 26 like a lot of them and I, I'm actually, it's a little refreshing because I feel like the last couple of years it's been like hour 40 was like the standard. Um, and this one does not overstay its welcome. It's super quick. Uh, it's it's good. It almost actually wants you wanting a little bit more of that world that they're in. But mm. yeah, I really dug it. 
Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I've watched a lot of films this year and I've gotten to the point where it seems like everything I'm watching is like a hundred and fucking five minutes now. It's like, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> like, everything's just getting long. But uh, uh, Bliss, a.k.a. Drugs, is basically just a slang term for fucking drugs. Um, the first thing I noticed, man, I have the Blu-ray for this released by Dark Sky Films. And I'd watched this film. This is the second time I watched it. I watched it a couple months ago online and stuff. And I didn't really catch, you know, the actual look of the film. And as soon as I popped it in, I was like, motherfucker, this thing is shot on 16 millimeters. So I quickly fucking looked it up. And sure as shit, man, my eye caught it. Shot on 60 millimeter. Absolutely fucking love movies that are shot on 60 millimeters. The second film, maybe the third film I've seen this year that was shot on 60 millimeter. And the other one I know for a, a fact was Knife Plus Heart. It's a, a French... Um, uh, kind of giallo and shit that was shot on 60 millimeter about the gate. That's why the fucking thing's so short. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All that money. Right. Exactly. Right. So yeah, night plus hard is that gay um, giallo. That's uh, really good stuff, but you know, check out that one too, but shot on 60 millimeter. I was like the, the look of this movie is fantastic. I think the lighting is phenomenal. The editing is fantastic in this film. The acting I agree, man. The lead actress in this man just fuck her look is so perfect. She just looks like that kind of underworld, you know, like struggling artist type, you know, that real poofy kind of yeah, curly she, hair and shit. And like just I, willing, like her whole I, character. I really like the poofy curly hair look on her. It, yeah, it like really dude. fits. She seems almost a little scrubby too, like just not like, you know, super high, high maintenance or maintained. Oh, for sure. Um, and, until she the gets sex naked. sex scenes and, are yeah. shot really good too mm-hmm. and just like have a cool atmosphere to them. I, I like that too, man. Cause she's like, you know, she's one of those people that kind of lives her art too. She, you know, she does her art by not giving a fuck. And she also doesn't give a fuck in real life. Hence the, the drug abuse and, you know, the orgies and things like that. And, you know, I just, I like that character, man. I mean, she's really the only character. I mean, the boyfriend is kind of likable. I mean, at least he has a heart and he's trying to look out for her and stuff like that. <laughs> the drug dealer is kind of, he's an interesting character too, man. I think it's pretty funny that, um, yeah, what have I seen him in before? Uh, I can't place it right now. Um, I don't know. But do you notice that George Wentz in the film from yeah. Cheers? That was pretty funny. Actually, it's probably one of the more memorable scenes in the film where, you know, Desi, our main character, just kind of goes batshit crazy and something insane happens in this in this, uh, in this this house. It's fucking phenomenal. I think the effects are awesome in this. But I can't help but when you're watching this film and the way it's edited and the way the music hits and uh, especially the pacing of the mil- of the film is very Gaspar No. You know, it's very Gaspar No type feeling film and I think that it's I feel like he's got to be a fan of his films because he's got to be a fan of his films because it just screams no type style to me right away you know the, the colors you know the like I said the editing the the pacing just the the oddness of it and stuff like that and there's just so many things that are going on in the film that just scream nose films and which is you know very much a compliment to him I mean if that's what your influences are roll with it man because those films are awesome but yeah it's got you know the lighting again full of reds and greens it almost has like this this italian feel to it too uh, which is kind of cool man because you know me i'm a big fan of like colors and films and shit like that like the reds greens and blues and shit like that and you know just the the whole scene and i think that i think the color scheme in the film really does work for that seedy kind of underworld like you know just kind of trashy club scenes and things like that and again you know having a punk soundtrack to this movie fits absolutely perfect man i mean 
music is a big part of this because there's a lot of scenes in the clubs and shit like that and the music just fits on all aspects man i really like it man i really really like it but you know like after the first time i watched this film i I mean i wasn't confused or anything but you know i was kind of i was in that mind state where the whole time i'm watching this i'm thinking you know she's completely sustained to you know the drug use and shit like that and a lot of this is in her mind and because that's kind of the way it develops and things like that but you know it, it goes somewhere else and shit like that but um you know i i really like the way it develops man especially on the second watch and you you start to notice things about other characters in the films with you know just their their appearances in the film and the way they're acting in certain parts and dialogue and shit like that and i really like these films how it's not generic to this type of subgenre that it's representing it's really trying to do something else you know it's not only being stylish but it is being creative in itself and it's putting itself into you know into an area that you know not a lot of films dare to go and stuff and i think it had a lot of balls man and i think that you know it just really represented itself so well in what it was trying to do so um i really fucking dug the shit out of this film man i like how the film opens up with the with the warning about if you something about like flashing pictures and epilepsy and shit like that like don't watch this film but it's kind of true though man because there's some scenes in this where you're like if you suffered from epilepsy man motherfucker you're going down right it's kind of but it's not like it's not like overly bad but it's you know to that point where i can see that actually kind of happening and shit like that but yeah dude man i blood and gore and just fucking this one really kind of delivers on everything that i love man i'm a very visual person i love soundtracks i like blood and gore i like hot women with titties and i love art and i i think the you know even you know the the progression of the painting and how that thing is developing in this film is fantastically done it's really really fucking cool especially on the second watch i really noticed a lot more and stuff but uh great film great film so ratings Mikey. Uh, hmm. What am I gonna rate this guy? <sighs> That's a tough. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and give it an eight. I liked it even more the second time I watched it. So, you know, I think a lot of stuff was explained the second time I saw it so I my enjoyment level went up so I'm going with an eight all right uh yeah uh I gave it an eight initially but after you know thinking about it a little bit um I really liked it um it's definitely one that I would want to rewatch uh at some point uh I give it an 8.5 no it's yeah um <laughs> I man, I fucking love because like when you're watching this film and you're thinking to yourself like you know, the landlord had, like th- that was the most perfect casting ever for the landlord. Like you know, that was the guy that probably owned that fucking building. You know, he was just like mm-hmm. that total seedy fucking just greasy looking motherfucker and oh man i just i love that like a fucking meatball really man it was like you know that dude that you can totally picture owning that fucking building even though it's kind of interesting like she's kind of like a struggling artist and she really i mean she's not only struggling with you know just the money wise thing she's struggling with her personal identity hence the drugs and you know and there's a scene in the film where a fan recognizes her at a bar and she's been drinking heavy because she's like really fucking out of it now she's with her boyfriend and stuff and 
And this guy comes up and he's like, Hey man, you're Desi so-and-so. And you know, he's like, yeah, I have an original print of your picture and, and blah, blah, blah. And he wants an autograph or a picture or something like that. And she's just like, fuck off, get the fuck out of here. And like, I was like, Holy <laughs> fuck dude. It's a great representation of her character and her, her downward spiral too, man. It's, it's crazy. But, um, first time she's I watched into, this, she's into sex, drugs and punk rock fucking rights, man. And it's represented so well, man. Um, you know, the first time I watched it, I think I gave it an eight. Uh, second watch, I enjoyed it so much more. I don't know why. I just really, I think it's because I was watching on my on my TV and had the Blu-ray, and I caught the sixty millimeter and fucking. It just the look of the film is so perfect. I'm so glad that he put the effort and the money into doing that look. You know, he didn't just shoot it digitally and then you know put the effects over to make it look old and stuff. It looks authentic, and when you watch authentic, you know, sixty millimeter prints and shit like that, they just Oh my god! They just—that's film, dude. That's fucking film, man. It just looks so awesome. Big ups to him, man. I'm coming in at a nine out of ten on this one. Definitely one of my favorites nice. of the year. Definitely one of my favorites of the year. I really, really dug the shit out of this movie. Cool, cool. Yeah. And now, our feature presentation. Alrighty, so getting into the main reviews here on episode 171. Another Patreon pick, and I don't know who this is by. JP, can you help a brother out? <laughs> I didn't even look before. I don't remember because he um, didn't do it through the Patreon. He actually did it through PayPal. Okay. Um, but you know who you are. Yeah, actually, I'm looking we, at We now. have another show coming from you in the next, uh, at, at the beginning of 2020, um, which will be a Cronenberg spotlight. So thank you. Um, you picked uh, two good shows. Yeah, you know, like we'd mentioned earlier in the show that we actually originally planned to do all four of these invasion kind of in the same realm type thing. That years thing ago. fell through years ago. Yeah, it fell through. So it's kind of cool that we get to do, you know, at least two of these anyways. And Mike was kind enough to fill us in on the third one tonight <laughs> yeah, so exactly. uh but uh yeah starting with the original film um directed by don siegel from 1956 uh called invasion of the body snatchers uh synopsis a small town doctor learns that the population of his community is being replaced by emotionless alien duplicates yeah thoughts on the movie it's yeah, excellent um, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a very good movie. I mean, I think that like one of the coolest things about um, this film is just like the paranoia. Um, if you really put yourself in the situation, it's like the paranoia is so strong because um, you take people, loved ones, family members, people you respect, and uh, kind of replace them with soulless beings, um, and but they still look like who you you know. And this is, I mean, we've seen this so many times since. But at the time, very original. In fact, watching it this time, because I have seen it before a long time ago, um, I was actually feeling like, wow, like this really did inspire so many types of movies like this. Everything from, you know, um, other versions of this to like They Live to The Faculty, you know what I mean? Like Body Snatching is a very... um, 
uh, fuck how i was getting mad halloween 3 vibes you know I, I didn't realize how much influence halloween 3 probably had from invasion of the body snatchers but yeah it, it definitely did uh it's a very cool premise that really works um every time you do it mm-hmm. yeah man invasion of body snatchers man is quintessential film man. and in my opinion it's one of the absolute best films of the 1950s for so many different reasons because this is one of those films that really was a product of its time and it was you know it was packing so much social commentary to you know um you know uh joseph uh, mccarthy is uh you know mccarthyism and shit like that i mean this movie was dubbed as being a big nudge to mccarthyism and stuff like that back in the day but you know it really did do exactly what it was trying to do even though people that were involved in making this movie were kind of denying the fact that that's what they were doing um the director don siegel even said you know it was like that's pretty much what <laughs> we were trying to do with this and stuff so but i love i love the the way this movie's even told There's, there wasn't a lot of movies done in the 50s where you know it started out with you know a narrative you know uh, you know kind of flashbacks and stuff it's a guy but, telling a story yeah it was telling a story and it, it actually was like a full-on structure i mean a lot of movies back in the day we know that you know the narrative the way narratives are told they kind of start like in the middle of the story kind of thing but this one really does kind of start at a point and it goes right into it and i love the structure man it's it's really great man it's it's got really good pacing um and it's got so much paranoia, man. It's got so much suspense in the movie, too, man. That's another thing that really a lot of films from that era, especially like the sci-fi kind of horror ones that are in this realm that don't really have, is just like too much suspense. But this one really fucking packs the, uh, you know, the whole paranoia into there and shit like that. And yeah, um, there's it, actually, you know, some scary moments like you have uh, like whenever um the lead um goes to check on his friend or something like that and he like sneaks up to the window and he sees their oh shit they're already potted Mm -hmm. uh is that and then the the other person shows up behind him i was like whoa shit you know like that's actually kind of scary and uh there's other things in here that are actually just scary on a personal level of like everybody against you type thing like because it almost has like some hitchcocky influences a little bit too like like a man on the run type type mm-hmm. stuff that um you see a lot in hitchcock movies uh i'm always a fan of that like it's like that the, and that's what i was talking about with like um halloween three where you have like dr chalice and um you know the chick and they're like they're like it's like a, a conspiracy us against them like you know the the everybody's turned and evil and stuff like i like that stuff man it's just like really easy to digest and watch and i, I get into those things mm-hmm. yeah this is uh just a conceptually it's it's pretty much like a timeless theme because yeah this one taking place in the 50s you could definitely say like the allegories for you know the communist scare the com are coming the commies are coming well that's what that's what that's what i was alluding to with with the mccarthyism thing because mm -hmm. the reason why this movie is so amazing is because joseph mccarthy was actually a senator i think he was wisconsin senator at the time or something like that but he the term uh, mccarthyism comes from him and his paranoia about um the communists taking over 
basically taking over America at the time. And this is what he was known for. Like he, he was like convinced spies and shit. Yeah. McCarthy, Joseph McCarthy was, he was convinced that the Russians had sent spies and Asia had sent spies from their communist communities or countries to the American. They were infiltrating the, the government. And he was like fucking the dead. government and Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. And he was just dead set on this shit. And this is what, like this became a huge thing. Right. And that's where, you know, the whole anti-communist, like, and, and and so, I mean, you can kind of see that here, right? It's like, you know, every, you know, yeah. the alien, the people that are, you know, the aliens in this film are representing communism and our doctor is representing America kind of thing. And like, you know, the paranoia and shit like that. And it's just like, it's kind of a nudge to, to Joseph McCarthy saying like, you know, honestly, dude, like you see how ridiculous this looks on film kind of thing. Like you think this is actually happening in America, <laughs> right? Like, because I mean, in re in reality, I mean, you know, there probably could have been spies and, and, you know, hints at communism and stuff like that. But like, when you look at the bigger picture, like everybody is being taken over by this shit like that. I mean, I think it was essential. And the thing I like about this movie too, is that they did it when he was still alive. Maybe this is what killed him. Cause I think he died like the year after some this movie came out, but I really like that nudge at him man, being like, dude, you really think, yeah. you really think what we're showcasing in this movie is happening because that's what you're saying is happening. It's, you know, it's not just being brainwashed. It's literally being taken over kind of thing and stuff. I, I really like that commentary, man. I think that's absolutely phenomenal. And it's so effective because, you know, the, the whole paranoia. I mean, paranoia has been the, a thing. The allegory is really timeless because this, this specific um, iteration is, you know, about the communist scare. Mm -hmm. But as different versions of the movie gets made throughout the years, you could the pod people could represent like anything that's going on in modern oh, time. Absolutely. It's, because, it's, well, because you know, in 1978, uh, you know, people had kind of grown through the whole paranoia of communism taking over American stuff. I mean, you got to think about this is like what, 20 years later, 22 years later kind mm -hmm. of thing. Right. I mean, this is after the Vietnam war is completed. The mindset of America changed quite a bit. Right. So, you know, when they did the 78 version, um, it's not, I mean, the social commentary could be there, if you're looking for that, but I mean, that's not the, what they were trying to do. They were literally remaking the, you know, the content of the movie, but with, you know, possible different social commentary, hence being maybe, uh, maybe it was just immigration at that time. I don't know what was going on in 78, but I do know about the McCarthyism because that's, it's, it's a thing that I've actually studied a little bit before with the, the, the totalitarianism and shit like that. And like mm -hmm. all that type of stuff. Like I remember talking about this in film class and, um, just really kind of digging into it, but it just, it's like a perfect film for that, man. They, I think they Spe did it so well. Speaking of McCarthy, the main guy in this Kevin McCarthy, yeah, he I might be, he, he might be in like every single scene of this movie. I was, I was trying to make an effort to like pay attention to see if there's ever a scene that he's not in, but, um, he just is so great in this. And I love how like, you know, the beginning he shows up and he's all disheveled. And when he goes to recount his story, you could see how like at the start of it, he's, he's very clean cut and well put together. Well, he's a doctor. And yeah. right, right. Exactly. And throughout the movie, as he's going through this and discovering stuff, he, he slowly just becomes, but isn't that a great angle? Isn't that a great angle? Oh, it's setup fantastic. Too? Because, because mm -hmm. you know, these people are being taken over and, you know, he's a doctor. He should know what's going on. Yeah. And he's very skeptical at the beginning. Of too. course. Of course. And that's what makes it so great. It, that is what makes it great. Yeah. It, by the end of the movie, the way he looks, that's kind of how 
when I was growing up as a kid, because I obviously I knew him from later movies before I, you know, had a chance to go back and watch this. And he almost ends up looking like the version of him that I've seen, like other stuff, like the twilight zone movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and just later on when he was older, just because of how, kind of messed up he looks by the end of this movie well what about what about his cameo in the 78 version in a 78 yeah that's he's fantastic. the fucking guy that you know runs up to the car and is like freaking out and shit and it's kind of <laughs> funny because it's almost an extension of the end of the movie where he's just like losing his mind and shit like he's that he's right? almost saying like the same dialogue it's like very I similar swear dialogue. he's wearing the same suit too like he's literally I, yeah, wearing the I don't same think fucking... that was on accident. No, yeah. I think it's done purposely. Actually, and it, you know, it, the '78 version actually is kind of interesting because there is a there is a scene in the film too towards the end where uh, Donald Sutherland and his girlfriend, or the girl he's with, are riding in the cab. The cab driver is the director, Don Siegel, of this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's really interesting. And actually, I was I was actually reading in the trivia too that uh, um, th- the interesting thing about that scene was that. <laughs> Don Siegel was almost legally going blind and he was literally driving that vehicle. So they were like actually scared shitless while they were driving up this dark San Francisco road. They're <laughs> I was like, like are you fucking they're like, kidding? just take your foot off the brake. Don't press the gas. Yeah. I mean, that's the filmmaking in the seventies. Right. So, but uh, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. Just doing shit like that. You're Dangerous. legally blind. Oh, fucking here's the car. Go drive it, man. We'll just film. We're, it not, we're not filming to code. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's just so good. But um, you know, I have to admit, man, you know, the whole premise of Invasion of the Body Snatchers is obviously became a thing because of what was going on politically in the United States and things like that, the paranoia and stuff. But, you know, put that thing aside, like, there's really great performances in here, man. I think that, you know, I mean, honestly, dude, another thing that really sticks out for me with this movie is the cinematography, man. There's a lot of really great shots in this film. That's something you don't catch a lot in the 50s. It was more kind of stoic shots and things like that. And just kind of, you know, they didn't really concentrate a whole lot on doing, you know, special things with with shots and stuff. But there's some really interesting, like, you know, kind of angled uh, uh, shots in here and just shot from different ways, like things that you just really notice. This film seemed to be a little bit higher elevated. It was like elevated horror for the 50s, I guess, really. Um, but yeah, good performances, man. And also the effects. I mean, some of the fucking, you know, the effects and shit that they use actually weren't too bad. I mean, they're a little bit cheesy and shit for the fifties, but you know, in hindsight, they're actually not too bad, man. It's, it's really good, man. Really, really good. And then also with the, with the era this film came in, we got to talk about the score. Very overly dramatic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, And like it's funny it's to score the score kind of guides you through the movie. Just like everything is like that kind of, it almost sounds like noir like type score oh. where it just drives every scene. Just like every time something happens in the movie, you get the very dramatic classical mm-hmm. music pounding through the speakers and it, it just drives, I think the, the tension in you know a what? way what's going on. That's really, that's good. That's awesome. You pointed out that out because you know, I mean the noir, uh, arid kind of ended by them but they were still kind of i mean using those Dude, the whole opening credits made me if if you didn't know what yeah. this was and you're watching the opening credits you know, i would almost think it was a noir oh for sure. murder mystery movie oh for sure for sure yeah yeah i mean it, it's kind of funny too because like you know like a lot of movies like the score right in the beginning of the film when you know everything's kind of hunky-dory with the doctor and you know shit like that and you know, it, it almost feels like you're watching a fucking family movie at first, though, too. But it's, but it's kind of dreadful and haunting at the same time. I, I like that whole setup, man. I think it's pretty cool. So, um, 
yeah dude like just just really just a lot of classic stuff here man just a really a lot of classic ideas and and uh I, I think this movie is definitely you know it's 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 groundbreaking in a lot mm-hmm. of aspects you know it just you know storytelling you know having that real i mean a lot of films in the 50s had social commentary i mean it was the fucking atomic age kind of thing right and stuff so a lot of films were yeah, playing the, off that the, and stuff and the, the 50s had a lot of the red scare exactly right so i mean this was no different to have social commentary but it was it was very specific to a certain thing which is paranoia which is very prevalent and stuff and but i, I you know i do like that they you know they they introduce this idea of it's just it's just such a fucking scary idea because what they're what they're saying here is that you know essentially these particles have flown from or come from outer space and have landed on earth and you know that's what's kind of creating these pods and things like that and stuff and and but the how they reproduce how these kind of like alien life form essentially reproduces is when you sleep that is fucked up because when you're watching the movie and once you learn these things in the film, you know that there's no fucking end to this. Because once yeah. they start creating your, you know, your your clone, once you fall it's asleep, like it, it to feeds put it more. Yeah, toothpaste you, back in the tube. Exactly. Like you have to, like, you know, f- physically we have to sleep to survive. There's no doubt about that. So therefore you're going to fall asleep and that clone is going to absorb all your memories and all your body tissues and shit. And it's essentially just going to, it's, it's weird how it's done though. Like it sucks you in somehow. I don't know. Your body just kind of depletes into that. It's never really shown at all on how they do that. in like really either film, but, um, it's a scary fucking idea, man, because you have to sleep. So really there's no escaping this. That's that's fucked up, man. That's fucked up. If you, it feels like there's, there, it, you're always on borrowed time. That's what it feels like, and it it feels hopeless. And uh, yeah, Agreed. I mean, but that's why I feel that the performance by McCarthy is so good in this film because you know, like he just puts every valiant effort into like selling it that like he is convinced that he's going to fucking make it through this and stuff, but he knows the truth. Like you fall asleep and this shit is like, you know, fucking absorbing you and shit like that. It's, it's ridiculous because he saw his, his girlfriend, you know, his current love fucking succumb to this type of shit. And it's like, man, dude, like the, well, yeah. And I think it's it's so so devastating. It's so well written, like his arc itself, because from where he not, not counting the opening scene when he's at the police or hospital or wherever, but starting with where he's recalling the story of how everything goes how he starts out just like just a regular dude that's kind of skeptical and he slowly just devolves into realizing what the hell is going on and Mm -hmm. it's just such a great performance by him 100% man 100% Uh, ratings Um, I believe it's me first um I I really love this movie, man. I just think that it it, it works so well. It's classic. Um, it, it, it there's a reason why it's considered, um, you know, a, a classic horror movie. Uh, I'm coming in way up at a nine. Who's next? Me. It, moods. Um, oh. Yeah. So I mean, again, you know, I mean, 
I think this movie is just, again, one of the best films of the 50s. You know, just technical levels, storytelling, social commentary, just performances. Uh, I think there's just so much to offer. It's got, honestly, man, it's got really great pacing, too. It runs like 80 minutes. It's, it's interesting, too, because this story is told in 80 minutes. And I, to me, this movie fucking flies by. Like, I was, it was done before I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. The remake is interesting because it's 115 minutes. It's like 35 minutes longer with the exact same story. So we'll get to that in a minute. But, um, you know, I always used to have this dilemma, you know, back in the day. I'm like, which one do I like better? I, I've completely chose which one I like better since we've revisited these films. But I think this movie is a masterpiece, man. 10 out of 10. Absolutely perfect to me. I can't find any flaws in this movie whatsoever. And yeah, it's it's an amazing film. Yeah, in the past, I always I, I love both of them, and I always assume that like, oh, seventy eight took a great concept and made it even better. But it's like the more because this is this isn't the first time I've like watched both, like kind of back to back for just whatever reason and. I don't know. It's like, I just think this one's better. And I'd like to, you know, we'll get into the next one, but I don't see any flaw in this one either. It's, it's perfect. And what it kind of, uh, what it spawns, no pun intended, I guess what, you know, what comes after uh, it, it spawns a lot of great movies after this, but I still think the OG is where it's at if you want like the kind of flawless interpretation and adaption from the novel um so shit i'm going 10 out of 10 as well awesome wow. and that means First it's hall of fame in a while yeah long fucking time man it's it's you know another thing this movie does really well it it feels like it doesn't force the you know the kind of the the love aspect in this movie at all i feel like i feel like the love interest between the doctor and, and his girl there and stuff is like I just feel like it's actually, it feels super real. It doesn't feel forced at all and shit like that. And, you know, you feel, you really do feel the emotion at the end of the film and shit when she's obviously, you know, <laughs> kind of fallen to what's, you know, really going to come and shit like that. And I, I think it just works, man. It just works. It's hard to pull off in these mm-hmm. type of films. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. I was reading a little bit more on this and I guess the original script actually had uh, like a lot of comedy in it and they and it was a little bit longer no, and sh- that yeah sucks. yeah so they had a bunch of comedy in it and they did a screening and the people that watched the film were so fucking confused because at the time there wasn't really a, a great blend of of comedy and horror in films so people were like i don't really know what this movie is, is it a horror movie is it a comedy and shit so they went back they did some rewrites cut out some things and stuff like that and they decided not to put any uh, comedy in it and keep it a straight horror film and I'm glad that they did that because this is the product that we got I mean really you know you know my feelings on like if I'm watching a horror comedy I'm cool with it but if I'm watching a horror movie that has comedy in it and, and it kind of falls it's just I feel like it just it falls super fucking flat sometimes and kind of ruins shit and ruins tone you know I think in a movie like this where you're trying to be serious you're trying to say something about you know there's you know the social commentary throwing comedy in there is just like it's almost goofy and it takes away from you know the what you're trying to prove or what you're trying to do and stuff so mm-hmm. i think that's i think that's a really really great idea what they did and i'm glad that it went this way so yeah and that is the original invasion of the body snatchers 
They come from a dying world. They drift through the universe, pushed on by the solar winds. They adapt, and they survive. The function of all life is survival. Sleep. 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 Alrighty, so moving along into the 1978 remake, directed by Philip Philip Kaufman, also titled Invasion of the Body Snatchers, uh, starring the one and only Donald Sutherland, my Canadian homeboy. Um... Brooke Adams is actually, and I kept thinking to myself, like rewatching this, we were like, where the fuck do I know Brooke Adams from? I'm like, I can't quite figure it out. And I'm like, <laughs> fucking shockwaves. Yeah. She's a mm. chick from shockwaves. So I'm like, yep. Mm. I recognize her from that. So yeah. Um, invasion of the body snatchers. I mean, do we need a <laughs> synopsis? It's literally the same thing, but when seeds drift to earth from space, Mysterious pods begin to grow and invade a small town, replicating the residents one body at a time. It's literally the exact same story. And it's, you know, there's there's differences in this movie. I would say it's a little more drawn out. There's, you know, a little bit more. I mean, the characters are a little bit different. Um, Our main character is not a doctor. He is a he works for the city He's a health inspector. Mm-hmm. Donald Sutherland's a health inspector. Uh, it's kind of like a, you know, not as much of a love interest in this. The doctor, there is a doctor in this film who's a psychiatrist. It's actually played by um, Leonard Lemoy, of course. Dr. Spoik. Yeah, he's fucking Spock, Spock from Star Trek, which is really interesting uh, casting in the movie. I, I actually like uh, Nimoy in this film, man. He's kind of, you know, he just comes across as being a little bit evil even before he's like evil and shit. Um, yeah, he kind of comes off as like the author, 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 the authority. God the, damn, I can't even pronounce it. Authoritarian. Yeah, he does. He really does, actually. Yeah. Kind of like the boss man. Like, I'm here to fucking set things straight. Don't give me this bullshit about pod people. I'm a like a professor scientist guy. I don't want to hear it. Even though, even though the scene where you know Donald Sutherland and Brooke Adams, I think Jeff Goldblum and his girlfriend or whatever. That's another person in the film, Jeff Goldblum, um, which. Honestly, dude, I'm not a big. I've never really cared for Jeff Goldblum as an actor. I don't know what it is. I think he just has one of those faces I want to fucking punch. I, it's weird. <laughs> There's something about that guy that just. I don't know. It just. I find him awkward. Maybe it's because he's so tall and lank. I don't this, know. It's this weird. This is before people knew of Goldblum, right? This is yeah. This is earlier. this is earlier Goldblum. I mean, he was obviously made super famous from like probably Fly remake and shit like that. But which you know, he's actually been in two pretty good remakes. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so the characters are a little bit different in this movie. We mentioned earlier that there is a cameo from Kevin McCarthy as uh, I, he almost seems like he's homeless in this film, but he's just in a scene where he attacks his cab, freaking out that you know shit's man, going crazy. Man warning the world. Yeah, they know. they call him the Running Man in this, which the I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, and then of course we have the the cameo by the director. Technically, technically gets hit by the car, right? And he does. Gets killed. He does actually. Um, yeah, you know this movie is really essentially the exact same film it, it plays out the same way i mean our lead character brooke adams has this boy or this her husband no is it a boyfriend or husband it doesn't really matter love interest and you know right away she starts to notice that you know things are a little bit odd with him just like in the original film where people are just there's no real reason why 
people are i mean there is a reason because people know their family members and stuff and they just assume that's like it's not them you know and that's the exact same thing is happening here um the cool thing about this movie is that it's obviously in 1978 the effects are a little bit better and stuff so they they expanded the story by actually showing a little bit in the beginning during the credits of you know the these pod particle or these particles and stuff that are actually in space i love the opening credits i think it's fantastic yeah that that is a really cool thing i like that too it is cool it's simple but it's showing you that they're actually coming from space and then it shows them landing in the bay area which it takes place you know, very, very close to where Mike actually lives. This is in the Bay in San Francisco. It takes place. He's up in Sacktown. It's so a little bit. The away, yay area. In the yay area, which, which <laughs> is kind of cool. So, um, and then, but it's cool because, you know, these things fall to the earth and stuff. And then the water kind of like almost pollinates them. The, the water starts raining there. And then you literally see them kind of growing and turning into what they are and stuff. And I, I like that, man. It expands the story a little bit visually. Um, you know, theoretically, it's pretty much the identical story. It's, you know, these pods and, and you know, and taking over. It's it's pretty much the exact same thing. There's really no differences at all. Um, so what are you guys' thoughts on the film, on this remake? Um, so I think that this one uh, is interesting because uh, I think of it as, like, one of the other remakes um, yeah. of classic horror. Like, I think of The Thing. I think of The Blob. I think of the fly and I think of this one. Um, I think what the other three have that this doesn't have, maybe because this one was done in 78 versus the eighties is it doesn't have the oomph of the improvement. Like the, the, the thing blob and the fly are special effects, like sort of, films, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, good point. Good point. And I, a lot of gore, they, they up the terror in a different way of mm-hmm. more of like a, um, visceral type of horror and I think that this one just doesn't really do that so I I almost find it like the exact same movie just more um, you know they take certain scenes and just extend them throughout 100% um, and there's literally and I this... don't think I like that actually no, no, it, well it feels unnecessarily drawn out in the beginning it takes a long time to kind of get where we're going yeah the piece uh, of the original film is a lot better yeah yeah, I think there's there's still a lot of like to, to, a lot to like about this. There's there's still a lot of the same tension going on. I, I like Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland does a lot of walking around the city in this movie. <laughs> like, and, and he's and he knows a lot about fucking uh, rat shit. Obviously, he's a health <laughs> inspector, but like that's a caper. No, it's a piece of rat poop. But I like that. I like I love that scene. It's like if it's a caper, then eat it. Like it's the greatest simple thing, right? Because they fucking know it's not a caper. <laughs> I love that. It's great. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Um, obviously like, you know, the effects, special effects, practical effects, there's going to be an improvement there, which is cool. Um, you know, uh, I, a lot of similar themes, obviously in it, I think it features, you know, one of the most iconic endings in all of the horror horror sci-fi with the Sutherland where uh, what I, I can't remember the character's name where she thinks, you know, Oh look, we, we made it and we're going to do something. Now. Oh, that's um, that's uh, Jeff Goldblum's girlfriend in the movie. She, was I, it, she was an alien, right? I think the what, blonde chick was she in alien. alien? I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure, but yeah, but I mean, it, it is interesting the structure of this film and the way the ending actually happens and shit, because you don't really see it going that way because the way, it's kind of leading up to that. Like you can actually almost kind of forget about her 
and stuff. Veron- Veronica. Yeah. It, the thing that always yeah. bugged me about the end of this movie, like it's cool the way it goes down and stuff, but I'm just like, I just have a hard time believing that she was the one that outsmarted him. <laughs> right. Like, you know, to that point and stuff, it just seemed like she, the way it kind of plays out, it, it almost feels like she outsmarted because she was like the one that figured out, hey, if you know, if you just act emotionless and, you know, you just kind of like blend in with them and shit, but she managed to last that fucking long. I was like, that's crazy to me. I don't know. It just didn't seem, it just seemed like he was the smarter one, you know, that he was the one that wasn't going to be turned. So that's just me. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I assume because. I've watched, you know, other times I watched, and I was like, when exactly did they get to him? And I, I'm assuming they're alluding when he's kind of hiding under the bridge, and the dude flashes a flashlight. Like they cut the scene, but I, I, I guess after all that, he did he get found over there, and they just don't explicitly say it because they can't let you know for sure dude, in order a, to have that final scene. I swear it's a flaw because they because they specifically say in the narrative that. Um, you need to be asleep to fully develop the clone. You have to, you have to fall asleep. So the problem is with that whole twist is that we're never shown that he falls asleep. So we just have to assume that he did because that was the only way that is, that it was going to, you know, fully, you know, develop. Right. It's kind of, it's kind of bullshit. Actually, it's kind of almost like a copo because we don't see that. And then they just kind of throw this twist at you. Like, ah, you've turned. And it's like, excuse me. When the fuck did he fall? He was hell bent on. He just destroyed a whole fucking pod warehouse <laughs> with with no like and and you know he did all his own stunts and shit, man. I'm like, this is fucking crazy, man. When did he fall asleep? There's no way you're fucking falling asleep after you know did accomplishing you that. that. Did, did you find the sequence where he's destroying the the pod house or the pod warehouse like similar to Halloween three when like Atkins was up there and like did the thing with the mask and all that yeah, shit. A little Halloween bit. Halloween yeah. 3 definitely borrows from these movies. It, it definitely <laughs> it definitely does, actually, man. But I, I thought that was really interesting. Dollar Sutherland was, like, hell-bent on, you know, he said to the, you know, producers and shit, he's like, no, I'm doing my own um, doing my own stunts in this film. And he was actually up on those beams without harnessed and without a net and shit. And he was really cutting those ropes and everything was happening. Like, it was fucking nuts. And when he had to jump out of the building when it explodes and stuff, apparently he just got out. And I guess one of the guys that was on the set didn't quite get out in time and he got all burnt up and shit. I'm like, this is fucking crazy, man. 70s filmmaking. Glorious, man. But I was like, because when you watch those scenes when he's up there, it's like, that's fucking him, dude. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is not nowadays where they can CG that shit out and stuff. I'm like, that's not a stuntman up there. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. He actually got hit on the set in a car, too, for real. (laughs) <laughs> while he was Damn. filming a car actually nailed him it's kind of funny but but I mean don't you kind of agree though like the, t- the twist ending is cool but I mean really there's there's a little bit of a hole there yeah it's cool like it's an iconic scene yeah. isolated yeah house. it is iconic because I haven't seen this movie before but I've seen that scene mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. I mean there's so many like shirts and posters which did the Sutherland like scream and like pointing <laughs> and all that that the like if you see this movie for the first time, it would click and be like, oh, shit, that's where all that stuff comes from. <laughs> um, it is iconic, but it's like they the only way to accomplish that within the context of the movies, they have to purposely cut the part where the dude because the dude flashes the flashlight down where he's hiding. So yeah. you have to assume, OK, they found him and what gave him a sedative to make him go to sleep in order for that ending scene to make sense. 
Because otherwise, it's like, well, when exactly did he turn? They don't want to explicitly say, but it's one of those it things. Ha- that, it has to be at that point. I, I mean, it, it's just like Halloween three. When did she yeah. become a robot? You it, know, it, it's one of those things in filmmaking yeah, at least where with Halloween three they could just like kind of do it and don't need a specific set of parameters. Right. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. see, like you know, in filmmaking, it's like you know, if you show him being turned, the the ending doesn't work. Right. Yeah. But, but if you no shock to it, yeah, there's no shock to it. But if you if you don't show him being turned, then you question it. <laughs> it's like so. You, it's kind of like a no win battle, right? Because it's like when the fuck did this shit happen? So. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, and Veron- Veronica Cartwright. Yeah, she is Lambert and Alien, like the short hair blonde girl. Oh okay. That yeah. Is her. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But, um, um, I still enjoy this movie. I yeah, it's. Yeah. But I, I still think, I think the OG wa- is like better. I think watching them back to back is a bad move for the, I, this. Type I agree. Of I watched them back to back last night, and you know I've seen these both these movies before quite a few times. So like I, I mean I even remembered a lot of shit from it too and stuff. So and I do agree though. I think if you watch the original one, you know, say you know a night before and you watch the remake tonight it might have a little I, bit of a different i don't impact. even mean that i mean like in close proximity together i think that, that the new one would benefit or the 78 version would benefit from not even having the original in your head you know what i mean mm-hmm. then then you're doing less comparing and you're just taking it in mm-hmm. for what it is and you don't like because if you go from like that great original one um you're not it's the suspense isn't there as much in the second one because you just seen all this you know what yeah. i mean so um i think that if you're gonna watch this film don't watch it any time near the other one you know like watch this one this year and watch the other one a year from now or two years from now you know what i mean and, and <laughs> set I think it on your gonna... calendar for two years <laughs> <laughs> yeah but with that being said like i do own the 93 version and like i was like man i'm about to watch it. i feel like watching that <laughs> just because like i've never seen that either it's solid i mean yeah, things, I... things that this movie does do i mean obviously improves on the effects and stuff i mean you know it's kind of cool to see that you know those huge kind of buds and um it you know just a the little pods. bigger too yeah you i know mean, what i mean it just feels like a bigger movie it bigger feels bigger size. also because it's like a bigger it's, it's a bigger city area bigger city bigger city yeah. I, I i do think one of the problems with watching them back to back, like JP said, I'll, I'll give another reason I think is because uh, the running times are so different. This is like what a thirty-five minutes longer. Yeah, it's one fifty. So when you so when you watch the OG, it, it basically accomplishes the same story in such a quick, tighter running time with no yeah. Waste. There's no yeah, waste there's to no it. No waste to it. Yeah, and well, it ma- makes you like <clears throat> even more appreciate more that you know, and that fact that that one was made so much beforehand like 20 years difference that you know you're like almost like hey what's your excuse new movie you well that's because mean? they spend so much fucking time and i i don't know how these things work in hollywood and stuff but they spend so much time with uh the leonard nimoy character and stuff like you know the first time you kind of get introduced to him at that you know party and stuff there's a, like a really long extended scene with him and it's just kind of like a lot of lollygagging, and then there's that scene where they. Yeah, try that's. To... I think that's the main issue with like if they're. Yeah, like I still scenes... really like this, but my main issue with this one and watching them back to back is, you this notice one takes it like that, much yeah. longer to get kind of going. Like it's like we we're just kind of hanging out with these characters for a lot longer. Whereas the OG, it's like right up front, he walks into there and says, "Okay, I'm going to tell you what happened." And it's like it sets it off right away. Where this one, it's just. 
we, we don't need to hang out with these characters so much before things get going like hurry up just get to it <laughs> but it that's also a, that's a matter of because you're watching them back to back like jp said yeah, it yeah i mean i mean you notice these things though too right like i said the pace in the first one's a lot better because they don't extend a lot of the things and stuff but when you're adding in more characters like when you add in the psychiatrist character of, of nimoy there's another scene where they all like i was talking about before where they confront uh well they you know they're talking to him and they're trying to confront him and he's totally not believing them He's like, you know, like pretty much everything they're telling him is like insane because he's a psychiatrist and he's kind of looking at it from that angle and stuff. And it goes on for like 10 minutes, this whole scene. And then the scene ends with him getting into a car and then you realize that he's one of the clones. Mm-hmm. You're like, that just went on for that long to do that. <laughs> You're like, okay. And between those two scenes, it's like fucking 20 minutes, man. It's so extended. Like they just you know, don't you know need to be that long. about this movie? They just don't um, need to be that long. It had a December twenty or December uh, seventy eight, December twenty first seventy eight release. So like technically, like a Christmas Christmas film. December twenty. Oh wow, Christmas, a Christmas release, not a Christmas film. But it's kind of a weird place to place it. You know, one thing I took away from this film, what? I don't, I don't fucking understand mud baths. What the <laughs> fuck is the point of a mud bath? It like, feels good. Okay, I get that point, but what uh, what is the other? Is it supposed to like soften your skin and come out like so? Like, dude, it just looks like you're fucking soaking in diarrhea. It's messy. Like, I don't understand mud baths at all. It's like the weirdest. You never shit. played in the mud when you were a kid. Yeah, but it was mud baths are warm though. That makes a little bit more sense. Mm-hmm. But I just I don't know. Mud baths just kind of weird me out. It just know. seems like it seems like a rich white person thing to do. <sighs> I don't know, man. It's fucking weird to me, man. I don't know. Do you guys ever think that, you know, the scene where Jeff Goldblum's character discovers the clone inside the, uh, the mud bath cafe or whatever the fuck you want to call those things house or whatever. That scene is very awkward because all of a sudden it just seems like that clone is there. Yeah. Cause it takes time to do, mm-hmm. but why there though? Because the dude fell asleep in his mud bath, I guess. <laughs> did he fall asleep in the mud? Because I was trying to think of that earlier, like afterwards. I'm like, okay, did he fall asleep and it started developing inside another another cubby inside the mud bath cafe or whatever the fuck? And I'm like, wait a minute. Did I miss something? It's weird. I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know why it developed right there because I don't remember him falling asleep. It's fucking strange, man. Really, really strange. Maybe it's just editing wise, it was odd. What do you, what do you think, Mike? Yeah, I don't because <laughs> it's weird, right? Well, that's the thing. It's like I'm not 100 percent sure on how the process works from the pod to making the clone or the pod person. It is true. It's never really fully disclosed on how. You know, I mean, I, we we understand the falling asleep thing, mm-hmm. but we also are shown that some of these pods and stuff are developing when we our characters haven't slept yeah that's the thing because it's like it feels like they're already developing but then like later or you'll get scenes with like i know with uh, donald sutherland's character i think uh his his name is matthew where like the pod is kind of actually reaching out to like touch him so then i was like okay so does it have to have some type of physical contact in order to replicate well, and then as case- it yeah they, they do showcase that too because there's this really odd fucking scene in the film where you get to see the dog face <laughs> the, the human face on the yeah. dog uh 
that is but we get to see prior it, it's actually a homeless person that's passed out on the street with his dog or whatever and there's a pod hooked up to them and stuff and it obviously mutated somehow which is never explained they kind of it almost seems like it's comedy in the film because when you're watching this it's film al- it's almost like the fly like two things from one pot or something yeah like yeah when you're watching this thing like 41 years later you're like um those effects are it almost comes off as you know as being comedic in a sense right because they just kind of throw this in there with no explanation to why this thing's doing that but apparently it infects animals too with humans i fucking don't know I mean, um, I guess it's just an organism that any, like, organic life, it can replicate. That's mm-hmm. what I would assume. Any living tissue can replicate, I would assume. But. Yeah, because you see them transporting these pods and things like that, and you assume that, like, they almost need to be by a human to, like, attach themselves to clone it and stuff. But we're also shown – we're showing that, and then we're also shown the other aspect of these clones being there, like – and it's like, well, what the fuck, man? It's just – it's it's kind of weird how they do the story, but – I mean, we get we get the idea of what's going on, but and you know, I I really honestly wish that they had somehow kind of shown like the full kind of you know absorption, you know, somehow that would have been really cool. I think that's if this movie had been made in the eighties, you would have seen like that blob type effects where you would have seen the body fully, you know, yeah, that would have separated it from right being the same movie yeah like because i even watching it like i don't know for some reason in my head i've always thought this film came out in the 80s maybe just because like the other three that are like popular remakes of like 50s horror movies but um a couple years ago i thought i like realized that it was from the 70s and i just even still i expected it to be like sort of a gore uh film but it really isn't so mm-hmm. yeah i think I, I think that subconsciously i i like, want that there's like one scene in the film i think when donald sutherland's character sees his clone and he fucking takes an axe to it and he kind of hacks it up and shit like that is it his or is it another one i don't know but it doesn't matter he takes an axe and he fucking just demolishes the face and shit and it's like, it's totally it's totally those effects you know it's like it's not bad but you can tell it was just like a big rubber fucking dummy that he put an axe through it's kind of mm-hmm. funny but i mean it's a little bit of blood and gore and shit like that but I mean, all in all, I mean, I do like the one of my favorite scenes in the film is actually, you know, the end warehouse scene where he's just like demolishing the whole thing. And you're right, man. I mean, it's it is is essentially duplicated almost by it's almost cloned <laughs> by Halloween three. In a yeah, sense, right? so, but I mean, this movie has a lot of good points. I mean, the, the narrative is there. We can interpret the social commentary, even if I mean, who knows? I mean, you can just say that it was about, you know, immigration and things like that. I mean, I'm, they're definitely not pointing at, um, you know, the McCarthyism thing and communism, and you know, that type of paranoia and shit like that. But this film, you kind of take it for what it is. But again, you know, when you watch it right after watching the original one, you notice the pacing in this film just isn't the same. It's a little bit more drawn out. And it's too bad they don't do a little bit more with it, but it's still a great film. No matter, I, I, yeah, no matter I, I how you look at it, we all think that it's still really good. It's just I think Donald Pleasant. I just really have always liked Donald. You know what's really fucking creepy is watching Donald Pleasant, or Donald Pleasant, Donald Sutherland. Uh, you know, <laughs> talk and move around in the film, and then you think of his son, Kiefer, and like they're the same fucking person. Like their mannerisms, yeah. their voice, the way they talk, like the way they move, everything is the same. Those two are like identical, man. It's crazy. Um, one of the creepiest things in the film is not any scene with pods or, you know, aliens and shit like that. It's actually a scene in the beginning of the film when um, our character, I think uh, Elizabeth, when she finds one of the like little flower things, 
and there's a scene where there's a bunch of kids on a playground and stuff and there's this really fucking creepy scene where there's this priest swinging on the swing set what the (laughs) fuck is that shit about (laughs) that has to be the creepiest shit ever he it's like out of the blue there's all these kids and there's just like this full-grown old fucking probably pedophile priest swinging with the kids and i'm like this is so fucking wrong Maybe that is what the social commentary is. I don't know. <laughs> <Summed it laughs> you, could, you could dwell into that and kind of dissect that a little bit, but doesn't it seem weird? You guys notice the scene I'm talking about? It's right in the beginning of the film. It's like a scene where she's walking down the path. She finds that little bud and it kind of slows down a little bit. And there's a couple kids on the swing set and there's this like full grown priest like swinging with them. And it just, that's what it is. That's the end of the scene. I'm like, why is he swinging with the kids on there, man? strange i don't know man that's just me it's fucking four in the morning here so i'm like just rambling on i guess but um it's like almost five in the morning right <laughs> what no it's it's quarter to four here so it's what almost seven o'clock your oh, time yeah okay I'm all, yeah it's yeah. 344 here man we've been recording for six hours and 10 minutes wow and man. i was an hour late <laughs> so yeah yeah that's, um, that didn't really help with the whole situation too much yeah i'm really gonna try to be on time next week um but yeah let's uh get into ratings and finish this one out so i can go to sleep yeah for sure man i got uh i have my christmas so party you can tomorrow. go to sleep shit <laughs> I got my christmas party fuck it i want i was gonna go to the gym in the morning i don't know about this I got to go buy new clothes for the party too. So, anyways, uh, ratings. Who's first, Mike? No, who went first? What? It's you. Oh, it's me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I said pretty much what I had to say on the film. I don't really have to recap that, like I always do. I still really enjoy this film. I think it has a lot of great points. Got great performances. You know, it it doesn't really do anything to expand the narrative and stuff really at all. It's kind of the same <laughs> shit. I think some of the cameos are pretty cool in it. Um, that's really fucking cool what they did with that stuff and. I'm still going to come in at a solid nine. I think it's a, I think it's a great uh, remake for what it is. I just, you know, I, I, I just, you know, when people talk about the original and the OG and shit like that, most people lean towards the remake on this one. Oh yeah, for sure. It always I, comes up in greatest remakes. But I'm glad this is why you remake. I mean, it, it, as a remake, it definitely is up there for great remakes. But if we compare the original to the remake here, I think that the original is better. Nine so out of ten, I. still a great film. Uh, Mike. All right, so I'm pretty much along the lines as far as thinking the original is just a flawless movie. I still get a lot of enjoyment out of this one. I think there's a lot to like in it. The cast is great. The special effects obviously are improved. Um, I I just think the flaw in this one is a little bit of the pacing and a little bit of unnecessary running time and stuff with the characters at the beginning. Um, I'm going to say, uh, eight for this one. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think it's a great movie. It's, it's really fun. I'm sure if we did a top 10 of 1978, it could definitely be in that top 10 category. Although 78 is a strong year. Um, I think that it, you know, is a film that for seeing it for the first time, it, it was good. I, I just think that it's not good to watch so close with the original. Cause I was like, really, uh, you know into that one and and that one really had an effect on me and it just was a lesser effect so in turn it probably made me enjoy this one even less than i would have if i just took it on its own um because they are so similar um but yeah i'm still gonna come in at eight 
on on invasion of the body snatcher is 78 cool cool um yeah definitely no hall of famer on that one but i'm very glad to see a hall of famer i know it's nice again right? it's the first one well, we <laughs> almost had the faculty it's only a p- half point off oh really oh shit i didn't even think of that yeah because yeah, we've reviewed that looked. yeah yeah, because we yeah I guess we did the 2002 show, so it would have been yeah reviewed on there. Nope, nope. We did it for the the show that's titled "The Faculty: The Curve." And oh fuck that show, man! Murders. I forgot about that show. Oh my, how the fuck did I forget about that show? That show sucked. Yeah. Faculty's 98. That's I know. I'm it's fucking four in the morning. I I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, man. I you know what I was thinking? I was thinking the movie that um that we got wrong for 2001. That I think mm. was 2002. The frailty. the frailty. That's what I was thinking. I'm having one of those brain fart moments. For sure. Right. Um, for sure. Yeah, that's that's the show. That is the show, man. That is going to conclude. That's the show for show. <laughs> yeah, man. That's going to conclude episode 171 and our first episode of December. Uh, we've got a couple more coming for you guys next mm-hmm. week. What do we got coming on next week, man? We got um, our Christmas extravaganza. This is a listener's. Uh, choice show and we have the original inside uh we have dead end and oh fuck me help me out man p2 p2 that's right that is what was picked this year uh it was inevitable that inside was going to be picked this year i just knew that shit um Mm. pretty cool so three christmas films are based around christmas films so that'll be the christmas show uh, uh, guest next week is going to be the other half of Mikey over here from No Room in Hell and Jerry Cortez again. And Jeremy is going to be back, apparently. Yeah. I don't know if that's 100% confirmed. Now. I don't think that's 100% confirmed because he's talking like he's going to be, but who fucking knows with him. So, But Mikey, thank you um, once again for coming back on the show, man. You're always welcome, man. I love having you on, man. Um, how you feeling? You feeling hungover by now because the show was so long or what? <laughs> no, actually, because of the show length, I pretty much was able to like uh, ration the beer as we went. Like, I, It's not like I was downing them back to back to back because we I've been in here so long. So I'm <laughs> actually pretty like level. Nice. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay, man. Well, that is going to conclude the episode. JP, you want to roll yep. us on out of here? Yeah, so catch the Christmas show next week where we review the three films that you guys voted most um, deserving of this year's listener choice. Uh, we also will be taking a break after that for two weeks, um, and then you see, then you'll get the top 10 of 2019 show i'm looking forward uh, so, to that i'm looking yeah forward that to it. should be fun um you know remember, why i'm looking forward to that shit man because this year has been a complete fucking weird uh, like messy odd year like i i just i, I think everyone's list is going to be so different i know i say that a lot about mm-hmm. you know listenership but i think that i think that there's going to be a lot of differences in lists this year yeah Guar- um, guarantee so my number that- one is going to be your number 10 so that's usually what happens <laughs> possibly um but this is uh a year that i'm pretty excited to do round out the decade should be fun um i always get excited to do the top 10 shows still got some more prep to do um but again everybody who has patreon uh picks we got to a handful of them today we'll get to some next week and then um once you know the new year rolls around we don't have any like 
major things planned besides like 85 eventually. Uh, so we'll be able to get to everybody who had, you know, that their stuff didn't get talked about in December. Um, so yeah. And, you know, check out, um, our letterbox. I've been having fun with that. Um, and I highly recommend anybody out there who doesn't have a letterbox account, make one for 2020, man. It's, it's a fresh decade. Start logging your films. It really is like a nice little time capsule. Like I have stuff logged in there for almost a decade, like from 2011 to 2019. Uh, and it is like, I look back and I'm just like, Oh, I remember watching that back then. It's really fun. It's cool to, I like seeing what my friends are watching it's fun. I, I just I think that it, people who don't do letterbox are missing out on a fun little thing. Um, so do that, Mike. You too. Make a letterbox in twenty twenty. Um, I have one. I just I suck at like keeping marketing. it updated. But starting with twenty twenty, I'll try to be consistent. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, check out all the stuff, all the places we are. Remember, we are on Spotify. Uh, we are on iTunes. We are on horophilia.com. We are Stitcher. on his YouTube channel. We're on Stitcher. We're everywhere. I, ha- I It's always funny when someone's like, tells me they can't find us. I'm like, what the hell? I was like, you got to be looking. Like, you, if you looked under a rock, we'd probably be there. <laughs> it's true, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, so, just type the name into Google. It should come yeah. up with like every Dude, place available. Dude, I can available. say like, uh, okay, Google. And then my phone will be like, I'll be like, play 22 shots of Miz and Horror. I'll start playing the newest episode. Uh, just like that. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, yeah, see you guys next week. Um, Jeremy should be back, and Venom will be here. And we will have a merry, awesome Christmas. Yeah. Shout out to everybody. They I had fun. I forgot. PM. Dot dot. I'm out. This bitch.